The Cocoa Crew Podcast is hosted by Cyber Ears. If you are serious about your podcast hosting needs, you should check out Cyber Ears. Whether you are a podcaster, a radio host, a musician, a narrator, an audiobook author, or simply a school, church, corporation, or anyone else with an audio recording that needs to be hosted or distributed, you should check out CyberEars.com. Unlimited bandwidth, fast, reliable, and rugged servers with no hidden fees. CyberEars. Your audio, your terms. It's a blast from the past. Please listen carefully. Go, go. Welcome to the Coco Crew Podcast. A delicious adventure into the world of retro computing news and information. Featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Hey, you got your Coco 3 yet? Coco. Welcome, Coco Cruisers, back to episode 29 of the Coco Crew Podcast. Yay! I am uh, one of your hosts, John Linville. I'm joined uh, by uh, our usual crowd, plus one. Uh, Hello, Mike Rowan. Hello. (laughs) Hello, Neil Brookings. I mean, Neil Blanchard. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Or, Or for Boise, it's Neil Blanchard. That's right. And, of course... Um, uh, beyond the new, uh, uh, Boise Pete is, uh, is that French or, yeah, well, anyway, welcome Boise. I'm all as fat gentlemen. How is everybody doing very well here? Doing very well. Uh, everyone else I assume is doing well. Yes, we, sir. Uh, coming on just a couple of weeks past our, uh, our Tandy assembly event. We all should be reasonably recovered now. And uh, I think we had a good event. We'll probably talk about that a little bit later in the show. Um, so I definitely will say it was a big success and uh, exceeded my expectations. Uh, so very good, very good. I think we'll probably be having another one in roughly a year or so from now. Um, so go ahead and uh, make start making your plans for some vacation time next October. Um, we'll have to announce a f- further details when we actually get them <laughs> so uh, there you go uh, Tandy Assembly is roughly a, w- a year away from now uh, that'll be uh, the second annual when we get there um, but coming up in about six months we have what uh, this will be 27th annual Cocoa Fest is that right wow 27th annual last Chicago Cocoa Fest Coming up in Lombard, Illinois, and that'll be, um, uh, why am I not seeing the date? <laughs> uh, well, it's sometime in April. <laughs> April 21st and 22nd of 2018. Very exciting. Anyway, so I know you guys are all recovering from Tandy Assembly. Um, I know, uh, was I've been involved a bit this month with uh, some retro challenge judging i haven't done much of the actual challenge part but um what else is everyone up to anyone got a good project rolling uh, i'm working on something but i'm not ready to uh to talk <laughs> about it uh and like you said recovering from tandy assembly uh it's been an extremely busy month so uh after this podcast i think i can breathe 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But uh, Neil, did you, uh, are you are you working on anything now? No, not at the moment. Uh, still still uh, catching your breath. Yeah, still still catching up here with the uh, the regular day job, but uh, then I'm gonna get back into the projects. Cool. How about uh, how about you, boys? Are you got anything in the in the hopper? Well, yeah, I went to uh, Tandy Assembly and kind of got motivated. So when I got back, I started working on DriveWire for the Mac, the Mac server. So Tim Leonard and I have been uh, kind of doing some coding on the side. Um, of course, it's only for the Mac, of course, but uh, kind of getting it up to uh, snuff similar features on parity with the uh, DriveWire Java server. Cool. So is um is uh, the Mac not liking the drive driver server these days, or did you just uh, think that you needed to do some specific improvements? Uh, yeah, it, it seems to me that the the DriveWire Java server that Aaron wrote, which is pretty robust, but it there were some issues of launching it on the Mac, and it just feels a lot heavier. So we've had this project in the works for a while. We just haven't really extended it, so we're extending it with the different feature sets, networking, and so forth. Yeah, you're a you're a Mac user, right, Mike? Yes, yes. So I would be happy to because it seems like uh, it's been broken for a long time, just mostly due to Java updates. It's broken. So yeah, right. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of it's uh, it kind of sucks that we don't have a a single language that uh, supports everything, every platform. But um, you know, it's the platform I work on, so that's what I'm focusing on. <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, there's a Java write once or read never or write once and half run everywhere. Uh, I forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Write once, uh, cry the rest of your life. Yeah. yeah. I, I probably shouldn't down it too much. My my employer uh, does plenty of Java, um, has plenty of Java clients, I shall we say, or customers, I should say. But um, I don't do Java much myself, so I feel free to joke. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, okay, we got to, like I said, we're all still recovering a bit from projects, but, you know, the bug on e uh, on eBay always bites us. Anybody got any cool pickups lately? Well, I, I, it wasn't eBay uh, this time, but I'll tell you, did I ever hit a pickup? Oh, yeah? Uh, the day after Tandy Assembly, so I, I just got home, and I went and picked up a huge lot. I drove four, four and a half hours northwest to go score a huge cocoa lot. Wow. <laughs> we hate you. <laughs> couldn't uh, yeah, couldn't say no to it, but it's just funny. I spent another full day on the road, and my wife goes, "Are you crazy?" I'm like, "Well, maybe, you know." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. Anyone else pick up anything cool? I haven't, I haven't picked up anything, but I've been looking, and there are more Coco Twos uh, than I can remember. Of being for sale it just seems like there's a new one or two every day <laughs> yeah well i don't know if that's good or bad does that mean people are getting rid of them or it means people realize the value of them and don't throw them out it could be good it could be bad <laughs> hopefully uh hopefully it's just people realizing the value and, and uh, finding homes for them speaking that of cocoa twos uh, i keep looking for you boise <laughs> there was six in this lot you, you know what i'm talking about right the elusive 26-3136B yes, yes. Right. Thank you, Neil. I, uh, I've been looking for years and it just never shows up. It was a part of why yeah. I wanted to go uh, get this lot because when he said there was six Coco 2s in there, I'm like, you know, it might be a good chance one of those will be that model. 
but uh, unfortunately not. Yeah, that is an elusive model. Well, um, yeah, I've, uh, I didn't do too much this this month, but I did um, yeah, pick up a, a couple of uh, Coco software tapes um, for actually from the UK. Um, but uh, they are from the land of the dragon, but they do say on the cases that they're for the cocoa. So, so that's uh, pretty cool. Um, and I picked up something I didn't know about, um, but it's um, it's a joystick with a, the nine pin um, uh, connector, like for an Atari, single button, um, selectable. It's got a, a, a mechanical switch on the bottom, so it can be either four way or eight way. I mean, it will restrict you for four way. You can't go in the corners. Um, but the joystick is is branded by is branded Archer, which was of course a Radio Shack house brand and so i was never really aware that that archer had a a atari style joystick but um that's cool cool, so i picked it up (laughs) so seems pretty nondescript overall but still it uh you know it satisfied my collecting urge (laughs) definitely you could try that with the joypad adapter yeah i should yeah that's kind of (laughs) cool Cool. Well, I know I know three of us uh, did pick up at uh, Tandy Assembly. We got uh, Brendan Donahue's Coco VGA. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, yep. that's definitely a good score. Yep. Yep. And uh, boys, boys, you went ahead and um, pushed some of that code out to the Nigerian Nine repository to support that, right? Yeah, I forgot about that. That's another thing I'd worked on when I got back. Um, very cool stuff. I think I said repository. Of course, I mean repository. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sixty-four by uh, sixty-four by thirty-two uh, text driver. Yeah, for, the, uh, for, for level for level one. Yeah. Is that released, uh, Boise? Is it done? Yeah, well, it's it's uh, it's written, and I committed it, and I believe it was merged into the Nitrous Nine project. Uh, oh, very awesome. cool. So, yeah, Great. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. All right. Well, that's enough to get us warmed up. So why don't we uh, take a break, get a message from our sponsors, and uh, we'll be back with some announcements. Gimme Soft presents Max Sound. Gimme Gimme Soft Soft presents Max Sound. Gimme Soft presents Max Sound. Max Sound is a hardware software, high-quality audio recording station designed for the new Color Computer 3 by Lucas Industries 2000. Max Sound allows you to store real music and voices in the Color Computer 3. Max Sound will provide hours, hours, hours of fun for the whole family. From Hel- 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 Helsinki to Christchurch. Max Sound, the quality recording studio of the 80s. From Gimmesoft. All right, welcome back, Coco Cruisers. And now we are here for some announcements. Of course, we are the Coco Crew Podcast. We are available uh, to uh, interact with you on Twitter, where our handle is at Coco Crew Podcast. That's at C O C O C R E W P O D C A S T. And, um, of course, similarly, we have a, a Facebook group. Uh, if you want to find that, you can, uh, of course, the link is in the show notes, or you can just search for The Coco Crew Podcast. That's four words. Um, 
I'm not going to spell that, but <laughs> the Coco Crew Podcast um, on Facebook. We are also, of course, available as a podcast on iTunes uh, and uh, on Google Play. And we're available for streaming on Stitcher and on TuneIn. Coco Crew Podcast is a member of the Throwback Network. The Throwback Network, of course, is a collection of retro-themed podcasts. Uh, most of them centered around... Uh, 80s cultural icons, um, old computers, video games, uh, nostalgia, old TV shows, all that sort of thing. <laughs> so if you're trying to get your retro on and you're uh, not satisfied with just the Coco Crew podcast, then we recommend you check out the Throwback Network. Well, similarly, we are listed on the Game by Game Podcast Information Hub. This is also a collection of retro-themed podcasts, although in this case, uh, the the themes are strictly old computer video game based. <laughs> so uh, if you are trying to get your retro nerd on, you may want to start with the Game by Game podcast information hub and look for other uh, similarly themed podcasts about old computers and video games. Audio for the Coco Crew podcast is, of course, hosted on Cyber Ears. If you have a need to host audio on the Internet, we recommend that you check out Cyber Ears where you will get your audio on your terms. Should you feel the need to reach out to the members of the Coco Crew podcast, we have some email addresses set up for that. Um, if you want to reach all the regular hosts, then you can reach us at show at cococrew.org. That's S-H-O-W at C-O-C-O-C-R-E-W dot O-R-G. Um, podcast at cococrew.org or feedback at cococrew.org. Uh, and if you, for some reason, want to restrict your communications to just one of the um, the regular hosts, uh, I'm available as John, J-O-H-N, at cococrew.org. Neil is available as Neil, N-E-I-L, at cococrew.org. And Mike, of course, is available as Mike, M-I-K-E, at cococrew.org. Um... So that is our standards uh, rack of announcements. At this point, we uh, typically address um, retro-themed events that we'd like our listeners, uh, we think our listeners to be interested in and want to make you aware. Um, I think this one is left over from last month, but it's still going on. <laughs> uh, retro Challenge 2017-10. That's for October 2017. Retro Challenge events last for one month at a time, October 1st to 31st in this case. The event is more than halfway through. There has been a halftime report published as of this week, you know, three quarters of the way through, but we'll still call it a halftime report. <laughs> uh, it's probably a bit too late for anyone to enter, but, uh, you know, you may want to check it out and uh, get a feel for it. Maybe you can join us again in the, in the spring. Yeah, so that's a retro challenge, uh, October 1st to 31st of 2017. Moving on to events that you actually go to, we have Free Play Florida 2017. This is, um, let's see, where is this? This is um, uh, Free Play Florida by Byte Amusement Group, and it is in Orlando at SeaWorld, <laughs> November 17th through 19th. 2017. Um, very tempted to go to this one. Uh, so, Free Play Florida, a three day celebration of the history, artistry, competition, and creation of electronic gaming of all kinds. 
<laughs> driven by the enthusiastic gamers of the Southeast. Over 200 arcade and pinball games, hundreds of consoles, and countless things to learn, play, and see. The 19th of November is, of course, my birthday. I'm very tempted to go and celebrate my birthday uh, down in Florida, but uh, I'm not sure I'm actually going to make it. In fact, I'm pretty sure I won't. But <laughs> Treat yourself. <laughs> I do, yeah, I you do that go. fair enough. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> But my loss, uh, well, it's not really my loss in your game, but just because I'm not going doesn't mean you shouldn't. So go and have fun. Let me know how it is, and uh, maybe I'll make it next year. <laughs> Moving on from there, you know, on the website here, it says December 9th through 10th of 2017, the World of Commodore. Uh, this is uh, this is in, what, uh, Toronto? <laughs> Yep. Toronto, I'm going to say it like an American. That's <laughs> <laughs> Toronto, Ontario, Canada. <laughs> Neil, this is your, your favorite event outside of the Tandy world. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, well, it's uh, well. first of all, I can't believe it's a little over a month away already. I mean, that, that that's come fast. Um, definitely a good event, even if you're not in a Commodore. Like I said before, uh, there is other you know booths and exhibits there. Just a fun gathering. You know, and uh, Walter's there. Josh is there. He usually has his paper tape reader running. Uh, yeah, it's a good time. Cool. All right. Well, moving on um, from the uh, the the cold uh, northeast beyond the northeast, <laughs> the cold the cold reaches of Canada to um, uh, the Pacific Northwest of the United States. Uh, February 10th or 11th, 2018, will be Vintage Computer Festival or VCF. Pacific Northwest that will be held at the Living Computer Museum and Labs in Seattle, Washington. Uh, so if you're in or near the Pacific Northwest region of the United States and have a, a taste for vintage computing, I definitely suggest you make some plans to get out to the VCF event there in February. Uh, I think this is going to be their first event at that location. Is that correct? Yes, no? that's correct. I, I think so. All right, so like you said, go. If you go, let us know. Go and represent the, the Coco or other Tandies and uh, let us know how you do. <laughs> All right, moving on. Still in February, February 17th to 18th, 2018. This is in my neck of the woods. The um, Playthrough Gaming Convention 2018 held at the Raleigh Convention Center in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, you know, I didn't go uh, last year, so I'm not really sure, but the pictures look good. A lot of gaming going on. It looks like a lot of PC gaming and some of their uh, promotional stuff. Um, I think there's cosplay. Uh, so, you know, you want to go and try to hook up as a Coco Cat or whatever. You know, that's on you. I'm not <laughs> judging. Um, what do you normally go as? <laughs> <laughs> I normally go as a fat middle-aged man. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got that costume too. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, the Playthrough Gaming Convention again. That is, um, oh, I've lost it. Um, February, uh, February seventeenth and eighteenth, twenty eighteen, in Raleigh, North Carolina. A lot of people were there from last year's pictures. I, it was a nice gathering. Yeah, I think it was uh, pretty well attended. They have a few events kind of like that in the area, the larger area here. Uh, I've been to a couple of them, but never to that particular one. Um, 
anyway, like I said, it's gaming stuff. You get a lot of people there playing, you know, like Magic the Gathering or whatever, and Pokemon and <laughs> whatever else. So yeah. it's not exactly a retro crowd, but if you're into gaming conventions, why not? Anyway, okay, coming up on next on our list, this is um, for the next six months our big event, <laughs> the 27th annual last Chicago Cocoa Fest in Lombard, Illinois, where you will be able to touch the heron. Yeah, <laughs> this is a cool event. It's um, you know for years the only uh, event for uh, for our particular kind of of nerdery. <laughs> So where um, all the Cogo Crew guys met, um, you know, long-running event, lots of Coco stuff, obviously. The origin of the No Minimum Bid auction. That's where it <laughs> uh, all started. Highly recommended, especially if you're a Coco person. Make Absolutely. it out to, to Lombard, Illinois, April, where is it, 21st and 22nd, April 21st and 22nd, 2018. Tickets at the door of two-day event are $15 for the first family member, $5 for the second family member, and beyond. <laughs> Sunday-only tickets are $10 and $5. Um, children age 12 and younger are admitted for free. So, if you want to drag your brat along, go ahead, bring them. They're free. <laughs> Start saving your pennies. you got six months. That's six months to plan. We always get a few people, oh, if I'd only I'd known, oh, how can I get out there? Oh, can somebody take a picture or buy something for me or whatever because I just can't make it? Well, you know, I'm sure there are hardships, but, um, you know, failure to plan <laughs> is the biggest hardship. So start planning now. Make your way out to Illinois. It's not that bad a trip. It's a pretty good place to visit. So coming out, 27th annual last Chicago Cocoa Fest. I'll be there. And if you have any projects, get those on the roll, too. Get, get Six months. Going. Good place to, uh, if you're looking to sell uh, items that you've built or designed or whatever, it's a good place to buy stuff that other Cocoa people have built or designed. It's a good place to trade ideas about how to do projects. Uh, it's a good idea. a good place to go and trade ideas about how to finish old games and <laughs> all kinds of stuff like that. So come on out. All right. Last item on our list on our schedule for the coming year for now until we learn our new stuff. Um, again, it's Kansas Fest 2018. Um, and that is scheduled for July 16th through 22nd of 2018, Kansas Fest. This is basically summer camp for Apple II nerds. Um, a pretty cool event, several days running of uh, going into a lot of technical discussions and a lot of time to rub elbows with other retro geeks, um, play old video games and program stuff, participate in programming contests, all sorts of stuff. And, of course, it is Apple II-centric, but, you know, it's all right. It washes off. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it's a pretty good group of folks. I like the uh, the Kansas folk, Kansas Fest folks. Wish them luck. Last year they uh, um, they they sold out last year, <laughs> so I don't know how that's going to affect their venue for this year. I don't think there are any announcements about that just yet. Probably won't be able to register for another couple of months. But you may want to keep an ear to the ground and uh, start checking that out if you're interested in attending Kansas Fest. 
selling out is right. a good problem to have. Yeah, definitely. Well, we almost had that at Tandy Assembly, but uh, not just not quite yet. Yeah, it's close. <laughs> All right. Well, that is our stack of announcements, uh, and so we are going to take another little break, and we'll be be back with some news. Tandy Assembly would like to thank our sponsor, Boise Pete. Boise is co-author of Coco, the colorful history of Tandy's underdog computer, available from Amazon.com. This book is the go-to source for information about the history of the Tandy color computer. In addition to being a color computer historian, Boise has been a longtime supporter and developer of OS9 and Nitrous 9 operating systems. He is also a software developer for Cloud9. Thank you to Boise Pete for being a Tandy Assembly sponsor. Welcome back, Coco Cruisers. Now it's time to talk about some news. Uh, first item on our news docket uh, comes from Adafruit. The title, Mostly True Tales, the Radio Shack TRS-80 Modem 1. And this is, um, well, I guess it's part interview and, and, and part just right up from uh, someone we know from the Facebook group of Paul did uh, Schreiber or Schreiber? Do you know, Boise? I think it's Schreiber. Okay, Paul Schreiber. Paul tells the story of being a, basically an intern and working in at uh, Radio Shack Tandy back in the day and moving on to, to doing the design for the, the Modem 1. Uh, <laughs> which was, uh, that was uh, one of those modems where you you dial the phone yourself until you heard the tones and <laughs> flick a switch and hang up. <laughs> uh, those were the days, weren't they? I've got anyway. one next to me right now. <laughs> I, I experienced that modem for the first time last year at uh, BCF East. BCF East. Uh, so there's pretty good pictures in here. Some nice um, wiring jobs and a lot of, you know, chip porn or whatever. Um Anyway, so pretty cool story. Some some Tandy Radio Shack history. Uh, entertaining. It's on the Adafruit site, so you know how bad could it be, right? So check it out. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Moving on, um, I've got a little announcement here: the PC Retro Motherboard Kit from MTM Scientific. So this is not Cocoa at all, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of people in the community are, are uh, fond of a certain amount of kit building, you know, taking chips and putting them on boards and soldering them, and soldering them down and such. Um, this case, the kit is for a reproduction of the IBM PC 5150, which, of course, is the, the IBM PC, the one that started it all. Um Probably not something everyone would love, but <laughs> uh, it looks kind of cool. It definitely appears to be faithful to the original. So if you have a need for a, an original 5150 and you're having trouble finding one on eBay or at least paying the prices that you'll pay there, then this might be an option for you. 
What do you think, Mike? I know I can feel the force of you wanting to get one of these. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a neat kit. Uh, it would be a fun build, and you know, get a monochrome monitor for it might be fun. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be cool to have. And, you can run um, CPM on it. And well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Why run something practical, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on, we've got a link uh, to. Um, well, this is a link to archeogaming.com. I think I may have find, found this through Gamma Sutra originally, but it says um, the subtitle of the, of the website, Exploring the Archaeology in and of Video Games. So anyway, I think it's kind of a cool site for people that are into old software um, and old video games in general. Um, I'm not sure it quite goes all the way back to the kind of video games we typically play, but you never quite know what these sorts of things lead to, right? Um, anyway, this particular article talks about um, finding a emergent behavior in video games. And, and well, I guess the title says what um, the archaeology of video game complexity. So, it's, you know, it might have a bit of an academic edge to it, uh, talking about levels of complexity and and in software and how the more complex the software gets, the more it does, you know, things you didn't expect. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, not strictly cocoa by any means, but um, I think, uh, you know, if you have the right mindset, you might enjoy it. So take a look, kill some time. I know there've been plenty of games that I expected to be entertaining. All right. So the next link that you just barely started to the, the hearing the beginning of is a quick look at the Dragon DMMC and Explorer. Um, so for those that aren't aware, there's a kind of a new kid in town um, called the, um, I thought it was called the Dragon MMC. Uh, here it seems to be referenced as the Dragon DMMC. I don't know, maybe that's just a typo. Anyway, the Dragon MMC is kind of like... Um, the uh, the British equivalent uh, <laughs> or the Dragon equivalent of the Coco SCC, a way to, to plug uh, you know SCC or MMC cards, I guess, um, into your well your Dragon or your Coco and uh, and play your software uh, images off of uh, the the more modern media format. And so this video is a demo of the new product and. Um, to demonstrate some of his features and and um, you know how it works and that sort of thing. Um, so, get a chance you may want to take a look. And uh, there are I think there are some still available. There probably will be more. Um, and so, if you are a Dragon user, or even if you are a Cocoa user, you uh, may have an interest and want to take a look. Either of you guys got one of these yet? Yeah, I, uh, I picked one up. I haven't tried it out yet, but it uh, yeah. definitely looks cool. That's a long card, too. Yeah, yeah, I've I've got one, but I haven't played with it yet. But um, yeah, it looks looks like a um, you know, a nice addition to the uh, community of uh, of devices, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Yeah, there's some other other neat features on it too that uh, the other ones can't do. So it's kind of a it's useful in some other ways. Yeah, well, like it's it, it's got special features for loading cassette uh, images. I think that's one of them. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so a pretty neat device. 
hopefully we'll see that uh, expand in its usage in uh, the dragon community at least and uh, and maybe the coco community as well very exciting stuff yeah it's a cool sure. video all right, uh, moving on, we have a, a link to something on the Color Computer Group, which, um, you know, is mostly just left in here because I thought it was interesting to see kind of what kind of failures you can sometimes see on a device while you're still working on it. <laughs> um, the Jim Brain was uh, nice enough to uh, post a picture of a failure mode he was having on his CocoMim uh, 4 meg RAM expansion while he was, uh, you know, not quite finished with it. Um, he's got, um, a couple of pictures there, um, and, um, one shows the screen kind of filled with junk for, you know, well, that was the, the question is why is this all here? <laughs> the other one shows, um, uh, him, uh, shows his device in, in, uh, in his cocoa with, a a bunch of wires run to it, presumably from a logic analyzer. <laughs> so it's kind of cool, a little techno porn. Um, so anyway, that's why I included it. I thought it was a cool piece of news. Um, the Coco Mim actually did get released a little bit. So I'll talk about that a little bit later in the news segment. Okay, so moving on. The next item in the list. Well, of course, you, you wouldn't expect us to go very long without hearing from Jim Gary. So Jim Gary here has a video that's uh, titled Flight, all capitals, Flight, Successful Landing. So, um, you know, it appears we have some sort of flight simulator <laughs> for the <laughs> MC-10. Uh, I don't know how faithful a simulation this is, you know, if it is really doing all the math of a real flight simulator or it's more of a, you know, you know, who knows. Um, but... It looks like you can at least uh, get the feeling of a flight simulator on your MC-10. That's pretty damn um, <laughs> impressive just by itself, whether he's uh, faking it or, or really doing all the calculations. Either way, still pretty impressive. Um, you guys ever do a flight simulator on your MC-10? <laughs> no, no, can't say I have. <laughs> Not on the 10. Uh, uh, I, I was a pilot, so I think I think looking at the video, it would kind of be like flying after you know drinking several roman cokes <laughs> well again that, that could sounds be fun like the voice of experience so <laughs> <laughs> uh, i like that my quips out i was a pilot not nobody said really it was, of course he was you know it's <laughs> <laughs> a talented guy right there myro <laughs> All right. Well, moving on to the next. Oh, it's been a long time again. Oh no! <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I recognize that voice. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. Well, that uh, he'll just have to wait a little bit longer. Um, oh, uh oh. Yeah. Okay. Now we're ready. <laughs> next item on our list: uh, a news item. Um, this is from the, the the Dallas News. I'm surprised it's not from uh, whoever that other was that had all the the previous Radio Shack stories um, that we never heard of. Anyway, the Dallas News reports the 50 people left at Radio Shack headquarters will be moving out of downtown Fort Worth. Um, 
So apparently the bankrupt company's headquarters staff down to about 50 people will relocate from the west end of a campus along Trinity River, now owned owned by Tarrant, Tarrant County College. They're moving to a space in a warehouse on Terminal Road north of Fort Worth Stockyards. <laughs> so, Time. you know, I don't know if that's good news or bad news. It's probably kind of a neutral news other than if you have to move the equipment yourself. Um, but, you know, it does sound like Radio Shack is still trying to plot along. Maybe they'll come back in some form or fashion eventually. Um, maybe not. You know, it's a little hard to tell. <laughs> um, I don't think we got it elsewhere in the news uh, thing. There was a, a kind of a rumor that um, that Adafruit had bought them. And I think Adafruit kind of played up the notion, but I think it may have turned out that they just had bought, and so, bought some uh, old stock certificates from the Radio Shack auction, and they were kind of fooling people, <laughs> which is a little sad. I was hoping that yeah. Adafruit would pick up Radio Shack, but... Alas, I don't think that actually happened. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, that's the news. So we're moving on. Uh, next link comes from uh, Gamma Sutra. We, we have Gamma Sutra links on here pretty regularly. It's a, you know, a, a website kind of for game designers. Um, kind of bounce off and ideas off each other and talk, to, talk and stuff. Anyway. Um, they occasionally have articles that I think are relevant to uh, to retro game stuff, and this one I think is it's um uh, does game design essentials twenty Atari games, and by Atari in this course in this case of course it means the Atari twenty six hundred. Uh, I think it's limited to that. Uh, I'm not clicking through them all right now, but uh, certainly early games by Atari. I think they're mostly twenty six hundred games anyway. Um, point being is um you know. There are uh, things about old games that are still relevant for people designing new games. And so, you know, if you th- are thinking about writing games either for the Coco or for some other platform, uh, you may want to check out what Gamma Sutra has to say about these old games and, you know, help it inspire you. So what do you think, Neil? Did you check them out? No, I haven't yet. <laughs> and sometimes, uh, you know, when you do game design, it doesn't have to be uh, very elaborate. You know, sometimes the simplest games are the most fun. Yeah, gameplay is important, or everything. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) All right, well, moving on, we have another Jim Gary game. This one is Space Duel. Uh, Of course, the way he's typed the title on the YouTube video is Space Dull. (laughs) So hopefully it's more fun than that that suggests. Um, It says a simple game he typed in from 80 Micro, August 1982, by Dave Eddick. I mean, I don't know. What are you going to say? It's 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 just a it's just a game. A game for the MC10. Something else to play. Uh, definitely, you know, you're shooting at some stuff. It, I think it'd be a good way to have some fun. So, <laughs> so check oh, it out cool. if you, especially if you're an MC10 person, go check it out. Um, you know, Jim generally won't steer you too wrong, right? Okay, so the next link. Well, this is a link to GitHub. <laughs> Uh, this is from uh, William Schaub. Uh, I think it's kind of new to the group. Uh, he's um, uh, trying to learn some assembly language stuff and maybe help other people along the way. I guess in this case, he's um, um, 
apparently writing some assembly language that um, um, gets some work done by by essentially writing some basic commands and having the basic interpreter execute them. And um, it looks like he's got a patch here that says, make sure we preserve vital CPU registers when making basic calls, and, or we might tear our hair out later wondering why things don't work as expected. Um, so the point being is if you're going to call basic, make sure you um, do things right to kind of preserve your own sanity. <laughs> so um, I don't know if this is useful to any of you, uh, at least uh, if you are trying to do some assembly language and have a need to or think it might be cool to have your program just jump to basic and execute some commands. Uh, I think the key to how to do that correctly is kind of right here. So if nothing else is an extra technique for you to stuff in your pocket. So very cool stuff, huh? Yeah, that's that's very cool. You know, you you always hear it the other way around, right? Yeah, with basic calling assembly language. Right. Yeah, well, that's you know that of course is for performance, but uh, sometimes um, the, you know basic is a closer to human language, so it be, means it's easier to express things in basic than it is to express them in assembly language. Right, which hopefully hopefully means that if you write in basic, you'll also have fewer bugs, right? So if you can tolerate the speed penalty, um, it's usually a better way to or or a way to ensure code that at least is less buggy <laughs> and maybe even quicker to write. True, that's cool. All right, okay. So moving on, uh, we've got uh, a link to uh, the EEV blog. Um, is that thousand twenty one? Yeah, I guess so. So the EEV blog is an electrical engineering blog that, or it's a video blog. It's <laughs> um, been around a while, as you can tell by the episode number. And it's a fellow by the name of Dave Jones, who um, um definitely Australian. I think he kind of plays it up in almost a, a Mick Dundee kind of a way. <laughs> oh, <hell. laughs> he, he's kind of extra Australian when he's on video, if you know what I mean. Um, but uh, he plays it up and throws in uh, a few crikeys and, and good days and that sort of thing. <laughs> but um, so he does a lot of uh, you know, electrical engineering topics. Uh, sometimes it's about circuit design. Sometimes it's about well, even like case design or other aspects of product design. But he also does like teardowns of old computers and um, a, a variety of topics. And in this case, he's, he does a, a review of the uh, the the uh, TRS-80 color computer. So the link to the video, um, I wouldn't say it was one of his best or that it was ever, that it was even a, a great treatment of the color computer, but you know, Dave Jones uh, does a lot of good work and uh, paying attention to our machine. So figured I should cover it. <laughs> so go and check it out. And um, you know, if you find yourself enjoying enjoying the EEV blog, well, you wouldn't be the only one. What do you think, uh, boys? Did you ever check out EEV blog? Actually, I have. Uh, I was watching it pretty religiously for a while. I haven't checked it out in a while, but I saw the link in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, it's it's good stuff. In fact, uh, he actually reviewed some hardware, uh, Rigol, which makes power supplies mm. and uh, scopes. And I actually picked up a power supply based on his recommendation. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Good, good blog to our good uh, YouTube video series to watch. Yeah, he, he seems to know what he's doing. So I won't deny that. 
But like I said, he does some other retro teardowns from time to time. And, and you know, he's got a pretty good sense of humor. He's kind of funny. Um, so not a bad way to spend some time. Definitely. All right, moving on. Um, the next link uh, is uh, for a blog from Martin McDougall. There's a quick update on the Coca 3 port of asteroids tonight. It's like, what? <laughs> so, Mark is, um, that's kind of his stock and trade is taking, uh, you know, like um, arcade systems or whatever and, and porting them back uh, to other systems, including the Coco, um, some of which uh, often are, um, you know, these, um, uh, I'm losing the word now, but you know, transcode kind of um, projects where, you know, you take the the original processor's code and kind of almost mathematically convert it to the 6809 or whatever processor you're dealing with. Um, and, uh, you know, akin to what uh, Glenn Hewlett did with the, the Pac-Man ports or, or Shockmaster's Donkey Kong port. Um Lately, he's been working with the uh, Asteroids, and he did a port of Asteroids, the arcade Asteroids, over to uh, the, Atari, uh, no, the Apple II GS, and uh, he's also now extending some of that work uh, into the Coco 3, so Asteroids on the Coco 3. And, of course, part of what makes that interesting is um, Asteroids, of course, used a, a vector monitor, uh, so which, you know, it's so unlike the raster TV-style monitors that we're accustomed to. The vector monitor is more like an oscilloscope, where it literally uses the electricity to draw on the screen <laughs> uh, at the direction of the game, rather than with a, a with a predetermined pattern. Um, so part of his porting here is is uh, emulating that uh, different style of display. Anyway, it's pretty interesting from a technical uh, uh, perspective. He's done pretty, uh, had pretty good success getting it working on his Apple II GS, and uh, you know the Coco Three is a, uh, a second effort on that now. Uh, sounds like he's getting pretty close. Um, so we'll probably see um, asteroids available for the Coco Three pretty soon. Sounds pretty exciting. Uh, if you like asteroids, definitely you'll be able to play that on your Coco Three. <laughs> Screenshots looked amazing. Yeah. 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 He's really captured the, I mean, it looks, you know, like vector graphics, which uh, even like when the ship crashes and falls apart, it's uh, pretty amazing. Steve Strobridge is the hottest thing to hit the Coco world since Lonnie Falk. Each week, the world tunes into Coco Talk and listens to Steve's take on the Coco world. But what of the decades before his sudden emergence on YouTube? Find out in Felicity Void's new unauthorized biography, Gameplay Goodness, the Steve Strobridge story from Tab Books. Follow Steve's early days with the Coco One and how he caught the eye of recruiters from the Army's counterintelligence corps and used his Coco One to become a black ops phenomenon. Twice recipient of the BME and Barack Rodna. Learn how his under-the-radar military career landed him behind the scenes of one of America's most popular cooking shows. Follow Steve's meteoric rise as a Vegas nightclub owner to the heartbreaking accident that permanently destroyed his chance for a place on the U.S. Olympic curling team. Gameplay goodness is a roller coaster ride of unbelievable daring, audacity, conspiracy, and dumb luck. You will be shocked, thrilled, and transformed by the truth. Available at Amazon.com and wherever fine books are sold. Gameplay Goodness, the unauthorized biography of Steve Strobridge from Tab Books. Tandy Assembly would like to thank our sponsor, Cloud9. 
Cloud9 has been designing and producing cool hardware and software for the color computer since 1994. Install Cloud9 products yourself or have Cloud9 install them for you. Cloud9 provides full-service color computer repair, upgrade, and restoration services. Learn more at their website, www.cloud9tech.com. Cloud9, cool stuff for your color computer. Thank you to Cloud9 for being a Tandy Assembly sponsor. All right. So moving on. Um, so we mentioned uh, the debugging of CocoMim a little bit earlier. I guess he got it working, uh, he being Jim Brain, got it working well enough that now he has a product page on his Go For Retro, uh, that's G-O numeral 4, R-E-T-R-O dot com. He has a product page there for CocoMim, um, and uh, you can learn about it. And it looks like, I don't think it's actually available to purchase just yet, but uh, it's basically a, a a two-megabyte memory upgrade for the Color Computer 3. You actually uh, have to yank out your your Gimme chip, uh, place the Gimme chip on the CocoMem board, and plug the CocoMem board back into the Gimme socket. Um, And um, like I said, that gives you then access to at least two meg, and uh, I think he's got it worked out for... He went to... Well, it says hardware supports up to 64 meg of RAM. <laughs> um, so how will you ever use that? Uh, I don't know. I'm sure somebody can figure it out. <laughs> That's all you'll ever need, 64 yeah, meg. Okay. <laughs> On a Coco, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's great news, though. It's uh, good that that development's come along like that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um you know, he's uh, got some neat features too. Kind of goes beyond the 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 old um, disto upgrades. Um, uh, is he? Um, uh, it looks like he's got some compatibility with the NoCan upgrades. Uh, I'm not sure if it's 100% compatible there or not. But um, anyway, it looked like he had uh, OS9 running on it at least to some degree. Uh, sounds like there's some features that um, maybe OS9 or Nitrostein could be expanded to take care of or some some memory protection, or maybe it's something that Fusix or, or another operating system could access. Um, so it could be pretty neat. Well, like all these hardware projects, it always sort of depends on which talented software person is going to take it under their wing and do something with it. <laughs> so we'll have to see where that comes in. But um Looks pretty good so far. So very exciting, Jim. But not to be outdone, it kind of tops himself. <laughs> Jim's and the next link, also from Jim, Coco Mim Jr. And so um, he's basically taken um, uh, and created a similar product that runs on a Coco um, 1 or 2 or Dragon and provides memory expansion on those systems that is... Uh, basically compatible, well, I guess it's compatible with CocoMem. It's certainly compatible with like the Disto one and two, uh, Disto uh, one and two meg upgrades or whatever. Uh, but on a Coco one or two or Dragon, so theoretically uh, you could be running a level two nitrous nine on a on a Coco one. Uh, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and. Um, they may have to hush up about all those people putting 6309s in their Coco 1s and 2s. If they're going to get their Coco Mim Juniors in there, then maybe they will have something to do, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely do it. That's the one I'm anxious for. Uh, you know, I've, I've never laid eyes on any of the upgrades for the uh, Coco 1 and 2 memory upgrades. So 
Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. So yeah, so that's pretty cool. So I think I'm, I'm like you. I think in some ways I'm more excited about the Coco Mim Junior just because it it uh, provides that that leap beyond you know if you already got the Coco One and Two and don't have a Coco Three or you know sounds like there's not many Coco Threes in Europe. Um, maybe this provides some Coco Three like capability um, for uh, especially for Nitrous Nine users uh, on yeah. those earlier systems. If you think about it, you combine that with the Coco VGA, and you've got you can have a 64 by 32 text screen running level two on a Coco two. That's just that's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty. That's cool. amazing. Yeah, crazy fun. Yeah, crazy fun. <laughs> that's, that's pushing the Coco two right to the limits. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty cool. All right. Well, let's see next link on the agenda here. Uh, it comes from the Coco mailing list, uh, Paul Shoemaker. Um, and his title, I've Killed My Coco 3. <laughs> that sounds like a country song. Yeah, I've Killed My Coco 3. Uh, spending too much time with someone else or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, so, so Paul, uh, I guess, um, he heard about the 6309 upgrade. And I, I guess I can't fault him too much for doing the 6309 upgrade on the Coco 3, as we kind of hinted at. Uh, we've hinted at maybe it's not the best idea or, or a great idea on the Coco 1 or 2, but on the Coco 3, it definitely is a good thing to do, um, or can be. Uh, unfortunately, um, well, you know, number one, uh, it breaks my heart to hear people taking the 6809 out by clipping the legs off of it. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people find that a reasonable way to do it. Unfortunately, it sounds like somewhere in the process, though, so, um, cleaning up the, the traces or cleaning up the, the pins out of the, the old um, space on the motherboard, uh, he's gotten some damage to his uh, CPU socket. And now his Cooker 3 don't boot. So that's not too good. Um, he did post the mailing list. And it sounds like he got uh, some offers of people who were you know, well, some suggestions on how he might fix it. And a few people basically offering to fix it for him uh, for cost of shipping the motherboard or whatever. That's pretty nice. It's a good community thing. Yeah, it's, that's probably speaks positive for the community. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. So, exactly. anyway, point point being, uh, it sounds like a pretty simple thing. Just desolder the 40 pin chip. Um, but you know, there are ways to mess it up. <laughs> so not to frighten anybody away from a project, but just, you know, you got to be careful. That's all. Anyway, uh, good luck, Paul. Uh, hopefully someone will get you uh, hooked back up with a working Coco 3 before long. All right, moving on. Next link is from um, Pierre Sarazin. Uh, we uh, mostly hear from Pierre about CMOC, the uh, C-like compiler, as he calls it. And um, this in, case, in this case, no different. Uh, CMOC, C-like compiler, now supports 32-bit arithmetic. So basically what he's saying is you can use the long type uh, in your C language code and, um, and you know, do math and, and whatever with it, just like you'd expect. So very cool, 32-bit uh, uh, variables in CMOC. I think that probably extends its usefulness quite a bit for anybody trying to uh, adapt existing Unix style code, for example, uh, to a, a Cocoa style environment, whether it's OS 9 or something else. 
Tumok also, I think, targets the uh, the Vectrix. So if you need any 32-bit math on your Vectrix, uh, you ought to be able to do that now, too. That's so cool. I'm, sure, I'm sure that'll help you a lot, Neil. Yeah, that'd be great. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, you like the Vectrix? Yeah, well, I do like the Vectrix. I don't, don't you know, do a lot of math on mine, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. The next link is a Hackaday link, and it's uh, it says Apple II FPGA, and so uh, again, not really Coco um, Apple II, but if you look at the board in question, and if you're familiar with the Coco Three FPGA project, I think you'll see uh, some distinct similarities. <laughs> and so, um, uh, so uh, yeah, if you if you have a DE2 um, uh, FPGA board, uh, or if you're thinking about getting one and you're just not satisfied with the Cocoa stuff you can do on it, well, you can also do some Apple II stuff on it now, too. So, there, that should push you over the edge, right? And Mike, you're running out to get one? Yeah, I want to see what Oregon Trail runs, uh, you know, 25 <laughs> times faster. <laughs> <laughs> You died of dysentery. Yeah, that's pretty much it right there. <laughs> you died more quickly, 25 times faster of dysentery. <laughs> uh, all right. So um, moving on to the next link, you heard the first little squirt of it there. Um, so uh, on, in honor of Tandy Assembly a few weeks ago, uh, our friend Simon Jonathan uh, released a uh, a new demo. It was really the first time in a while that he's kind of taking his various demo pieces and sort of streamed them together into a you know an actual kind of traditional style of demo that kind of just runs and shows one effect after another. Uh, pretty cool, pretty impressive demo, especially for the Coco demo scene, which basically this demo is pretty much the entire Coco demo scene. <laughs> <laughs> But there's a run for about three minutes, plays um, some music and does some cool graphics. Um, the link's there in the show notes. Check it out. I think you'll uh, enjoy it. So, Yeah, it was cool seeing it play at uh, Tandy Assembly. And uh, thanks for customizing it for the event. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was very cool. The last little block here. <laughs> some of these might be a little... Uh, uh, controversial. We'll see. Um, hopefully not. All right, we got a link from um, from Rick Adams um, telling the story of the resurrection of Bomb Threat, the game. So he posts. Uh, it's kind of a lengthy post uh, to the Color Computer mailing list. Uh, those of us uh, who um, have followed Rick Adams either between uh, uh, the interviews uh, that he's done here or the the, the times he's appeared on the Coco Talk show. Um, probably already familiar with the, the way Rick had this lost game and kind of reincarnated it um, and then uh, tried to get it running uh, in time for Coco Fest and, and such. Um, <laughs> and so basically he's announcing um, that uh, it's kind of come together and that there was, uh, I think he mentions that there were I uh, can't find it. Anyway, maybe he mentions there was cartridges available <laughs> at Tandy Assembly. Um, yeah, it does. Uh, but the point of the, this post here, I think he's mentioning, is that now he's got um, uh, an online ordering site where you can get a a CD-ROM 
with the disc images of Bomb Threat on it. Uh, it's a nice looking package. It's got similar artwork to what's available for the uh, the cartridge uh, label or whatever. Um, and it comes in the you know CD jewel case, uh, CD. It's uh, like I said, it's a uh, it's a CD ROM, is my understanding, not an audio CD. So the CD ROM on it ha- has a um, you know, Coco disk image that you'll have to get onto your Coco STC or into your Drivewire server or into your emulator. Um, anyway, link link to his message with and, and his message has a link to the ordering site. So start in the show notes and go from there. Um, if you're if you're interested in Bomb Threat, I do still have a couple of uh, uh, cartridges. Or, well, maybe just one <laughs> available. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Rick also, uh, someone discovered a, a bug uh, where you basically have a, a, what amounts to a kill screen around level 16 or something like that. So the, the cartridges I have uh, are the buggy version. <laughs> so um, anyway, if you're interested in the buggy version, uh, send me an email. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, we'll move on to the next, uh, the next yes. link. It's rare. The buggy version's rare. Get it now. <laughs> one copy left. I've got mine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I just have to say one thing. I, I don't know if the, these Coco programmers are trying to get me in trouble at the border. You know, I mean, uh, last year you had Bomb Squad and now Bomb Threat. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, trying to go over customs with that thing, you know? <laughs> well, you're going to enjoy my new game, Global Thermonuclear War. Oh, man. <laughs> and mine, kill all Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. From Blaine Canada. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all right. Well, moving on. So the next link comes from the Facebook group. Kind of a newcomer. Um, hint. Uh, what do you think this is? Uh, Signori? Signorini? Or Signorini? Signorini, maybe? Sorry, Kent, I don't know how to pronounce your name. Feel free to enlighten me. Send me an email. I'm going to say Signorini. Does that sound right to people? Yeah. Good. Okay. So Kent posts uh, something basically saying he's new. Um, found the, the Facebook group. Um, not sure if he says he found the, the mailing list or not. Anyway. One of those we've kind of seen this before. People come along and say, "Well, I was looking for a forum, and you know, basically forums are great. And who doesn't love a forum? And why are there no forums? And everything else is just you know old and dumb. And why are there no forums? <laughs> and maybe that's putting my negative spin on it. But uh, we've kind of we've kind of seen those come through before. Basically, so you get some people who love forums, and and that's fine. You love a forum. I kind of hate forums. Um, I got my own reasons. Really don't want to debate them. Um, but um, anyway, we've seen forum groups come and, and go. Some of them have been successful uh, for a time. For whatever reason, they've disappeared. Um, anyway, um, uh, this this message came out, and then pretty soon, well, and the, the message actually mentioned Steve Strawbridge's I'm a Coconut, which is basically a link site. Uh, you go and find links to other people's stuff there. Um, but now Steve's kind of took the bait, shall we say, and uh, created a forum site. And um, I'd say they had a, a decent week at the forum site. Um, looks okay so far. I don't know if they'll be successful in the long term or not. 
Um, good luck. We'll you know we'll see. I think there's room for a forum site. There certainly have been forum sites in the past. Uh, you know there was a Coco3.com site that was pretty successful for a while until until Roger Taylor left the community or whatever. Well, he didn't leave totally, I guess, or he did for a while and now he's back. I don't know. Not going to go into that. <laughs> anyway, when he, he sold Coco3.com and and it kind of went downhill from there. Um, we similarly had to what TandyCoco.com that tried to was tried in the past couple of years. There was some success there, and then it kind of died off this year. So I don't know. Um, does it, does that mean that this site won't be successful? No, it doesn't. Uh, it could be the best site ever. Besides, to what you make of them depends on who goes, how much time they spend there. Um, you know what sort of things they want to talk about. That's um. You know, that's all on who uses the site. So good luck to you, the new site there that Steve is sponsoring. And uh, we'll just see how it develops. Anyone want to add anything to that? No, other than, yeah, we, we wish it uh, success. And, uh, you know, we'll watch it. Uh, uh, it's a time-consuming thing. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully it'll make it. Yeah. So I kind of jumped the gun. That actually is the next link was the announcement on the mailing list um, where Steve jumped in and said, I've got this available. So here I'll at least say it's uh, HTTP colon slash slash retro fanatic, R-E-T-R-O-F-A-N-A-T-I-C dot com. So anyway, links in the show notes. You can find a jump link to link and find it. But retrofanatic.com, you may want to check it out. Actually, I think. Well, I don't know if that link is still alive or not. I know he said he, um, yeah, so he changed it to tandyforum.org. <laughs> so I think retrofanatic.com still works for now. It's also available as tandyforum.org, uh, T-A-N-D-Y-F-O-R-U-M.org. Uh, original, originally, the forum site required a login even to read. Uh, they seem to have opened that up now, so you can read the site without having to have a login. Uh, I think that opens it up to a, a lot more usage. Um, anyway, check it out. Um, have fun. I guess you can uh, creep the site now without having an account. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's what I've been doing. <laughs> okay. So people that have been in the community for a while know that there's, um, for whatever reason, <laughs> Uh, there's been a lot of opportunity for sound hardware in the community this year. Um, without rehashing a lot of that, uh, I'll try not to rehash too much of it. Anyway, one of the options available is from Ed Snyder. And it's called Coco PSG. The PSG stands for Programmable Sound Generator, which is basically what the chip, the main chip on it is. Um, it's the YM2149 uh, from Yamaha which is essentially the, the a functional equivalent of the AY3 um, series of, ch- of sound chips, the AY3, um, AY3, 8910, and 12, and 13. Uh, so he's had this kind of in for a while. I guess he's gotten to the point where he's finished with it and ready to get it in the market, I guess. So Ed makes a comment or makes an offer available to, to uh, what does he say? So with this in mind, I'm offering an initial small run of these in the hopes that we can get some programmers interested in adding support to their games or writing other software to support it. 
I'm offering them at minimal cost for this initial initial batch in the hopes of getting something started. $25 for the assembled circuit board or $40 including a 3D printed case. Um, so there you go, an offer to get this hardware out into the community and get um, games developed uh, targeting that hardware. Uh, so if that interests you, you may want to check out. Uh, it's probably, it might be a little late to get in on that buy, but I don't know. Uh, it probably depends on how many he sold. It looks like he had a pretty good stack built up. So if you're interested, you might still be able to get one. All right, so that said, you know, one of the other audio options available in the community over the past year has been my own design, which I call the Coco Game Master cartridge. And so with uh, with Ed's offer on the table, I was a little concerned that um, him bringing in uh, people to um, to design for his hardware, I figure most people are going to design a game. They're either going to design for one piece of hardware or the other. <laughs> I didn't want mine left out. So uh, at the end of the week, I posted uh, a similar offer. And so... Uh, Basically, if you are interested in the Game Master cartridge, which is um, uses a different chip, the um, TISN76489, uh, it has um, bank switching, or bank switching for a, a ROM up to of a uh, what uh, 64k of ROM on the cartridge. And so, if you're interested in potentially having that hardware, now I should say you, you don't really need hardware if you want to start programming for it because uh, support for that hardware design has been put into MAME. Um, but in any case, if you actually, if you insist on having the hardware, <laughs> um, I'm making a, a similar offer available. You can get a bare uh, circuit board for $7. You can get a circuit board with a parts kit, uh, which will include a ROM socket, but not a ROM. Uh, $12, um, a fully assembled card for $20. Um, and uh, a fully assembled cartridge, which includes uh, the assembled card put in a uh, a um, injection molded cartridge uh, case for thirty dollars. Um, but the label there will just be like from a brother P Touch, not, nothing too fancy, but uh, <laughs> just a label so that you'll be able to identify it. Um. Anyway, um. So I made this offer. Uh, and um, and that's it. It's on the table. I'm trying to keep uh, keep the hardware in the game and keep it um, keep developers open to my design. Um, uh, sadly, this resulted in a little controversy <laughs> on the Facebook group. If you're interested in seeing that controversy, I'm sure you can go find it with the excellent uh, search facilities available through Facebook. <laughs> So, good luck with that. I don't think we're going to go any farther into it right now here. Um, Can't we move it to the new forum? <laughs> and it's um, searchable. We can you know, yeah, no. <laughs> probably don't want to fill the the, uh, the new forum with uh, flames immediately. I have been asked <laughs> to come and uh, do some support work on the forum. Um, we may have to get over there when I have a little more time. Um but first, I think we actually need to get some of these cards out into the world. Uh, there have been a number of people that have uh, expressed interest. Um, so uh, I've sent in the order for the PCBs. Uh, hopefully, it'll be done within the next week or so. And uh, maybe start looking and filling some orders by then. 
I need to do some writing as well. Um, anyway, uh, that's probably enough of that. Don't want to abuse my uh, my role as community host or whatever. <laughs> All right. So that is our last item in the news segment. So with that, I think we will take another little break uh, and come back with some feedback. It's spooktacular savings on scary games at your local Radio Shack dealer. Save up to 50% on best-selling titles such as 13 Ghosts, Bedlam, Dancing Demon, Haunted House, Dungeons of Daggerath. These games are sure to please you and your family as you hand out candy to anyone who knocks at your door. It's a happy Halloween from Radio Shack, a candy company. Tandy Assembly would like to thank our sponsor, Wally Grossman. Wally has been a longtime color computer user and supporter. He used Cocos in his profession for many years and developed his own software for the purpose. It's always a pleasure to talk with Wally. Thank you to Wally Grossman for being a Tandy Assembly sponsor. Feedback! Coco Cruisers, you ready for some feedback? Feedback, feedback, feedback. Okay. Get on me. <laughs> Out of my chair on that first feedback. <laughs> oh well. All right, we do have a couple of items of feedback this time. Um, we've uh, our first item comes from, of course, it comes from L. Curtis Boyle. Curtis is like our most reliable feedback provider. We ought to, if we ever give out uh, trophies for the Coco Crew podcast contributors, um, and Curtis will have to get one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just poking a little fun, but we do enjoy the feedback. Thank you, Curtis. Um, he says, um, uh, uh, let's see. He says, I got a kick out of talking about the way a floppy works in your interview with David Ladd. Quote, it spins like a record player, which is even more retro than the cocoa itself. And most youngins wouldn't have a clue what you meant. <laughs> so that's the great thing about talking about old stuff with old people. <laughs> <laughs> It's, um, you know, people understand what you mean. It's, in fact, um, I was at work today, um, and someone pointed out, uh, was, it, was, it, was it Robert Guillaume? Did Robert Guillaume die? Was that in the news today? Or am I making that up? Yes, that was in the news. Okay. So Robert Guillaume died, and um, I have a, a couple of friends were there, and one's roughly my age, and one's quite a bit younger. And so the, the one that was roughly my age had the news. He said, oh, Robert Guillaume died. And I said, oh, Benson? And he said, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the young guy looks at us and said, who? <laughs> <laughs> and so then I had to explain to him Benson. And I had to explain that Benson was a spinoff from a, a previous TV series called Soap. <laughs> it was like uh, they just went off from there, and it's like I couldn't even remember soap well enough to explain it myself. So it was like a toddler explaining it to a newborn. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, when you're talking retro, it's more fun when you're talking to someone who's at least roughly your age or maybe even older. Um, so good point there, but I think it's all in good fun with uh, Curtis. Anyway, thanks for the feedback. Uh, moving on. So this one is from Todd George. So Todd says, uh, so he's kind of, so basically in the past, uh, in the last episode, I think I had a, uh, what I, well, it was basically a throwaway comment. I was kind of 
poking fun about Commodore and, and how uh, the Commodore folks didn't even barely have their own podcast and we had two or something like that. And uh, which is probably a little disingenuous. It's certainly tongue in cheek. Anyway, so Todd says, um, uh, I was just listening to the latest episode of the show and wanted to point out that there are at least a few active Commodore podcasts. Full disclosure, I'm one co-host of Chicken Lips Radio. Um, da, da, da. There are also two other Commodore podcasts I know about. Press Play on Tape, which covers general Commodore topics, and uh, Rob O'Hara's Sprite Castle, which I think heavily concentrates on gaming. So, so yeah, Todd George, uh, I met Todd uh, at VCF East this year. Really nice fellow. Um, like I said, he's a co-host on Chicken Lips Radio, which... Uh, um, he, uh, the, his other co-host is Earl Evans, who's like the godfather of of, of retro competing podcasts. Um, never met Earl, but would like to. Um, and uh, yeah, so Todd, I enjoy your podcast, and certainly didn't mean to poke any fun at you, or maybe poke a little fun, but I certainly didn't mean to insult you. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah, it's a good podcast. I recommend it. I think Chicken Lips is part of. Uh, at least some of the uh, listings, like Throwback Network. Um, not 100% sure on there, but I bet it should be. Um, press Play on Tape, I'm not sure if it's listed on the others, but Rob O'Hara actually runs the uh, Throwback Network, if I'm not mistaken, so I'm pretty sure Sprite Castle is listed there. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so. <laughs> didn't mean to cast aspersions on our Commodore brethren. That's mostly poking a little fun, so didn't mean any insult there. Sorry. Um, hopefully you guys are still, uh, will forgive us and hopefully you're still listening. Um, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. <laughs> what you meant to say is there aren't any good Commodore podcasts. <laughs> I mean, that's what you really oh. oh. <laughs> We're going to hear some feedback. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. Opinions <laughs> expressed are not necessarily the opinions of the Cocoa Crew podcast. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, anyway. No, but uh, anyway, let's keep peace amongst the podcasters. Uh, seem to be good people in general. Um, all right. Well, that's probably enough for our feedback segment. We haven't insulted anyone else too much just yet. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to take another break, and uh, we'll be back. We'll be back with the rest of the show. From car and home repair to maintaining your ATV in the woods. Leatherman Multi-Tools make it easy to get the work you want done, done. Introducing the Leatherman Coco. It's made from 100% stainless steel and features 10 different tools, including a PLCC extraction tool, wire strippers with four different gauges, a DIP pin bending tool, and a soldering heat sink clip. All of the tools lock and unlock for your safety. The rounded handles provide a strong, comfortable grip, and the Leatherman Coco comes with a 25-year warranty. The Leatherman Coco, real tools for real life. Tandy Assembly would like to thank our sponsor, Digital Dinos, classical computer collecting and computing. Digital Dinos carries a variety of retro computing products for sale, classified by computer and manufacturer. Digital Dinos provides quick personal service with every sale. Be sure to visit them at their website, www.digitaldinos.com. Thank you to Digital Dinos for being a Tandy Assembly sponsor. All right, welcome back, Coco Cruisers. Um, we are going, uh, as usual, we're going to have a little host discussion this this month. 
Um, since we just had our, our big Tandy Assembly event, our inaugural Tandy Assembly event, and uh, we feel like it's a pretty good success, we're going to take a little bit of a victory lap here and uh, tell you all about everything you missed if you weren't there or help you remember all the cool stuff that was happening if you were there. <laughs> so, again, I'm here with uh, with uh, Myro and uh, uh, Neil and uh, Bo, no, uh, Boise Pete. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, we're going to just uh, talk about, um, you know, what we liked about Tandy Assembly and what we're happy with, what we might change coming up in the future. Um, we think there will be a future event. Um, and so, uh, so let's just get started. Uh, I'd like to just start by saying I, I more than exceeded my expectations. I was... I would have been happy if we'd have had 35 people and we had, what, 83 people. <laughs> so yeah. a huge event. Uh, we filled the venue. Um, we even filled the speakers area um, and uh, had plenty of good talks and um, plenty of good camaraderie on the show floor. People um, uh, learning about other machines and picking up uh items for their favorite retro computing stuff and um it's just a good event all around um so i'm gonna open the floor and any of you guys want to want to testify go ahead i just want to uh say it you know it was definitely a successful event i was blown away for one thing but what got me was the vibe i mean everybody there was just uh you know it, it was happening you know and, and you know people coming up thanking us for uh you know putting this show on and it, it was excellent I mean, I, I got no complaints. Yeah, I, I would agree. It was, uh, people were just having a, a really good time. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we had some big headline speakers, uh, and uh, we really appreciate everybody who made the effort to, uh, to come out to Tandy Assembly. Uh, yeah, it was, it was an unequivocal success. Yeah. Well, I mean, we did originally get some flack about, well, why would anybody go to the, to, you know, the middle of nowhere, Ohio? Uh, for for any kind of event, but uh, a lot of people did, <laughs> and a lot a lot of those people thanked us for having something closer to the, where they actually live. So, you know, Chicago may be the center of the country, but it doesn't mean it's close to everything. <laughs> That's so, true. Yeah, that, that, exactly. Yeah, there was um, a lot of people there that uh, you know, a lot of new folk I'd, I'd never seen or had only seen on uh, Facebook or whatever. Um, and there were people we, we've seen in the past couple of Coco Fest, but aren't really, um, uh, you know, aren't really old members of the community just yet. Um, we did have a couple of the Glenside folks came and checked us out. So I thought that was nice. They were showing some support. So that was cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he uh, had to have armed guard around Boise to keep the ladies off of him, but um, <laughs> the ladies, we didn't man. have to get too violent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> think just think what it'd have been like if Ben Anding were there. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh my, that's uh, frightening. So yeah, so what did you like about the event? What what was different? I one different. What's something I liked that was different from say Coco Fest or any of the other events that I went to? We did have a cash bar on Saturday night. And um, I thought that was a nice thing. You know, I guess some people are teetotalers and don't necessarily want to drink and maybe don't approve. And hopefully we didn't offend anybody with that. 
but I think a lot of people enjoyed the opportunity to have a, a, a mixed drink and relax a, a bit and, and just hang out with some of their other retro foes. I know I did. Yeah, that was a nice, uh, that was a nice component, uh, that Saturday evening, uh, or I, I, I would like to see that at Coco Fest. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. I, I don't know. I don't know if the crowd is the same there, but <laughs> part of the crowd is. Yeah. Liquid courage. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the bar did serve uh, soft drinks as well, so it's not like That's anybody true. was left out. We, we weren't pouring liquor down anyone's throat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, chug, 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 chug. Yeah. That, that's next year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so just the warm-up. Uh, I just want to take a moment to thank uh, Jim O'Keefe for uh, his T-shirts. Uh, those things were amazing. Uh, it's great. And not just that, but, I, you know, the other shirts he's done, the shirts he does at Coco Fest, I've got – three or four different uh, shirts he's made in my drawer and I, I wear them regularly. And, uh, it's a, you know, great art, great quality shirts. They last a long time. So, uh, and we still have shirts available. If anybody's interested in getting a Tandy assembly shirt, uh, let me know. Yeah. Yeah. They were nice shirts. Um, and, uh, I actually wore one to work today <laughs> yeah. and, and uh, nobody asked me what Tandy was. I don't know. If <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think maybe I'm the, I'm the crazy old guy at work. I think we ought to have a line of uh, silk pajamas as well. Well, that'd be good. That'd be good. Why not? Uh, silk pajamas and cowboy boots. It's a, it's a look. <laughs> I've, I've stayed with Boise before, you know, and he, he's, he has these lovely silk pajamas, but... Uh, the uh, the cufflinks keep making noise in the night. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Is that what that noise was? That's right. Yeah. Neil. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whenever he rolls over in bed, uh, you know. Clang, 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 clang. Oh, but you'd think the boots would make his feet sweat at night, but uh, <laughs> you know. yeah, he's ready to go though. Flippity clop to the bathroom at two in the morning, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord! Uh, but um, yeah, so um, see, so we had the um, the the podcasters roundtable event. I think we're probably going to hear some of that later in the show. Um, but uh, I thought that was good to get because you know, it's basically the podcasters put the show together. For those that aren't aware, uh, that includes, uh, of course, us and the. Um, uh, well, Randy, of course, from Floppy Days, and also you know Randy plus Pete from uh, from um, uh, Trash Talk, and uh, and um, including Pete Satinsky and Peter Bartlett, um, and, and of course, uh, uh, Mav joined us for that, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Ian Mavic, yeah. yeah, came all yeah. the way from Australia, so yep. so um, it's cool. We had. Uh, you know the the foreign contingents, uh, not just the Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> we had the ANZAC troops there as well. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a, it was a good group. Um, everyone's pretty friendly, and uh, um, you know it's a, a nice mix. So we had uh, a pretty good showing of the the Z80 based handies, and um, 
we had a fair number of the the Tandy 1000s. Um, Randy had uh, some of the pocket computers on display. Um, so you know, it's it's a, a good event. Like I said, well attended. Uh, probably couldn't have hoped for any better. Um, we did have a couple of uh, problems uh, associated with the venue. I guess so we had some power issues. Um, uh, our man Mike uh, attended to those pretty quickly. <laughs> we got them worked out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, so what do you think? Uh, we're gonna plan to have another event. We're gonna probably be in the same general area. That's that's our hope. Yeah. We may arrange a, a, a stay. We may stay in the same town. We might stay in the same place, but we may go to another town, sort of in the same general area, as far as Dayton or Columbus or something like that. Um, that, that would be nice. Uh, just for the people that fly in, it wasn't a bad drive, but it was about an hour, hour and 15 minutes from the airport in Columbus to, uh, to the venue. Yeah. I think that was probably the biggest complaint, um, for, for traveling at least was that flying in, it wasn't the most convenient, which not surprising. We kind of picked a place that was pretty rural. Hopefully it wasn't too inconvenient, but, uh, like I said, we can take that into account for, for next year and, um, uh, maybe move a little closer to an airport i'm jonesing for tandy assembly new orleans <laughs> that would be great <laughs> well i've kind of been uh telling people so well we're not entirely closed off to a different location but uh, we're going to need some local organizers to uh <laughs> to handle some logistics so right right yeah <laughs> you get our uh our new orleans crew um and uh and 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 if we're going to have Tandy Assembly in New Orleans, we got to have a parade, too. Sorry. It's just going to happen. <laughs> you can have a lot of ladies show up to that event, too. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a lot of distractions, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, we definitely did not have that problem in uh, Chillicothe. Yeah, yeah we, we were not a gender-diverse event, John. Not gender-diverse. Um I'm not sure we were too good on any other kind of diversity, to be honest, but (laughs) (laughs) not intentional. I mean, everyone is welcome. Um, We did uh, did enjoy roosters about three times a day. Yeah, we had a hotel basically in the parking lot of uh, a restaurant basically in the parking lot of the hotel that was just too convenient to not go to. um, (laughs) And it was good. About every day. By default, um, yeah. And there was so, Bob Evans. Yeah, yeah, Bob Evans down the road. Um, like I say, I mean, I, I I do think the location has some strengths. Um, you know, it's sort of the middle of nowhere, but there's a lot of amenities to be the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, good spot. So, um, anyway, um, yeah, I think a lot of people stayed pretty close and ate at Roosters. Um. But, um, you know, like I said, it's a big crowd, a good crowd. Didn't hear a lot of complaining. Um, uh, like I said, there were a lot of people that were just as happy as they could be that we had an event closer to them. <laughs> so yeah, that was, was cool. Excellent feedback. I think the Z80 folks, too, were happy to have an, an event since they didn't really, had never really had one. Um, so, uh, so I think that was pretty cool. Yeah, they had a place to go to. Yeah. 
So what else? Anything else to say about it? Well, there's, there's uh, one other quick little tale. Um, when Mike was uh, thanking Jim O'Keefe, and uh, I'm going to thank him as well for doing those shirts, it was quite an adventure he had because uh, the dedication, he drove through the night to get those shirts down. It was, uh, <laughs> it was quite the scene. In a Cadillac. <laughs> Sleeping in his caddy. And he had to turn around and drive back on Saturday evening. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's dedication. Oh, yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Hey, I'd like to say that I like the uh, the name tags. Good work, Mike. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that uh, those were awesome. That was a really cool way. So the name tags we had were basically, um, you know, the the drink coasters that you get at a bar or a restaurant. So little cardboard, press cardboard squares, and Mike had applied a a, a label to them and looked like a, a diskette uh, with Tandy assembly written on it or whatever. And uh, pretty simple, but just very effective. Um, and uh, yeah, I thought it was as nice as any other name tag I've ever had. Yep. Um, so definitely, it's good work. Very fitting. That was a that was definitely a plus. We definitely done planning for other events where we argued about the name tags a long time. <laughs> 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 so we were able to avoid that particular pitfall. And, um, uh, and we can't forget Myro's uh, little mini store booth, Radio Shack. Yeah, that was really cool. That was awesome. <laughs> Yep. Mike, so, so Mike's Mike. built up this booth uh, with actual carpentry skills and, and uh, electrician skills, too, I think. Uh, he's running wires and stuff in it. And got a, a, a LED sign so he can put different displays up. Um, and uh, the booth itself basically looks like a section of a Radio Shack store that was chopped out and put in the back of the car. <laughs> so... <laughs> He's got um, the, the perf board or whatever. You can hang the hooks on it. And, uh, um, and uh, like I said, it looks like you're buying stuff off the shelf at Radio Shack. Very cool. Yeah, I shouldn't have any time to hang out by my display, unfortunately. <laughs> well, that uh, goes with the show business, I guess. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it uh, worked out. Uh, you know, the finances worked out okay. So, you know, nobody lost any money over the event, I think. So uh, um, should be, uh, it should be something we can repeat. I hope that we will. That's certainly the plan. And um, even if we do move it a little bit, I hope it won't be so much that uh, we exclude any of our new people. <laughs> and... Uh, Hopefully some of the people that didn't make it down. I know there were people that didn't come to the thing saying, well, it's just the first event. They'll probably mess it up or whatever. So so if you were one of those people, uh, you were wrong. We didn't mess it up. So <laughs> 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 next time you got to come <laughs> so that you can be part of the event. Those that did come and get, took a chance on us, I think they were well rewarded with their time. Um, I think the auction turned out pretty well. That was fun. Um, I got to pretend to be a tobacco auctioneer or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, you did a good job at the auction. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, you, you're working on those big calls. You're sounding very smooth. <laughs> well, we had a lot of good um, 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 donations of equipment there that helped with the funding. Yeah, we did. It was uh, the outpouring of donations was amazing. So thanks to everybody that made that happen. So, and also thanks to Steve Strobridge, uh, who live streamed everything. For yes, us. Yes. And uh, a lot of people got to, you know, watch from around the web and hopefully they'll come next year because I got a taste of how good it was. 
Yeah, yep. yep. definitely. Steve has uh, been applying his talents to live streaming. Um, <laughs> Coco Fest the past couple of years, and uh, I think we've benefited from uh, some of the lessons learned there. Uh, I think maybe he learned a few more lessons. Um, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> things just keep getting better. Um, and uh, But, yeah, it was a good addition to the show. Uh, definitely welcome. And uh, so it was uh, very nice to have the, the, the streaming. Well, so I guess to wrap it up then, it's a big success. Um, we're very happy with what happened. Uh, none of the organizers are mad at each other, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I assume we'll probably have an, a similar event at a similar time next year. Details to be announced. Does that wrap it up? That's a wrap. Uh, All yep. right. That's, that's Go to Coco Fest. <laughs> Go to Coco <laughs> Fest and get ready for the next Andy Assembly. Yep. I once spent an entire paycheck on Dragon computers. I bought every MC10 I could find. For me, it was Coco 3s. Every hour, 13 people die from eBay addiction. Don't kid yourself. Addiction is an epidemic. We all know what happens when we don't deal with addiction. Someone dies. Or even worse, they hurt others. Addiction is a disease. We're the Addiction Network. And if you've been trying to quit your addiction to purchasing color computers or dragon computers without any luck, then you need to call us at 888-6809 now. We'll connect you with someone who has been where you are. You can't beat addiction on your own. And if you call in the next 10 minutes, you can place your bid for a mint-conditioned cocoa of your choice. What do you have to lose? So call the Addiction Network now. Get the help you need. I wish I had known about the Addiction Network sooner. I got this really sweet Coco 3 in the original box. Call the Addiction Network now. The Coco is a powerful computer, and the multi-pack enables you to expand with RS-232, floppy controller, and hard disk drives. But don't you think your Coco would be a lot nicer without all of the mess hanging off the right side? Of course it would. The Connect Expander replaces the lower half of your Coco case and allows mounting two SCS-decoded devices like a floppy and hard drive controller inside of your Coco. The Expander board includes a 12-volt power supply and provides a built-in no-slot RS-232 port. The external cartridge slot is still available for game cartridges or additional hardware. The Expander kit is just $124.95. Or you can purchase just the board alone for just $99.95. It's great for repacking a Coco in a PC case. The Expander from Connect, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. All right, Coco Cruisers, welcome back. We've got a special treat today. We are going to talk to the original gamer, Stevie Stroh, uh, the uh, strange little guy we discovered making Coco videos a couple of years ago. We didn't really think the making Coco videos was a strange part. We just thought it was strange that we didn't know who it was. <laughs> but... <laughs> Since then, we lured him into our community, and uh, he's become an active part in uh, uh, both uh, in Miko, in uh, Coco Media, and well, and uh, you know, in the Facebook group and on the mailing list, and uh, now with his own uh, new forum. So, uh, welcome to the show, Steve Strobridge, the person who uh, discovered the the talent of 
David Ladd and and made him a star. <laughs> so, <laughs> welcome, Steve. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me. Uh, I think the Barbara Streisand story with with David was the star was born. I just discovered him. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, hey, listen. Hey, I'm going to say it is definitely an honor to be on the show. Uh, I'm a big fan of your show. I've been listening for a very long time, and um, I finally reached a big time. I've reached a major league, so I'm here. I'm on the I'm on the news uh, NPR show here. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. We we try. Sometimes we uh, we uh, get a little loose, you know, when the when the whiskey flows. Uh, but we haven't had a cocoa crew after dark yet. So, uh, anyway, I guess didn't you just record one of those last night for a cocoa talk? How did that go? I haven't been able to hear the the after show. Uh, we we did. Um, I've already edited out all the um, things that were not meant for public consumption, and I'm still on the fence with <laughs> what I'm going to release. But it was kind of cool. Um, <laughs> Because apparently, at least one of the people on there didn't realize it might possibly get posted. So there's, there's nothing terrible, terrible, but it's more about just respecting people's wishes and privacy. So if, if somebody sure. didn't know, it's kind of not fair. Um, yeah. So um, what, what I did notice when we record our show is that lately we've been doing like this little bonus segment at the end where we stop the live stream and we keep talking. And it seems like when we're not live and we're not on the air, the conversations flow a little bit more spontaneously and more organically. And I like that part of it. So I think we're going to try more of these off the air discussions and then mine that for some nuggets of stuff to produce segments. You know? I have a suggestion, Steve. You really ought to do what I want John and the rest of the Coke guys to do is have a holiday special where we all have some crown and Coke and just. Let it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, We've been uh, we've kind of lucked out this uh, this fall. We've kind of um, the, the the topics have planned themselves to some degree, uh, but um, you know that's with the assumption that that December will be some sort of holiday theme. But we haven't quite figured that one out yet, so maybe we'll have to do that. <laughs> Everyone choose their uh, their favorite liquor, or maybe we can nominate different liquors, and we could uh, every twenty minutes uh, pour a different drink or something. Yeah, start the next the, uh, 20 minutes is for uh, Maker's Mark. Yeah, <laughs> some really strong eggnog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Before you know, it's going to turn into a drinking game. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I propose the David Ladd holiday drinking game. Whenever David Ladd's <laughs> name is mentioned, everybody take a shot. So there you go. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Well, anyway, um, so at uh, at Tandy Assembly, you did a talk, um, and you kind of introduced yourself some, which I thought was cool because, uh, you know, like I said, you were uh, still a bit new to the community, and um, even with your media presence, um, there's a, you know, it's not you not you don't talk that much about yourself really, which is you know I guess is cool, but we want to know you too. Um, so uh, just going from uh, some of the notes from your your presentation. Um, it sounds like you have a story that's kind of similar to, to some of us. Um, you had a cocoa as a kid. Um, you uh, you messed around with it, played some games, but also learned to play, uh, learn to program in basic. And um, um, eventually, you you moved on to the Tandy One Thousand, which you know is a pretty common story in the community. Um, and uh, it seems like you credit uh, to some degree your 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 career and or maybe your success in life, for lack of a better term, to some of that. Uh, am I kidding that right? Or would you like to elaborate on that? 
I know that's 100% what it is. I give full credit to the fact that I became a computer nerd at the age of 14, uh, <laughs> then I was able to parlay that into a career because uh, Lord knows what I'd be doing if I hadn't gotten into the computers. You know, I'd be doing something. I'd probably be doing a trade, a blue collar job, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's respectable work, but. Um, I was probably one of the first generations where, you know, the fathers, the uncles, the grandfathers, they all work trades. And I didn't say to myself, I want to follow in those footsteps. I just said, I want to do something with this computer when I grow up. I didn't know what it would be or what it would be called, but I wanted to be a computer guy. Um, and it's because I got that computer and, and grew up learning these machines that I, that I'm in this industry and that, and that we now call, you know, it. So, um, Yeah. Full credit yeah. to the Coco for that. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I think, um, like I said, I think it's a kind of common story, and maybe it's a common story in in some of the other retro communities too. But I don't know. It's it's maybe I just pay more attention when it's a Coco or a Tandy. <laughs> but uh, uh, it seems like I hear that one a lot, and um, um, I think um, you know, in some ways, the Coco. On the one hand, it may have been you know all about the cheap uh, solution or whatever, but on the other hand, um, it kind of was uh, the sort of the most straightforward design in some ways, and and kind of um, in some ways it was a lot like <laughs> you know other machines that followed that weren't such specialty machines like say the Amiga, but you know the the video programming video on a Coco is not that unlike programming video on a on a '90s PC <laughs> and uh, that sort of thing. So I don't know. I think it's a, a good introduction, especially. Um, you know, the presence of OS 9, at least in the ether there, kind of made us all aware of operating systems and what they are or whatever. And even if you weren't an OS 9 person, it kind of, I think, gives you a leg up uh, on learning some of the stuff. Um, anyway, so um, let's see. I, I think uh, you had a funny line um, uh, in your speech also about how you, you – you want to do something with your kid, and your kid was into Minecraft. That's pretty common uh, these days, or at least a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, so you started uh, working on uh, videos on YouTube with Minecraft stuff. And then you said uh, that on, then your kids lost interest, and now <laughs> now you're uh, an old guy playing video games on, on the, the Yeah, internet. yeah. <laughs> Classic story. It's like, it's what's the old saying? You don't want to be the creepy old guy in the club, but uh, <laughs> at some point in time, you're I'm, I'm the old guy who's playing Minecraft. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, well, that's um, cool. I think a lot of us would like to be able to get our kids involved, Um and it's uh, eluded many of us. Uh, my kids, if anything, it's like you know, that's the way to get them off of something is for me to take interest in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I don't know. I think that's pr- uh, pretty cool. Um, you're not quite to Stampy Long nose uh, fame and fortune yet, I guess. But uh, nah, nah. hopefully you'll get there. But we definitely were surprised a couple of years ago. It's like, what, wait, there's a dude putting Cocoa videos on, on the web. Um, what, what, uh, what prompted you to do that? And, and were you surprised by that, that there were people that were actually interested? Uh, well, what prompted me, I guess. So I started the YouTube channel for my kids to do Minecraft, but when I created it, I called it the original gamer, um, Stevie Stroh. So I, I, I created the channel as me cause I wanted to protect my kids identity online. I didn't want them having their own, you know, accounts and stuff. So I kind of was the umbrella for this, but the very name was old school is going to be part of this channel. 
Um, and so I started off doing like some MAME emulated games, Pac-Man, things like that. Um, and I figured, you know, I'll do some stuff like that. Uh, and at some point in time, I said, well, I got to do Coco stuff because that that's my heritage. That's where I got started. I knew I would do it. It was just a question of when. Um, so I planned on being a mix of new and old on this channel. And it was just a matter of time when I would get to it. And and I eventually did. And when I started, I was using VCC because I didn't have a Coco. And that was the only emulator I could figure out how to make work. And so a lot of my early videos are in VCC. And you can kind of tell because when you look at the games that use artifacting, it's a very hard blue. It's not the soft blue. It's like a right. navy versus sky blue, things like that. Um, and so, yeah, there was a lot of things that I had to learn even in the emulation space, like what's the best emulator for artifacting and how do you make them work and stuff like that. Um, but I knew I wanted to do it and I just started doing it. And, and the process of doing that is when I found out about the Google plus group first, which introduced me to the Facebook group and the mailing list. And so it was just kind of a chain reaction of discovering the bigger world. Uh, my first video was kind of a PowerPoint presentation explaining what the Coco was because I, I would assume nobody even know what I was talking about. And at that time, a lot of my audience was kids, you know, 10 to 15 year old kids watching our Minecraft videos. So I figured I have to kind of set some context here, you know, like, you know, when I was a day kid, uh, when I was a, <laughs> when I was a kid, you know, this is what we had. And um, so I created this little introduction video. Um, and when I did that, I didn't know nearly as much as I know now, thanks to like Boise's book and your podcast and stuff. I was just coming from coming from my own memory and what I could quickly Google. I just kind of threw some stuff together, um, just kind of set the stage. Well, here's what computer and here's where some of the computers that existed at this time. And, you know, and and that from here, we're going to start making games about this computer. And so you know, it went from there to making games to meeting everybody. So, <laughs> well, yeah, so, um, you know, you uh Couple almost two years ago now, you made the trek out to um, to Coco Fest. Um, uh, you know, I've been going to Coco Fest for a while, so you know, I'm kind of used to uh, I'm kind of used to what you get. Uh, I was just wondering what what were your first impressions when you started to see the the other uh, attendees roll in at Coco Fest? Did uh, it well, uh, meet your expectations? Or? Yes, but first I want to say I need to credit the Coco crew for me wanting to go to Coco Fest because cool. listening to you guys talk about it every month was my kind of motivation. You created that interest. You kept that interest going, and you you made it something I wanted to attend. And, um, you know, nothing against the Glenside folks, but if you just go to their website and you just read their newsletter, there's nothing there that screams, hey, come on and see us. It's a good old time, you know. <laughs> um, but hearing a couple of guys talk about it month after month, um, it's like, yeah, this sounds like something I want to come to. So I need to give you guys 100 percent credit for getting me to go twice, you know, um, and did it meet or exceed my expectations? I would say both. I, I didn't know what to expect, but I had a great time. Uh, and I had a better time the second time I went, and I had an even better time at Tandy Assembly. Awesome. So it looks like we did our job then, John. Yeah, well, that was uh, <laughs> obviously that was uh, our initial reason for starting the podcast was to get some folks to show up. And uh, we, I think we've succeeded at that. Uh, there's some, uh, it seems like there's some hesitance to acknowledge that the first time around, maybe not the second time, but <laughs> but it seems to have been working out pretty well. Um, well, who else has a question? Anyone? I have a question. Steve, you mentioned in your, uh, your notes here that you, uh, started working, 
I guess what is 14, I guess, to save up some money. What were you doing back then for that part-time job to save up that cocoa? All right. So here, here's a couple of historical facts. So when, when I was 14, there was only one place that would hire kids at 14 because you had to be 15. And it was a local grocery chain called Publix. And they're kind of, a, they were originally a Florida only chain. I believe they've reached out to at least Georgia now too. Um, so it was Publix supermarket. And I worked there because they would hire at 14. <laughs> I didn't want to wait a year to start working. So um, ironically, you know, what I, one of the things I do now is I, as, I also teach IT training. So I'm an actual, I do adult education, but I'm a person who hated school. So um, I was in the work release program. I took like two classes. I got to leave early and go work and make money. Um, so I was working at a grocery store. Minimum wage was $3.35 an hour. I was making maybe 30, 40 bucks a week. And I don't know how long it took me to save up for that basically $500 purchase to get my first cocoa, but I did it on my own steam, you know? Wow. Awesome. Yeah. So that, that's back in the day, like you said, when a minimum wage was, uh, minimum wage was hardly nothing. So, yeah. and, and, and that was what year? 1980, 1981, 81. When wow. I got the cocoa. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so just for the record, Publix is now the, the cool hipster, uh, grocery store at least up in our area oh yeah um, <laughs> so they move in and it's like the sign of gentrification as you get a Publix. <laughs> uh there there was kind of some turf respect at some point in time there was a big chain that was in georgia that said we won't come to florida if you don't come to us so there was this kind of gentleman's agreement for a while and i think as soon as that agreement was broken Publix was like screw it we're taking over the southeast you know um, i think they started in lakeland florida it was their home did you uh did you uh, uh, go to uh, like your local Radio Shack store? Was it a local franchise or what was? Yeah, what was... yeah. The corner store. Well, here, more irony. There was a Publix on that corner store where my Radio Shack was, but they weren't hiring. So the Publix I worked at was like 40 miles away. I had to either bike it or bus it to get there. Um, but yeah, it was store number 8830, which I'll never forget. It was, you know, in the strip mall where the Publix was. And I was hanging out there probably since I was about 12. So uh, I think that was mentioned many times at Tandy Assembly, too. I was the kid who hung out in the store that helped them sell their computers, you know. Um, so I, I was promised a job. I knew I had a job as soon as I was old enough to work there. I had to wait till I was 18 to work there. They're like, as soon as you turn 18, kid, you got a job, you know. <laughs> and that's when I could start getting the commissions for all the computers I would sell, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah. Then I was, a, I was basically an uncommissioned salesperson for about six years. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Oh, oh, I clicked the wrong thing. Hope you guys are still there. We're here. <laughs> um, well, so Steve, it just occurs to me, um, it, we kind of lost track of you a little bit, um, um, or maybe earlier this year or late last year. Did, did you slow down on your videos for a while or did we just, we just look in the wrong place or. It, it probably. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what the single thing was, but I think work and, you know, so here, you know, when, um, when Coco Fest, the first Coco Fest I went to attend, uh, Coco Fest 25, I had to take a second job. Um, and at that time it was to make some extra money that somehow manifested into now my whole life being, uh, morphed into this new perverse work schedule that I'm kind of locked <laughs> into right now because of financial dependencies. So my, my time to make videos is greatly reduced. Um, and, and I've been doing that for like a year and a half now. So, you know, my free time is like 5% of what it used to be. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I am, I am working my way towards 
cutting off my dependency of this night job. So that's, that's, it's a whole nother project, but yeah, I need to get more time to work on what's more near and dear to me, you know, retro wow. videos. Well, I'd say you, I'd say you're managing it pretty well at this point. Uh, you certainly are producing plenty of content. Uh, just kind of curious about that. Um, Mike, did I say you try to come in? just going to say that's that's pretty impressive because it, it's it seems like uh like you said your your content and the things that you're getting into has just been expanding not shrinking even though your time has well the only thing i can do i do consistently right now is coco talk as far as creating new gameplay videos i really haven't been doing that many um and, and part of it for me is i have to like feel like i'm 100 percent able to mentally, spiritually, the whole nine yards. And most of the time I'm just tired, you know, and I don't want to half-ass a video. I want to be able to not, not, you know, not that I'm Mr. Showman, but I, I can't do it if I'm not like hundred percent at my usual, whatever I am, 50% of a human being, you know? So <laughs> yeah, you definitely have to want to, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I just, I don't want to do it when, if I'm less, if I'm less to hundred percent committed to it. It's, that's amazing. As I keep saying to the guys, uh, I thought you have a lot of free time from all the content you produce. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how does he do it? Yeah. I mean, I'm looking in the back behind you there for your uh, pink bunny suit with the drum and the cymbals stuff that you would normally be. Uh, yeah, right. The Energizer, the Energizer bunny. <laughs> I think time, time is the enemy of us all. You know, we have our lives and our careers and our families, and then we have our hobbies. Um, and it's always trying to find balance, right? Yeah, definitely. And uh, I could definitely throw myself into my hobbies if I just could uh, get somebody else to pay for me. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so Coco Talk, uh, so you started with a, a couple of um, somewhat ad hoc or off the cuff, uh, hey, let's meet up and just talk for a while, kind of letting, blowing off some steam in anticipation of going to uh, Coco Fest. And, of course, it uh, – it's uh, had quite a run already um, and uh, eventually turned into something you wanted to, to uh, have as a podcast or whatever. Did you have this in mind? Did you think that was going to happen? No, no. Uh, it's like most of what has happened has been unplanned, unexpected. And, you know, I'm just kind of riding the wave. So making Coco videos and, and, and having people like those videos, that was unplanned, you know, getting recognized for that. Um, that's kind of ironic when, you know, you're, you're doing some modern games and some things that are potentially more popular. I'll get 13 views, but I do a Coco video, I get 100 views on average, and I've got some that are in the thousand plus views on a Coco video. So um, <laughs> that level of um, adaptation from the community was completely unexpected. Uh, when we started Coco Talk, like you say, it was kind of like, I, I just, I remember the day I put out a message in Facebook saying, Hey, why don't we get together and talk about Coco Fest? You know, and it was literally a last minute decision. We just kind of did it. We got people together. Um, and it kind of worked and we did it for four weeks and then we went to Coco Fest and kind of figured it would just die down. We'd run out of things to talk about. And luckily we haven't, you know, <laughs> yeah. It is amazing. It's impressive how much content uh, you guys are throwing off there, and uh, you know, and it's not it's not just blather. It's not just a bunch of old guys just shooting the bull. I mean, it's it's pretty good, uh, pretty good technical content, a pretty good relevant content. So, I mean, it's it's a uh, it's you've got a good group together that uh, seems to uh, have a good dynamic, and uh, I think you manage that pretty well. Um, so. 
uh, like I said, I've been excited to see, um, you know, that the, the community actually has enough energy <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, to yeah. support yeah. that. Yeah, it's so. good. You got the, the regular features, and uh, uh, I'm sure your your uh, listenership really went up as soon as you had David Ladd. No, yeah, yeah, he's a draw. <laughs> he is a draw. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I kind of, I'm a Gemini, so I have two personalities, and I, I kind of relate to Mr. Spock a lot. And part of me is very logical and controlling, and part of me is very emotional and free spirited, you know. And, and I try to, uh, I try to balance that with this show, where I like some free form, but I also kind of want to have a little bit of structure and be able to rein things in and. I'm not sure how successful I am on the on the structure part yet, but <laughs> I, I hate to I hate to interrupt people when they're on a roll, even if the roll is a downhill disaster. I hate to interrupt them. You know? uh, <laughs> yeah, because everybody likes a good train wreck once in a while. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I like the spontaneity of it. But I also, you know, there's been a number of times where we had a topic. You know, we let's talk about hardware this week, and we talked about the. Uh, the Coco FPGA and the Roger Taylor project. Um, we talked about FPGA stuff. We had Jim Brain. Uh, I, this is where I think our two um, shows complement each other. So you guys are audio and you have really good interviews and we got to hear Jim Brain in detail and it was great. And the next weekend we got to have Jim Brain on and get to see with his microscope what his boards look like. And so having that second component to the material, I think is value added. And the timing was just perfect. And, um, you know, we didn't scalp them. You had them first. So, <laughs> um, so I think there's some, some symbiosis there. Um, and at the end of the day, all we're trying to do is put a spotlight on what's going on. It's, uh, you know, it's not like I'm taking money out of your pocket. <laughs> yeah, right, right. No, I mean, I, th- I think you have a good point. Um, that's uh, one of the, the earliest uh, feedback things we got that we couldn't, didn't feel like we could do much with is, you know, what about a video show or what about some kind of video content? And I think none of us, <clears throat> just none of us really wanted to do video is <laughs> probably the biggest thing. Uh, in fact, I think David Ladd was probably the person who first said we should have <laughs> more video stuff. So it's kind of <laughs> kind of funny he ended up uh, uh, yeah. working with you so much. But um, uh, so it's cool, you know, you can come on and do do the video bits and the part to work with video. Uh, you have an outlet there, and you know some things um, work better with a you know kind of a, a long form discussion and. Uh, you know, I think that probably works better with a just a you know a limited number of people and and a more of a, a, a pre-planned format. Um, so I mean, like you said, it's um, kind of two sides of the same coin, perhaps. Um, so that's been good. Um, now speaking of Coco content, um, of the two people stirring up crap in the community uh, this weekend, uh, this week, <laughs> uh, both of them on the show. <laughs> well, um, you, I, um, uh, first of all, I appreciate your, uh, your efforts yesterday, uh, uh, um, discussing that and working that out. I think that, that, that helped to work things out to a, a smoother conclusion than might've otherwise happened. Um, but, uh, what I was going at is, uh, uh you know, you, uh, have started off something uh, this week that, um, you got to taste some of the, uh, the teeth of the community. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> as well. So, um, so, so you, uh, started a forum site, uh, mm-hmm. and, um, maybe I'll just let you go from there. Well, let me, let me take two steps back because, um, 
I, I, I don't know you com- completely well, John, but I think I have a sense of your intent and your character. And, you know, you've done a lot of things where you've basically created tools for us to be successful. And you've kind of put these tools out here and, and almost handed them. You've done everything but walk them to our front door. Um, and, you know, here's a here's a here's an injected molded casing and here here's a circuit board. and Here's a sound chip and here's a design. And by the way, here's some cheap Canadian labor where you can even box it up for you and shrink wrap it. Uh, and so you've done all these things. And, um, you know, some people have seen the value in that and some people haven't maybe they're not ready for the their project yet um but your your offer for this has been sitting out there for a while and and even further you're like okay if you want to develop you can do it in mame we have it set up now where you can develop in mame so you don't need the hardware and so okay um so now if after doing all of that you felt like your toes were possibly stepped on i can relate to being perhaps rubbed the wrong way by that like listen i've done all this i put all this stuff out there um so yeah maybe my feelings are hurt uh so i think i can relate to that by suggesting the forum topic (laughs) where all i did was say here's this thing and maybe you could use it maybe you can't now and for the record too uh after i reread my original post to the mailing list I realized I probably shouldn't have phrased it that way because I did kind of open it up as a debate and I wasn't looking for a debate. I wasn't looking for an opinion. I was really wanting to just say, here it is, take it or leave it. And But uh, to my own credit now, I probably screwed up with the way I presented it. Not that it probably would have changed anything, um, but I do have to own that responsibility. Uh, but yeah, it turned into a big debate and, and that's fine. Everybody's got an opinion. But yeah, you kind of see this where... Um, there's a lot of good intended things and maybe there's no one always jumped on or maybe they're jumped on for the wrong reasons. And so, yeah, I, I felt a little bit of this thing. Um, and, and I, I didn't take any of it personally, like anybody is attacking me. The only thing that really struck me as displeasant was just the general negative attitude. And that negativity is what kind of burned me that it exists. It didn't burn me because it was directed towards me. It just burned me because it happened at all, you know? Sure, definitely. I understand. Um, I know. Um, um, I you when the the I forget the guy's name, but when you kind of brought it up on the Facebook list, I kind of I was one that said, yeah, well, I mean, we've kind of done that before. It didn't work out. I'm not too interested in it. Whatever. Um, maybe not the most positive response. I probably should have kept my mouth shut. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but I tried not to go beyond that. At least I, I, sure, uh, sure. When, when you said that you wanted to start one, you know, I said, well. If he wants to start one, I mean, we've had them. We don't really have one now. So, you know, uh, Brian Blake shut his down um, four months ago, six months ago, whatever it was. Um, and, uh, you know, Coco3.com was pretty successful years ago. Um, uh, so, I mean, there is some desire for that. There are people who want to use that kind of kind of interface, shall we say. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think it's good. it's probably good to have something like that available for those that want to use it. But, um, you know, like I said, I think we've hinted at that before. That, that was also part of the, the motivation in the podcast is, uh, you know, the, the community is not always good at, at, at providing even polite responses. <laughs> 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 and, and so that's part of what we've tried to do is, is provide at least polite responses to people's uh, projects. I think we've done pretty good on that for the most part. 
uh, may have been a little grumpy this week. Who knows? Um, but um, well, I think absolutely the Cocoa Crew. Here's how I look at it. You guys have had some really good analogies. The Cocoa Crew has been um, described as the Rainbow Magazine, and that's a great, accurate uh, analogy. Been ex- uh, described as like the uh, the NPR, which is great. Uh, I think another way to look at it too is almost like the Johnny Carson show. Because if you think of what Johnny Carson did, well, he was a big time show. He would have on celebrities, but he also would have like a Cub Scout talk about their troop project, you know. So (laughs) everybody got a chance to talk about what was going on. And so you guys are talking about all kinds of projects and you're not judging them by their significance or value or, or degree of difficulty. You're just saying, hey, there's a lot of things going on. And I think that validation is is nice to receive and hopefully inspirational for other people too. Cause like, Oh yeah, this guy's doing it. Maybe I should do it. And and that's basically what you say on a lot of your news segments is like, this isn't a cocoa project, but it could be a cocoa project. Hint, hint. Um, <laughs> and you're kind of fueling the fire. And I think that inspiration has shown in the two years I've been watching this, there's a lot more uh, involvement and interest and in activities are, t- are, are starting to happen. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. John, if John is Johnny Carson, who is Ed McMahon? Who's Ed McMahon? McMahon. Yeah. Ah, that's a great question. I, I don't know if Neil fits into that. Yes, you are correct, sir. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if that's Neil. <laughs> Maybe it has to be Myro. <laughs> well, well, Neil has always Neil oh. has always said that that he is um, that he's the Paul Schaefer to uh, ah to David Letterman. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I can see that. <laughs> P.S. I love you. Oh goodness! Well, um, well, so uh, I just like to ahead, mention yeah. something about uh, Cocoa Talk. Um, I find it's also a good supplement for the Cocoa Fest blues. Yeah, yeah, because it's kind of like Cocoa Fest, right? I mean, what you're doing there, you know, you're getting some elaborate uh, chats, you know, and stuff that goes on at Cocoa Fest, you know, on the on the side, right? Yeah, I even look at it as just Coco Crew Blues because I hate having to wait a month to hear another episode. You know, it's just like after you've heard the Coco Crew podcast, you're just filled with so much, um, you know, energy and, and information and you feel good for four hours uh, on your short episodes. Um, and then you have to wait 29 more days for another episode to come out. So I, I look at it I, when I when I was mentioning this, I'm like, well, this is my methadone for Coco Crew withdrawals, you know, so. <laughs> Um, it, it, I like hearing people talk about the cocoa. I like to listen, you know, I like to, I like to hear this. I, I'm a junkie for this. Yeah, it is a good time to be in the retro community. And, uh, that is definitely, it's definitely great that anybody who's into the cocoa now has, uh, you know, a constant, uh, flow of information and that, uh, makes it easier for people to get involved. And, uh, hopefully they're inspired to actually just deciding to do something and, and work on it, you know, whether it's some little project or a big project. So, uh, it's definitely uh, great to have the expanded uh, media presence that we have with uh, with your show, Steve. Yeah, thanks. You guys have been a huge inspiration for me. Myro, you're a huge inspiration with all your creative content as well. You know, so we're trying to do our little segments here and there. Um, and, you know, it's it's been a great value added um, addition to the show having you on there, not only with all your segments, but just your additional contributions to the co-hosting and the discussions and everything else, too. Well, thank you for that. Um, I do have a, a one important question for you. Uh, 
I'm just trying to imagine what it's like to drive 20 hours with Michael Brandt. Can you elaborate on that? <laughs> you know what? It was, it was very enjoyable, honestly. Um, you know, Michael and I have only really met, we met twice. The first time we met was after last year's Cocoa Fest where he came to pick up all the crap I got for him. So that was the first time I met him. Uh, and that's when John called him Qui-Gon because of the, the hair and the beard. Um, so that was the first time I met him. Second time I met him is when I drove up to Orlando to pick up a haul because we purchased um, Brian Blake's collection. Uh, I, I got half of it and he got half of it. So, And when I went up there to meet him, that's when we discussed the Tandy Assembly road trip. Like, we got to do this. you know. So we're sitting there having pizza at Mellow Mushroom and we're, we're planning and plotting and scheming this. And it just kind of came to be. Um, but no, it was great. It was fun. It was long ass drive. So it was nice not to have to do it all myself. And here's a funny story about that. So we have, I, I got a big rental car cause I knew we were going to be hauling a lot of crap and hopefully bringing stuff back too. um, full size rental car it was a, uh, Chevy, uh, whatever the hell it was. Anyways, um, the passenger seat could not get the passenger seat to go back and I'm pushing all the buttons, sliding all the levers. So the passenger, whoever had to sit shotgun their, their life sucked. Right. So when you weren't driving, you didn't have any leg room. The back was filled. So when I'm home the day before I drop off the rental car, I pick up my daughter from school. She reaches down on the left hand side of her hand and pushes it and slides herself back. And it was a manual lever on the left. I'm trying every single slider <laughs> knob on the right hand side of the seat. I'm trying That's all the technical design. choices. <laughs> so I'm like my 16 year old daughter figured out how to how to adjust that seat in three seconds. Oh, and it's we're a hybrid car. Yeah, we're, we spent 2,000 miles in that car. Could not adjust that seat. <laughs> part electric part manual that's great yeah Thanks, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but other than sitting in the passenger seat now it was cool it was it was really nice yeah it was great seeing you both at tandy assembly i'm, I'm glad you both came and uh, when i get the chance i'll ask michael the same question <laughs> <laughs> to get us in different rooms make sure the stories line up right so. <laughs> that's right that's right Lux, so luckily Steve there's I was just say, luckily, there's 20 hours of video on YouTube that shows the entire trip. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good on you uh, coming up there. That was that was great. Yeah, it's uh, when the bandwidth would support it. So we always got an update where you were. <laughs> Steve, I have two important questions for you. Okay, go ahead. Have you got your cocoa three yet? And are you in love with the cocoa? Yes, and those are both great songs too. So yes, <laughs> I got my Coco Three, and I'm in love with the Coco. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Matter of fact, my first Coco Three I got from uh, a Neil Blanchard auction. So um, he, he was he talking about it on the show. He says, "Yeah, I put up one of my Cocos. I bid on it. I won it. And when I won it, I wrote him a note. I said, "Hey, I won your Coco. Could you uh, give me an autograph?" And he autographed a silver candy floppy jacket and that was what he put on there too is hey you got your coco three yet <laughs> I, i've never met anybody who loves the coco more than neil in fact he may even make love to his coco <laughs> <laughs> that, that's for the after dark episode <laughs> edit edit <laughs> i see our coco three behind you there boise oh yeah i've got quite a few actually in various states of this assembly uh yeah. i've been working on drive wire mac server lately so uh uh, yeah, kind of getting back into a little bit of side time on it. Nice. So, what is uh, what is the uh, focus of this month's show for the Coco Crew podcast? It's a Tandy Assembly Victory Lab. 
victory lap. <laughs> you're, definitely in, you're definitely entitled to that. That was a great show. I, I think that was possibly, too, what made this week's drama a little bit more dramatic was we were, we were off of like a two-week high. To now hit this yeah. low was very anticlimactic, you know, so I think the timing couldn't have been worse. Um, but, um, no, you, def- you definitely deserve a victory lap for yeah. Candy Assembly. Well, like you say, interacting with the public, especially the Internet, especially on Facebook, um, is a good way to, to keep yourself humble. Probably the, <laughs> it's probably the best way since the Romans. Uh, I don't know if you uh, ever watch any old those old movies back when they made a bunch of movies set in Rome. But um, there's one I think it's uh, called Quo Vadis. I think is the one where they they're having a triumph for you know some Roman general or whatever. But they show how they put a a slave on the back of the chariot behind the general while he's doing it, doing his parade. And every so often, the slave would just have to lean forward and say, remember, you're only a man. Remember, you're only a man. (laughs) (laughs) That was his reality check, huh? That's right. So, you know, apparently I'm I'm uh, the equivalent of an Aussie schoolgirl having a fit or something like that. Um, Mm. I don't know. Um, Plaid skirt and white stockings? Yeah, I I, I thought Aussie women were better looking than that, but, you know, whatever. Actually, that, that, uh, that, that slave thing would be a great job for Neil. Oh, come on. <laughs> only a man, Neil. Just keep repeating it. You're only a man. <laughs> I'm waiting for Neil's breakout show. Neil is slowly becoming the breakout star of the Coco Crew yeah. podcast. The Tandy 1000 has been kicked around a few times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we should put Neil and David Ladd together for their own Tandy 1000 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. The 10 what... 1000 used floppies, so I'm sure David Ladd would have some contribution. <laughs> <laughs> I think it ought to be called the Neil Brookings Show. The Neil Brookings Show. <laughs> there you go. Host, yeah. Neil Brookings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. No, that was hilarious when we found out that Neil Brookings, there's a real Neil Brookings that's, you know, not Brookings, but uh, a real person. (laughs) That was funny. I thought he was an imposter. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What can we stir up here? (laughs) Um, Guys, um, unfortunately, I got to cut out. Sort of have to leave early. Okay, Neil. But, uh, Enjoy the what remains of the summer in Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Go out and tap those trees. The syrup's yeah. not gonna make itself. Oh yeah, I'm talking to you, Neil. Yeah, you too. Thanks for joining us, yeah, Steve. It it's good having you here. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike, you got anything? Uh, any other topics? No, I uh, think I got all my questions answered. Uh, <laughs> I'll just w- want to say thanks again for uh, all your live streaming at Tandy Assembly. Uh, that was a, a big plus, and we had a much broader audience to enjoy it. And, uh, you know, we couldn't have done that without you. So thanks yeah, again. No problem. Yeah, I, the, the lessons we learned from um, Cocoa Fest, you know, I had a, a crappy laptop with one camera. And I just realized I would like it to be a little better, and it was a little better, and we could – find ways to make it even more better. That's, you know, can be technically critical, but I think the overall it was a, it was a nice thing to have. Um, and I enjoyed listening to that round table discussion again that we had. It was nice hearing um, not only all of the different podcasters talk, but really hearing from the 
attendees and that guy who managed that Radio Shack store, he was really interesting. Did anybody get his contact info? Because he would make a great interview too, you know? Yeah, he probably would. I don't think I have it though. Yeah, I don't know if you'd heard that, you know, there was a, an attendee that showed up, said, yeah, I saw the live stream with Don French this morning and I just had to get down there. So he drove uh, from ah, somewhere yeah. else in Ohio. Um, and then uh, he had a, a business card, was trying to talk us into some bigger show in Ohio or something like that. <laughs> was that the guy who uh, bought the pizza? I think it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it was good pizza. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Um, I'm sure there's something else. Let's see. What else? Um, so you've got uh, you've got some big plans, right? You're, you're planning to expand the, the Strobridge Media Empire? The Empire. The Empire is going to expand. Yeah. I mean, one, and I, I alluded to this in my Tandy Assembly presentation, but I forgot to mention the most important part, which wasn't about the fact I'm breaking up my YouTube into three channels because that's neither here nor there. But uh, I'll give so. You know, right now I started with one channel and it has everything. It has Coco videos. It's got Sega Genesis. It's got Atari 2600. It's got Minecraft. It's got PC games, right? So it's all over the place. Um, it became very clear to me that the Coco videos were really the main um, attraction to my channel. So I have set up a Coco channel. It's called I'm a Coconut and I'm going to be doing nothing but color computer content on that channel. Of course, timing, you know, available time to do that is the enemy there. But that's going to free me up in a lot of ways because right now I, I, I look at my primary channel as a primarily gaming channel. So I try to sort of keep things more on the entertainment side um, or I feel that I kind of need to or should. But if I have a color computer channel, there there's no rules. This is not a gaming channel. It's a Coco channel. So, yes, we'll have the gameplay videos and we'll have the interviews and we'll have Coco talk. But we can have tech segments. We can have technical things and there's really no rules there so i'm looking forward to having a lot more coco content on this coco channel so that channel exists it's yet to be majorly populated but anything new i do will go there um uh and then uh, i'm i'm eventually going to start a second talk show because i think coco talk is fairly successful being uh, as obscure as it is it's the color computer it's one of a thousand systems that existed in the 80s um, and it's got a decent audience. So I'm wanting to branch out and do a show that I'm going to call Retro Talk that will just be nonspecific, but cover that era of 70s, 80s, and 90s. And so every week we'll have a different topic or a different system. But I think that'll open up to a bigger audience. And I'm curious to, to test those waters and see what, you know, what we can build there. Um, and I'm hoping that if that picks up, that that will cross-pollinate Coco Talk and vice versa, having these different shows to kind of advertise the other shows and increase those things. Uh, that was my motivation to doing the podcast originally too, was um, I just want to throw it out there. And I was really hoping that somebody would start listening and say, gosh, I really wish I could see what they were doing. And I, and I was just selfishly wanting to find a way to, to turn listeners into viewers because I view my show as a as a video show first. Um, and so it was kind of just like, let me just throw it out there and see if we get some more viewers. And again, unplanned and unexpected, um, people are like, hey, I really appreciate you doing this because now I can listen because I don't have the time or the bandwidth or whatever to watch. And so um, people enjoy listening to it. So the fact that it became a benefit to the already existing audience was unplanned, but it's it's great. It's great that they do, you know? Cool. Very good. 
Well, definitely wish you luck in those uh, those areas. And um, the cross pollination is a great thing. I know, like one of your regulars, Mark Overholzer. Um, I know he's more of an apple person, or traditionally has been. Sure. But sure. Um, you know, his interests are, have uh, crossed over, and I'm sure there's a number of our uh, our people, shall we say, the cocoa people, that have interests either certainly in other tandies and in, in other you know the Commodore 64, the Apple or Vic 20 or whatever. So there's no reason to confine to confine that. Now that said, I, I do uh, seem to have limited not not limited myself, but the, the planning at least for events have all been for uh, machine specific events, and uh, those have worked out pretty well. Tandy assembly and, and mm-hmm. Cocoa uh, Cocoa Fest, whatever. <laughs> but uh, um, you know, I do think that we are a, a broader community. It's sometimes a little hard to get deep, both deep and wide, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think uh, it's good to get more people involved and, you know, you never know who'll pull what out, uh, you know, so there'd be that one other person in the, in the world that likes the same two old machines that you do. <laughs> right, so, right, right. So that should be cool. Um, well, so, uh, you know, the, uh, the traditional, uh, end of the, the interview question, I guess, is, uh, you know, what, what have we not talked about? What, what should we, uh, what should we be asking you? <laughs> yeah. Any ideas there? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. So I'll just tell you something that, um, it was a conversation that Ron Klein and I had right towards the end of Tandy assembly. He goes, he goes, I like how you're, um, you know, you keep things going and you're kind of quick witted with, with the people who are speaking. And he's like, have you ever done anything like this before? And so I will share with you guys what I shared with him, but yeah, I, in the past, I've actually done, um, echo is killing me right now, but yeah, I've actually done uh, live stand up comedy and just like YouTube and, and the Cocoa stuff, it was something I've never done before, but I just started doing and kept doing and kept doing and, and hopefully got better at. So I was a master of ceremonies. I ran professional shows. I was a semi-professional comedian. I went on the road, did colleges, cruise, cruise ships, things like that. So, um, uh, so I was self-taught in that as well. So that's probably my background and what's helping me be a halfway decent host at this show is I, I have experience running professional, you know, entertainment shows. Um, so, um, you know, and, and because I've done things like that in the past, I've taken something that I've never done before, taking something that was just a hobby that I wanted to do for fun and found out that if you work hard at something and you're passionate about it and you're dedicated to it, you can make something out of that. Those previous successes in my past kind of gave me the confidence to think if I'm going to start YouTube, that I could be successful in this too. I've never done it before, but there's been plenty of other things I've done that I've never done before. But if I was passionate about them and I just kept doing them and got better at them, you know, um, something good will potentially happen. So, uh, and I think that's starting to happen now, you know, two and a half years later. That's cool. I would have never guessed. So you actually went on cruise ships and did uh, those kinds of gigs and did some stand-up. Yeah, I did, I did one cruise ship because in South Florida, we have these cruise ships that just leave the port and they go out for five hours. It's a booze cruise and they come back, you know. So right. I've done one of those. Um, <laughs> did, did a couple college gigs, went to New York. I was on the road once or twice, you know, did a couple road trips, mostly local stuff, but did a handful of um, out-of-town gigs too, you know. That's really neat. 
Um, but some good, there's some good stories there, but um, I might have to wait for the cocoa well, after dark. The, <laughs> yeah, well, there's, there's like, there, there, I think there's probably some similar things there when you when you think about the personalities in the communities, this, the stuff we were talking about, you know, that stand-up comedy where you have a bunch of people doing open mics, you're not getting paid, you're trying to develop a craft, and it was so cutthroat and so dog-eat-dog and so vicious. Uh, it, was, it was almost a toxic environment, you know, uh, and ironically, when you're trying to create entertainment and comedy most of the people were just bitter evil <laughs> people <laughs> so you kind of you kind of see some of that uh you know going on with some of the personalities in other communities too you know definitely definitely um all right well i think that probably ha- is all that i've got uh, mike uh boise either of you have anything left i just want to echo what mike said earlier about uh steve's contributions thank you steve for what you do no like do a great uh you, you it's a great adjunct to the coco community and uh thank you it's great to have you uh, thank you uh, thank you myro <laughs> you yeah definitely steve it's been great having you as part of the community uh someone else to um to be the focus of uh, people's admiration and hatred combined. So. <laughs> so, there's, um, there's more than one sacrificial lamb. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <Bad>. uh, <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so with that, I think we'll probably wrap it up. And uh, uh, again, thanks, Steve, for joining us. And um, we're going to take another break and um, we'll be back with the rest of the show. All right, big shout out to David Ladd. <laughs> Yay, David Ladd. All right, thanks. <laughs> Take care. So I says, if you think he's so grand, why don't you have him over for dinner? <laughs> the wizard for dinner. <laughs> That's so funny. Did you fellas see that lad who came in about quarter past? Yeah, I seen him. Kid was all fired up saying someone lifted his money and wanted to know who it was. Looking for the bandits. <laughs> That's so funny. Liable to get his throat cut, he keeps talking like that. Yeah, get his throat cut. <laughs> I think that lad is going to try to recover the king's scepter. The king's scepter? From the wizard? In the middle of the forest of doom? That poor bugger will be lucky if being robbed is all that happens to him. Yeah, lucky. <laughs> There's something different about this one, though. Different? Bah, I should rob him again myself. Get a few lads and follow him in a ways. Yeah, follow him in and rob him. <laughs> I'm not so sure you want to be doing that now, Bill. Did you see that tome he was carrying? That dusty old book? What of it? Yeah, what of it? I heard him say it contained the secrets of the Forest of Doom. I think this lad means business. Well, that may be, but book or no book, I've never seen someone come back from that quest. Yeah, never come back. Well, I'll be wishing him luck, and while I'm at it, warn him about the shadows. Are you ready? For the forest of doom.
for the tiny color computer one, two, and three. November 2017, if you dare. Yeah, if you dare. <laughs> What can TRS-80 computers do for you? Billing, bookkeeping, payroll, inventory, mailing lists, data analysis. They can be used as tutors, lab assistants, word processors, or entertained with exciting games. Radio Shack designed and built the TRS-80 to offer all of these capabilities at an affordable price. And they are easy to use and easily expandable. The TRS-80 Model 2 is strictly business and twice as fast as the original Model 1. And the new Model 3 is a completely self-contained desktop computer designed for both home and office. TRS-80 stands for top value, top support, and top service. Radio Shack offers the most popular computers in the world. Visit one of over 400 computer centers or over 8,000 Radio Shack stores and dealers nationwide. Radio Shack, the biggest name in little computers a division of Tandy Corporation. And now, the Coco Crew would like to present the Podcasters Roundtable, recorded live at Tandy Assembly 2017 in Chillicothe, Ohio. Enjoy. I would like to call together the first ever Tandy Talk. We are here to talk about Tandy. I was uh, usually on Saturday, I'm doing with my friends Coco Talk, and we're here. So your regularly scheduled Coco Talk has been preempted by Candy Assembly, uh, and I had basically asked that there would be an opportunity for us to do some type of discussion during Candy Assembly, and here we are. And we've got a bunch of, of podcasters and other uh, international celebrities with us here too, which is great too. And we have all of you guys here. So uh, for all of you who have come to Candy Assembly and who are here now joining us in Tandy Talk, give yourselves a round of applause because this is... It's been an exhausting and amazing 18 hours, it feels like. We're wondering when, how long has it been. It feels like we've been here 18 hours today. So um, it's been a great day, and um, I'm hoping that we can all just talk about, we're going to, of course, introduce everybody who's up here, but I was hoping we can all just kind of talk about this shared experience we're having here today, Tandy Assembly. You know, what, what, uh, what, what, what brought you here? What have you liked about being here? What are you still looking forward to seeing while you're here? Uh, I'm Steve Strobridge, and if you missed my 30 minutes of fame earlier today, uh, I do uh, color computer gameplay videos and other retro things on YouTube. I also host Coco Talk, which is a weekly live talk show, which is now also a podcast. And I'm a big fan of Myro and the Coco Crew podcast, and the Trash Talkers, and Floppy Days. Uh, a lot of great content out there in the community. So I'm done saying who I am. The reason why I'm here is because Tandy is what got me started in computers. Got me started in my career, and you know, got me wanting to do YouTube to celebrate all those kind of things. So other than that, I don't care. If we want to work our way down the line. Everybody say who you are, name, rank, serial number, sure. type thing, or uh, yeah, start with Pete. Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> my name is Peter Bartlett. I'm one of the Trash Talk podcasters. Uh, I'm one for Andy Kinde, who unfortunately isn't here. We call it. Tierra City Model 1 enthusiast. Uh, so I got started in, in you know, Tierra City computers back in an early age and got very interested in that and sort of picked up uh, later in life uh, in the mid-2000s when my mom sent me my old Model 1 keyboard and I started building add-on devices for that and 
that sort of snowballed into a little bit of a business, which, you know, I, I've been branching out into you know, more of the, originally the Model 3, the Model 4, and so forth line, and now I'm starting to even get into the Cocoa thing, uh, thanks to the influence of these guys. And I'm just finding a whole lot of fun branching out and learning new things. Well, thanks. We're glad you're here. Looking forward to seeing more of your exhibits. Uh, yeah, Ian Maverick from Australia. Um, still you're pretty right. tired and a bit jet lagged. <laughs> <laughs> out here, but uh, you know the things we the things we do. But you know, I thought it's been a, a really good, well-designed uh, event, and um, you know, I'm hoping that they will uh, that there'll be future ones, and um, that we can you know get more of the more of the enthusiasts from around the United States to come along to the, to these things. Um, I've got some ideas on how to how to increase the numbers and, and stuff. But I think you know this uh, this event has a has a great future. Uh, I started out with these uh, computers when my parents bought me one in the seventies, and I've sort of never been really far away from them. Though obviously it was a bit low for a while there. Well, um, there wasn't much interest in, in retro computing, but once I noticed there was a, uh, an interest starting to, to emerge in the retro computing hobby, I thought, well, this gives me a chance to, to, um, to sort of do my bit to keep the TRS-89 name alive. It, it wasn't the biggest name in computers in Australia. That was probably um, mostly catered for by Commodore and Apple. So, um, but having said that, uh, I have a lot of people who are interested in what I do and, and the way that I do things and the way that I support the community with, with my pro projects and you know just general advice and support and things like that. So yeah, that's uh, that's what I do. It's it's not a it's not a main income or anything like that. It's just kind of something I do to, to give a bit back and try and you know if people can buy the things that they're after uh, to keep their interest in the hobby going, then that's, that's the important thing. Yeah, that's yeah. sure, sure. sure. That just came up. I mean, coughing was a little bit like coughing. Oh, that's a little Whoa. I'm done. You spread it. Hey, everybody, I'm here to this year's anniversary. And I am blown away by It's way beyond my expectations when we originally started planning this a year or so ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like, right? This is like a fucking project. So, really happy with it. Um, unlike probably everybody in this room, I am, I, I didn't have a TRS-80 when I was a kid. I didn't grow up with a TRS-80. I'm a new Commodore. This took over the past couple of years. I was a Commodore, Big 20 kid, and sank out to the Atari line for a while. And um, I think. When I got into retro computing a few years ago, you know, I got a Big 20, I got an Atari, a PET, and I got a TRS-80, and for some reason I got drawn to the TRS-80 platform. So I think I'm realizing what you guys found out when you were young, you know, what is it, the, the magic about it, I, I'm not sure, but it really attracted me. And I think part of it is the fact that it's all new to me, which is exciting. You know, I learned everything there was to learn about the Atari and the Commodores, and uh, everything I'm learning about the TRS-80 now, to me, is new. The programs, the architecture, coding for them, all the different models. So it's, it's really been an exciting time. So. 
My name is Neil Blanchard, everybody, or Neil Brookings, as uh, some people call me. <laughs> Neil Brookings! Uh, I'm the uh, co-host and editor of the Coco Crew podcast. Um, Co- the Coco 3 was my first computer, Coco Computer 3, and I got back into it back in uh, 2005. Uh, then 2010, went to Coco Fest, uh, met these guys, and here we are today. And what amazes me with this community is that we're all brought together for pretty much the same thing. This, you know, these old computers, which is pretty amazing. It is cool. It definitely is. So, um, so I'm John Linville, and uh, I'm uh, again one of the hosts of the Coco Crew. And um, let's see, I'm also uh, the organizer for the uh, Retro Challenge event. Uh, if you uh, aren't aware of Retro Challenge, go check out retrochallenge.org. The event is running now. It's not too late to enter if you if you have an idea. Anyway, with that plug-in, um, so like uh, a lot of people, um, you know, that was my start with computers is mostly Tandy after a brief uh, brush with an Apple II in school, but uh, they took me to, to uh, Tandy Computer Center for some classes in basic, and uh, my dad was a ham radio guy and CB guy, and of course he spent a lot of time at Radio Shack, so it's natural choice that he picked a Radio Shack computer to bring home for me. And... Um, I have a little singing part on uh, a recent uh, Coco Crew podcast uh, as a, a parody of a country song, but uh, I had something <laughs> in there about uh, I hacked the, the Blackjack program to give the dealer five cars. Well, that's a true story. <laughs> uh, there's a, a demo program that um, the, uh, the dealer itself would only, it was Blackjack, but the dealer would only deal twice, even though he'd deal up to five times to you. So my dad challenged me to, to, to change it. And, uh, and I eventually figured it out, and uh, that was like the beginning of the hacking bug or whatever. Uh, so anyway, so I owe a lot to, to, to Radio Shack and, and uh, the, the Tandy line of computers for what's become a, a very comfortable living for me and my family um, and whatever. Now that after spending many, many years going to Cocoa Fest, I really enjoyed it from a hobby perspective and from the networking and community perspective. And, um, you know, several of us that, that go just kind of, we want a little more. And we talked about it off and on and um, figured, figured out, trying to figure out how to expand it. And at some point, you know, we wanted to expand, but we didn't want to lose that kind of, you know, t- community focus or whatever. And at some point it dawned on us that, well, maybe we could, instead of including every old computer, maybe we could just include the Tandys, you know. And about that time, the Trash Talk uh, podcast was starting to, to gain a little steam or whatever, so we kind of reached out to them, and, uh, and uh, you know, they, they were amenable to the idea, and uh, we've been a good team, I think. And uh, this event today is beyond my wildest imagination, really. I mean, I would have been happy if there were 30 people here, and there's easily twice that. Um, and so it's a great event, and uh, I hope it continues. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm Mike Rowan, uh, also known as Myro. It has <laughs> caught on. Caught on. <laughs> um, Myro. I'm a co-host of the, uh, the Coco Crew podcast. Uh, I do uh, parody commercials and, and bits for the uh, audio bits for the podcast. Sometimes I, I guest appear on the uh, Trash Talk show uh, with a couple of ads for them as well. Um, uh, yeah, we're really delighted. We're so happy everybody made it out here. I think the last count we had, we had 76 people here today. Nice. Wow. So it's a really great turnout. And uh, 
we can't believe everybody's generosity with the auction. Uh, you saw the huge pile of stuff, and that you know most of that came from all of you. So uh, that has definitely secured uh, you know doing this again next year. So <laughs> we're we're looking forward to that. Uh, uh, as far as computers, my when I was 13, my dad brought home. I think that was probably 1978, 78, 79. He brought home a TRS-80 Model One, Level Two, 16K. Uh, he even sprang for the extra keypad, nice. and uh, and then he never got to use it again. <laughs> I lived on that computer uh, all all through high school. Learned to program on it. Got into machine language on the C80, and uh, um, and that kind of launched uh, my career. Uh, when I left home, I joined the Air Force, and uh, it was time for me to get my own computer. I decided to uh, upgrade to a color computer, <laughs> and uh, uh, I was a very uh, in the 80s, one of my primary jobs was doing uh, Unix system administration, security administration. And uh, with my color computer, I often would use it uh, when we ran shorter terminals. I'd bring it into work and use it as a terminal at work. Um, I had uh, I was a heavy OS 9 user because it was very Unix-like. Uh, I had the UUCP package, so when I had my Cocoa at home, I could exchange files with work. If I needed to update a configuration file, I could just pull it down with UUCP on my Cocoa, edit it push it back out and it saved me the you know the 20 30 minute drive to work uh, often so uh, it was a it was a great tool and uh, uh, a computer I love but uh, all the radio shack computers that that whole line you know I kind of grew up with them and uh, the pocket computers and the model 100s and uh, it's just great to have an event where it could just be about all those computers because they they're just kind of a they've got some common common link there with radio shack and Tandy and uh, uh, yeah, it's been a great event, and I appreciate everybody making the effort to come out here. It's, it's been a yeah. blast. Yeah. Um, how much experience did you have over the years with the Tandy 10? With the Tandy 10? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Obviously, that's an inside joke. You want to fill in the blanks? Somebody asking about the Tandy 10. Yeah, yeah. Tandy 10. yeah the Tandy 10 is a real thing, but uh, yeah. no, I did, I've not seen one in person. <laughs> It's a shame that the Tandy 11 never came out. <laughs> That's awesome. So for everybody who's here, uh, if you want to, I don't know if you want to take turns, if you just want to yell it out. Like, what was the motivating factor that says, I want to come to this thing? Um, I want to check this thing out. I'll tell you, with me, it was... And what's your name? Jay. Jay. I'm from Maryland. Um, I grew up with the radio show. I mean, I'm almost sure half the people here did, too. I mean some form of it. I did it. I, I had taken a course in basic programming at college as, a, as an elective to get out of my senior year. Uh, for the price, I picked it up, took it home, took it out of the box, started typing in some commands, and next thing you know, I had a program running. Mm -hmm. And I, I could not go to sleep that night. <laughs> so, so excited. And I kept up with it. it. It helped me develop programs. I wrote programs for hospitals. I was a pharmacist. and sold some software to hospitals and it was just, it was fun. Right. It was, it was, and I didn't want to make a lot of money. I was, you know, I was a pharmacist, so I was making fairly good income. But then I just noticed that it started to go down a little, down a little, down a little, and it just seemed to get quieter. And I didn't know what to do with it. If I want to keep my machine or if I want to get rid of it, well, I sold it. Yeah. And I sold it for a ridiculously low amount of money because I figured it's got no value. Sure. And then all of a sudden, I see a revitalization on eBay and emails and stuff like that. And then you run into people like Ian and you run into other people like Peter. And, and you find out that hey, this machine is not dead. 
Yeah. And that revitalized me. And I said, I've got to go to this convention because it shows that there's some interest out there still for a machine that was 35. Sure. Is this your first vintage computing festival ever? Yeah. Or, yeah? How did you find out about Tandy Assembly? What was it, the track? I had, uh, yeah, I don't know where I heard it, but I, I, I guess I just found it in a, in, a, in a link somewhere. Okay. Or somewhere, and I then posted it on the VCF okay. uh, website to say, hey, does anybody know about this thing and where it's been, what's going on? And I got some responses, and, and I was amazed at the turnout. I really was. Uh, yeah, it's, but it's pretty like cool. I say, when you, when you actually get to see the people that you're talking to on the on the computer, you know, worrying part, <laughs> right. that's the experience. Right. And then yeah. the fact that you have very good lectures, lecturers come in, um, yeah. French. Yeah. I mean, great speakers, yeah. Oh, I mean, you have an extremely good group. And yeah. I'm looking for Scott Adams tomorrow, you know. Yeah. Yes. I mean, if you can do that, I think the interest will stay there. Yeah. That's, that's and so what do you have now? You have a, I have about 12 Model 3. My second room in my apartment is nothing but computer parts and computers. I've got four yeah. models ready to run. Ready. I, I do like, like Ian does. I just buy them offline, tinker with them, fix them, and then resell them. And I, that's the pleasure yeah. I get out of it. Keep it going. Yeah, I mean, these are viable machines, home. you yeah. know. There are That's awesome. And they, they sell. <laughs> that was, they uh, sell. That was a great uh, host discussion on uh, collecting and when is too much and how do you yeah. control Do you have a protocol in place for making sure you don't collect too much? Yeah. 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 I went nuts. I, I really it did. Is, Every uh, time I saw a Model 3 or a Model 4 or a Model 4D on the web, I, I, I said, I'm going to try and get it. You know, you, you know, there was two, three sales that I got where I got bummer. I didn't get what I was supposed to get, you know, but right, but I got a nice little selection of, of machines. And of course, Ian and his crew come out with all these wonderful devices for it. It's amazing, yeah. I mean, a uh, TRC Model 1, whoever envisioned a 4K Model 1 with a little connector and a card has a hard, it's, it's a hard drive machine. <laughs> it's, it's inconceivable. And so that's my two cents. That's awesome. Point. Anybody else want to chime in on what we hey, Scott? Yeah, sure. Uh, I've been participating in the Facebook group, and I've jumped on your Discord. Um, and I had been eyeing going to one of the festivals, like Coco Fest, but it's at a bad time of year for me, so I don't haven't made it down there. So I've been looking at that for years. Um, and I've been eyeing going to Kansas Fest, but again, bad time of year for me, so I can't go. Um, and then I saw Tandy Assembly is in the fall when I have time and I have money, and thought it's the first one. I have to go. I yeah, can't ever yeah. say that I went to the first exactly. one. Exactly. It's, it's, I've missed 24 Coco Fest before I got to 25. <laughs> yeah. so I didn't know they existed. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I came down here not really knowing what to expect. I heard some of the stories from Coco Fest and all the other festivals, but I didn't know what I was going to find. And it's been super exciting just to be in a room with 60 other people who are all talking about this old computer. Yeah. That, uh, in my friend group, nobody else owned one. I had one when I grew up, and they've been like, yeah, I heard of that, but then they just don't care. So being able to be in a room with people who are like, know far more than I do about it and want to talk about it all day, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Very cool. Anybody else want to chime in on what what, yeah, what brought I, you here? Yeah. I'm down here I'm because honest, but I started collecting, uh, I was actually talking about it not too long ago, um, and I was just collecting because I wanted to. You know, I got Apple stuff and my computers 
stuff for me to talk some Commodore stuff, which I never had just that Commodore stuff and play with it. But I didn't realize there was like a community for it. Like I was just collecting to collect because I wanted to have the equipment. And then I don't remember if I happened upon Steve's stuff first or, or your guys' stuff, but it was one of the two and then kind of together. And I'm just like, wow, there's actually people who care about this crap. Like, it's just amazing that, like, not only do people care about it, but, like, these guys are making new yeah. hardware. Like, yeah. it's just, yeah. it's amazing. It really is. And then, uh, you know, kind of like he said, like, April's just a bad time of year for me. So Cocoa Fest is kind of out work-wise. So when you guys meet the October, I'm like, I'm going to Awesome. You know, there's a certain amount of, um, if you build it, that will come aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we talked about doing this, and people said, well, I mean, Chicago's in the middle of the country. Why would you go somewhere in the middle of nowhere to have a, an event? <laughs> who, who the hell's going to go to Southeast Ohio? You know, why would anybody go there? Um, we've already got they an event. like four hours. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? <laughs> there's people that are closer. Uh, why would anybody go there? We already have Coco Fest. We're, you know, nobody wants to go to two events a year. Um, it's nothing, 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 you know. And, and so much of it clearly is wrong. I mean, I see a lot of faces that I've seen at Coco Fest. I see a lot of faces I've never seen before, or I've only seen on Facebook. Um, just right there it says, well, we're feeling the need that somebody wanted to go to two events and somebody couldn't make it to Coco Fest, right? That's right there. So. You know, sometimes you just have to ignore the, what people are saying or not saying or, or what, you know, people think is a dumb thing. They at some point, right? But, uh, I mean, you had a good point, too. You said these are our hot rods. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I mean, I, I definitely have a lot of friends that do hot rods. And I love it. I think it's great. But, I mean, they spend just as much or more money on their hot rods than I spend on this. And, and they drive them a lot less than I get to go. I get to play video games and then have a lot, right? So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They can all drive them in the summer when it's not raining or whatever, right? So, yeah, I think you were right with what you were saying about the the kind of slightly crappy aspect to, to some parts of this hobby. But what I find is that you know, a meeting like this, at least we're all like-minded because it's a very di- retro computing is a very difficult hobby to explain to people who aren't into it right. what the attraction, <laughs> what the attraction or the appeal is, because you just sound. A, a bit kind of, you know, it, it doesn't. It doesn't even make sense to me. So what the hell Yeah. But he doesn't understand it. He doesn't know yeah. because he never grew up with that. Well, one yeah. of the things that always amazes me is that the pioneers in the industry, the people who made the old software, who made the old hardware, uh, and then sort of fell out of it and got into a different career and after all these years they had no idea this was going on yeah. and you call them up and say hey can we interview and they're like why would you want to interview me <laughs> yeah and you do, and yeah, some, of them, some of them start to get back into it again yeah. and well, it's, it's just, just like you know you got rick who literally recreated a game that he wrote what 20 years ago yeah. in six months maybe something like that yeah mm. it, wow. to me that is Indeed. just mind-boggling he's yes. just like yeah whatever like it's no big deal to him but it, it's just it is it's just to me yeah yeah well we hit him on a one-two punch <laughs> <laughs> steve got him i kind of got him out and talked to him and then we can we wait a little while and we, eyes and we talked to him and we said, you know, we got this Tandy assembly thing going, you know. It's kind of like dating your friend's ex. There's yeah. a cooling off there. <laughs> So you didn't know what hit him, but all 
of a sudden he was back in the game, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I just I just find like uh, having met all you know, a lot of you guys now it's just like we're just all normal people, but some of us do extraordinary things. Like it's extraordinary to other people but not necessarily to that person. Yeah, which is strange, yeah. but it's just like it is, you know. I, I, to add to that, I think one of the big pieces around this is, um, and one of the reasons why I came here is, uh, that, you know, this is something that we share. Uh, we're all equally passionate about this. Um, and there's inherent camaraderie in there. Um, so I, I think I'm not alone when, you know, I say that this is, you know, this platform, you know, from back in the 80s, um, kind of guided and made me who I am today to a certain degree. Yeah. I don't feel that I'd be working in the field that I'm working in. I don't feel that I had the skills that I have that I, I'm very proud of, and I think everybody shares that common bond. So, yeah. uh, you know, having that inherent camaraderie with everyone, and finally meeting people and putting you know the, the faces to the names and hearing you know you know all the stories on um, uh, the uh, 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 podcast. So, Cobra Crew, um, the Floppy Days, and uh, Trash Talk, um, and Steven's new one, which is great weekly. Um, it's awesome. So, uh, putting all that together and having the ability to share that first Tandy assembly and on the 40th anniversary, basically, of yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's something special. So, um, you know, there's no better place to learn to talk about floppies than on the Steve's podcast. We have some spin-off shows. Floppy Talk is going to be a 24-hour day channel. <laughs> It's great there's so much content to waste your time on now. Thanks for driving, great. I have, you know, I. I was a kid, teenager, when I got when I had Coco in the 80s, and I felt that you you, you felt like you were going to be part of something, but you felt like you were pretty well informed because you had things like the Rainbow Magazine. So even though I didn't understand hardware or circuits or soldering or assembly, I felt like I understood what the machine was about. I felt like I understand what people were doing with this machine. I felt fairly well informed, and I had a Coco for seven years, and so I lived every day of my life this 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 thing, and I thought I knew a lot. Um, when I started doing YouTube and I started finding out about uh, Boise's book and, and the Coco Crew podcast and all these things, I'm like, there's so much I didn't know. I learned, I learned more in my first six months of listening to the Coco Crew and reading the book and, and being involved in Facebook. I learned more in six months than I learned in seven years of having the actual machine when it was a current yeah. thing. Uh, you learned so much. The, the Boise and Bill's book, if you guys don't not wear a Coco Colorful History of Candy's Underdog Computer awesome. by Boise Pete and Bill LeJudas. Uh, shameful plug right there. Great book about the color computer and Tandy and Radio Shack and, and the industry and the history. There were so many things to learn. Um, it's, it's interesting, the common theme is always as cheap as possible. Like, as cheap. Yeah. Yeah. That was always the defining book. Yeah. Yeah. And then the talk today is like, and, that was always the defining and, and, and it seems like that's the, that was kind of the undoing. Yeah. If you look at how many things were innovators for the time. 
handy Ricochet, one of the biggest innovators in technology. And look at now, look at like the Palm Pilot, an innovator in a PDA. Look at the Blackberry, one of the first smartphones. These innovators, but where are they now? Because they took, they zagged when they should have zigged, and somebody else just carried forward. You know, Apple made everything pretty much irrelevant. Um, it's amazing how what could have been, and you think about that. And while you can't change what could have been. You at least can appreciate what was. Uh, and now we're at a point where it's not only what, what was, but what can we add to that now? And you look at what everybody here is doing with their hardware projects. It's amazing well, this, to me, because I've never understood circuitry or, or, or hardware. So now all these things I'm learning about with the Arduinos and the uh, FPGAs and the fact that we can literally create hardware, virtual hardware, that's real hardware. This is what I like about this group because they're they're rectifying all the wrongs that Tandy did yeah, yeah. with the new hardware that's coming out where Tandy took a shortcut when they shouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. And cheapened the computer. Uh, these guys are putting things out there to fix that and make it what it could have been and should have been. Right. And. Uh, it's really cool. I mean, there, there's not many things you can say now. If I had to do it all over again, what would I have? have what would I have done with retro? People are doing that. Mm -hmm. You look at all these projects of these software that's being developed now that could have been developed. The fact that I'm running Hackman on my Coco and I can run Donkey Kong on my Coco and that way they that these machines were capable of running these things that nobody did. Well, it's so, interesting when you take money out of the equation and yeah. go to passion. Just right, passion. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I understand that some of it is you just had to crank these things yeah. out. But, or running uh, a fully interrupt-driven multitasking operating system on that toy computer color. And what's computer. that called? It's absolutely amazing to me, and, and, and I continue to be inspired by it. I think what people are doing are inspiring other people, and I don't have the, the graph of where things were three years ago, but in the two and a half years I've been watching this, I've seen that graph grow in hardware and software and, and community engagement involvement, and it just seems like it's rising. And if, we could, if we could you know, make this a stock, you know, I say buy a thousand shares right now because it's just like this is Apple stock right now with the retro uh, enthusiasm. Is doing. You see, last month I was in a group. They was talking, and the, 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 the speaker was talking about containers and how they're used. And I'm thinking, the light went on. You know, this is not new. We were doing this with the color computer. Everything's code reentrant. Okay, if you want to run more than one interact, fine. You start another another session, but the code's already in there from the first session. All it does is keep track of what changes are made, and that's what containers are. And that's not new. <laughs> well, yeah, the um, the community investment, the, the community work seems to have a or at least the ones what we've been doing. We're picking the right things. I think we're getting a good return on investment. We're getting a higher than a dollar return on every dollar we put into it. At least right now. <laughs> Um, now, I don't know, you know, are we just getting lucky or what? Are we just doing the right thing or is it just the right time? I don't know. I'll we can keep it going. Um, but like I said, there was a time when it kind of felt like things were diminishing. The hobby kind of felt like maybe it was disappearing or at least shrinking into a, a you know, a smaller ball than what it was. And, um, you know, that's why I wanted to put some effort into stuff and I want to do document projects and, and talk more publicly, partly just because I want to make sure that, that 
you know, guys that have too many people that come over and say, why the hell do you have a roof full of this stuff? Have some validation that you're not the only one, right? right? And so you, it's, it feels good to know, hey, I'm not the only guy that likes this stuff. <laughs> hey, I did this, maybe there's somebody I can show it to. And you do that, right? And somebody else gets the same feeling. It's like, well, hey, I did this, and it's kind of like that, but it's a little different. What do you think, you know? And so it kind of builds a community. And um, I think it helps everyone grow, you know? Everyone feels a little better, has a little more fun. And you know, these projects that you do in the community, that, you know, sure they're just dumb competing projects or whatever, right? But if they satisfy your need to learn something or your need to prove to yourself that you can do something or whatever, it makes you a better person or makes you a happier person. Maybe it improves your life, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it improves your home life. Maybe it improves your wife's outlook on things, right? <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I think there is some, some good to be had in the world uh, just by, you know, enjoying your hobby. And like I said, you know, it's no different than spending time out in the garage with the grease all over you. Mm-hmm. At least you can, you know, you can go and eat a sandwich without having to wash your hands. To me, the important thing still is that you know, no matter what we build and design, new hardware, you know, you know I do that, Ian does that, a lot of people do that. New software, new approaches. You're, like you're out in your car, in your garage, taking room with your original car, you're still using your old computer. Just like you're yeah. still using your old Mustang or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sure, you added a turbocharger or whatever. Sure. You're still at that keyboard that you bought, or your dad bought you back in 1978 or whatever. We haven't changed that. We're just making it so you can use it more efficiently and have more fun with it and not have to scream at your cassette player all the time or whatever. And even if you pull the steering wheel and replace it with a a chain link circle, (laughs) you still got more more in common with the other guy that's got the same car with the stock steering wheel. You know, you're still driving the same car. You know what I mean? And you're not totally off on your own. Um, I don't know. You're not a weirdo. Welcome to the club. (laughs) Well, I think too you hit on the fact that, it, for, and that's what's attractive to me is you never stop learning about it. And mm-hmm. It's kind of like, wow, I never, you know, I had that computer back then, but I really didn't know everything about it. Or there was, there was a lot left to learn before I had to move on to something else. Mm-hmm. And you come back to it, it's like now I got, the, I got a second chance. I can come back and really uh, spend some time on this. And, and you know, and now with the internet, of course, we've got all the manuals at our fingertips. Software mm-hmm. we could never afford at the time. And, you know, just really let you unleash it and experience the things you never got to, you know, originally. So uh, right. it's about that experience too. Just like you know, you didn't get to ride in that Mustang, but uh, you yeah. can now because you can. Yeah. <laughs> I think you guys hit on a good point though about the hobby is peaking all across all different computer lines, and I think it really is to do with timing because people like me, who when these were out were six, eight, ten, are now in the now in the peak of our careers, we have some money and some time that we can do with this. So in the last year and a half, I've probably bought 15 or 20 different retro computers of all different types, both the ones I did have access to when I was young, as well as ones I drooled over at the <laughs> electronics store but could never have afforded. Right. And uh, now you can. that's matched up at the same time with modern hardware that says, I can use an SD card instead of a floppy disk, and I can get a network card for some of the computers and plug it into my network and transfer files. And we're at a really special place right now, and 
I hope it's not the peak because I want more to come. Yeah. But it really kind of could be because there's so much good out there right now. We're reliving our we're living our childhood dreams. Yeah. yeah. All these machines we drooled over yeah. in the magazines. Yeah. You know, well, most well, of them are affordable. And better, really. I mean, right. I put a 16 megahertz accelerator in my Apple IIe. That was not something that could have existed in the 1980s. Well, where can you go to get a, a Mustang at an auction for five dollars? Yeah. <laughs> You're not gonna want to drive that. No, sure. It's all about quality. <laughs> That'll be a project. Okay, keep that back there for a minute. That must be the equivalent of mounting a joystick at the top of your coat. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah,
It's on YouTube. We had a, a Google Hangout. Yeah. Was it a year ago? Yeah, or about, yeah. and it turned out it was so, so many people trying to watch that thing. With, it sort of put the idea, I think, to the two groups that it was just like, yeah, maybe a real in-person event could, could succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of people tuning into that podcast, and, um, and it's all good, all good feedback. What strikes me about this gathering is that there's this energy here that I did not see in any of the Cocoa Fest. And I started going to Cocoa Fest in 2000 with the Pin Fest, put up by Ron Bowles. Did I you find see the pamphlet I got? <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the auction at Pin Fest 2000? Sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry. yeah <laughs> I missed that. But that's what astounded me here was the excitement and uh, the energy. And the participation, that blew me away too. There's a lot of people here. You know, I, I'm just scouting it out. I mean, I would have bought a table if I, you know, but I didn't, I want to, I came down to see it. I found out about the Cocoa Fest. Yeah. So. Now you know. Yeah. And I, my first computer was a color computer, 64K Cocoa 2. And I bought it because I just graduated from a programming degree and I wanted to keep my hand in because halfway through that degree, I decided I did not want to be a programmer for Ohio Edison. <laughs> and uh, so I stayed as, as an operator, but I didn't want to lose everything, so I bought a co- color computer and learned how to make databases and everything else off it. But that's the reason I'm here. Are you close by to the event? You're in, you're in Ohio, right? Yes. Yeah, are you you far from here? Uh, I live in the Akron area. Oh, okay. So it took me about four or five hours getting down here because I center punched Columbus, Columbus during the height of rush hour. Uh, <laughs> so I had my GoPro going in case I had an altercation. <laughs> Anybody else want to chime in on what kind of motivated you to come here or what your feelings are, experiences, or kind of impressions of the event so far? Anybody not like, not like something about the event? Yeah, <laughs> There's a complaint department right here. Side side. Side. <laughs> <laughs> the 30 hours in coach is a bit tough. <laughs> so, yeah, anybody who's going to complain about how long it took to get here has got nothing on that, right? <laughs> <laughs> anybody who wants to say it's just too hard to get there, Okay. Yeah, just send them my way, I'll lecture them. Yeah. <laughs> and please be modest because we all saw him live stream his way for two days and it's from Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, it is, it, it's impressive to have this many people here. I mean, you could look at, you know, even like Cocoa Fest. I've been to two Cocoa Fest and the fact that there's been like 70 people at Cocoa Fest, that's a tremendous amount of people to show up. Um, because you got you got to figure there there is everybody said well different times of year it's it's not good for me and then there's the expense of traveling in the hotels and so uh, when you get seventy people to show up that uh, on their nickel and taking their time and energy to get here that is significant <coughs> regardless that there might be a thousand people in the community the fact that you got close to ten percent of them to you know go out of their way to take place in an event I think is a very respectful and impressive number of us doing that. So again, I, just, I know I'm, I'm just a kid in a candy store and I have been for a while. So, But I'm thrilled to be here and I'm just so excited that there's so many other people here too. Uh, and I was just, everything you guys are saying, when we were over there uh, having uh, dinner at the Wing Place and I'm watching all these 
freaking people getting excited over college football and not having a clue of what the hell they're so happy about. That's probably how they feel about me. You know what I mean? It's like, whatever. What are you watching? What is this football thing? You know? It's, a, it's just like a show. Everybody's passionate about something. So they throw a radio shack commercial up on screen. Everybody yeah, that's not what it's like. That's like the show. That's what they want to do. Ooh, these people, these crazy <laughs> I went to the Long House Steakhouse and one woman looked at me. She thought I was a she thought I was a geek because you know. Was, that's all right. We do yeah, too, no, Jay. Our <laughs> geek. <laughs> I think that's pretty clear if you're in this room here. No judgment. Come in. Well, I was just I I'm uh, from Michigan. I have had a four-hour plus drive to get here and. And I'm not a computer nerd, like what I would, and that's a, a good term. <laughs> but I, I, for me, it was a nostalgia trip. A lot of guys noticed I got Radio Shack stuff on. And, uh, this is a little pin that we used to give out to people that would buy a Radio Shack. Because we used to have, he'd get you negative things about Tricus Commodore Pets, so and we'd give people all these little ribbons. That's original font. Oh, nice. Don't give me five dollars. <laughs> I was a Radio Shack store manager when Don French was down in uh, in Texas. So I, when I saw his name, I just wanted to come and meet him, type of thing. And I have and I, and I have a small collection myself, and, and my brothers too are in electronics. And so I kind of want kind of curious about the value, and I just want to see. I, every now and then I get into. I'm in some of the discussion groups as a silent observer online because I really don't get into when the guys talking about interrupts this and that stuff. And that's I was a programming. I did some programming, and, and to me it was. A product that I would sell and that I would help customers use it, but I didn't get into the technical aspect of it. But uh, so I guess it was more of a nostalgia type of thing for me to come down and then see what kind of is going on. Because like, and just kind of see what kind of value there is on certain things that I might have that people might want to buy later on. But uh, so it's kind of interesting. I didn't know what to expect. You guys, I've known of Coco. I've heard of Coco Fest, but I didn't know how big the community was about there. The internet can either be can magnify the importance of something, or it can be diminished because of the internet. And you might not know exactly how much personal interest there is in something. But it's great that you guys took the time to do this. Um, I'm excited to say in Michigan is that I sold the very first TRS-80 in the state of Michigan. My funny stories that they were so hard to get for a while. I would I would tell people they come in the store saying, I want a TRC, I want 16K level two, you know, they were $999, and you had a three to four week wait if you order them as a store manager. So I'd say, uh, if you pay pay for it right now, I'll have it for you tomorrow. And then I go home and box mine up. <laughs> I bring it to the store and sell it, deliver it to the guy, and then have, I already tested it for you at town. Yeah. I got sold As soon as I had a couple more stacked up in the store, I'd take one home so I could keep playing it because I would de I'd have to de debug programs for people myself because there was no experts and I had been trained in Fortran in the, at U of M. I know that might not be a good word here, but uh, for the University of Michigan. And so I, it was easy for me to learn basic and, and mm. it over. And, and so I, that's what my job was, is debugging software for, for my customers. That was the first language you in Fortran. Yeah, you couldn't buy anything, and that's what people, yeah. like it was so great, Don said that in French, and I don't know, the Radio Shack, the mentality in Texas was that we're not going to sell these. Uh, we'll just make them because it's to show that we're innovative. I heard that from Charles Candy myself, wow. personally. Wow. And uh, so uh, it was kind of interesting that, um, uh, like, people would buy it and just say, you'd say, why are you buying this? And they said, well, because 
I just want a computer. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I just want a whole new field. And it was a whole new thing. It was, it was incredible. A lot of Radio Shack managers couldn't get their hand handles around, their grasp around back then. And so there was only a few stores out of maybe 75 stores in the state of Michigan. There was only like six or seven managers that really grasped what it was. And so if somebody came into your store and asked, well, I want to uh, uh, describe for my computer or whatever, you'd say, oh, I, you know, I don't know anything about that. And you say, well, anybody do it? Well, there's a guy in Jackson, Michigan that knows a lot. So they, people always have people come in from Holland, Michigan, and Port Huron, Michigan, driving down there to get their stuff and have questions, spend an afternoon at the store on a whole week. Kind of it would be like Coco for like, it would be like a Tanya Assembly convention on the weekends. People would come in because I'd be there and then I'd be answering answering questions and showing them how to hook things up and debugging yeah. software. And I had people lined up at the store, and that's how I retired early. So <laughs> it was I have a question for you as a Radio Shack former employee. There's something I, we toyed about, but not seriously, was having this event in Fort Worth. Would there be any value to that? What, what, what not for me. I mean, yeah. certainly. Yeah. If Fort Worth hour drive, I could justify, but Texas. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't, for me anyway, I wouldn't, you know, obviously the travel time for someone that's going to come from Australia wouldn't matter. It really Where to happen in New Orleans. I also mentioned before to Peter that, you know, maybe the Warwick Hotel in New York would be a good place to, to, to have That would be a great place. Yeah, that would. Yeah. i got a couple of questions for you about um, the... The Tandy store that you managed, or the Radio Shack, they called it Tandy. In well, my country. It was Tandy Corporation. Yeah. they owned a lot of different. Tandy Leather was, of course, his original Charles' yeah. first successful. That's thing. right. So, were yours, was yours a, a general product store or a, a computer center? Well, Don knows the site. I was an invisible type of a store because we, we, you know there was the company store in the major market areas, and then you had all the little franchise dealers in the, in the minor, like the satellite areas. Most guys could sell Sony as well as Radio Shack. They could sell whatever they wanted. Okay, yeah. And that was just a franchisee that could sell a Radio Shack product. And I was uh, one of 600 managers within the chain, the company-owned chain called, uh, uh, the acronym was SMIA, and it was a special manager incentive agreement. And we put up half the capital for the merchandise in the store. And I had a contract, they helped, so I, let's say if I wanted $100,000 worth of wholesale inventory in the store, they had to have $50,000 of my money as a security deposit, so I wouldn't just run off. Okay. And But I, I, I reported, just like another, there were two other Radio Shacks in Jackson company-owned stores, and I was the third one. Uh, so I reported all my sales through Radio Shack as a company store, but I had a lot of leverage and leeway. So I was kind of a joint venture type of thing. But my pay was totally different, and that's what my contract, and that's how, how what was really different, uh, is that um, we, um, the, each store generated a monthly P&L for those that are the Radio Shack employees. Every store had its own profit and loss statement. And so, uh, and, a, and a normal manager would get, and, and employees would get salaries or hourly, and then they have a bonus, a manager would get a bonus. Well, I didn't have any paycheck, I mean, had no guaranteed pay at all. Uh, what I did is that at, 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 on your P&L, when you generated your, your gross, your adjusted gross profit, uh, based on a standard cost of goods, which Radio Shack had established, uh, you had your pro profit for the month, and then we basically we split the profit 50-50, and then we had certain expenses. Radio Shack paid 100% of my le of the lease. I paid all of the payroll, and then there were some expenses like advertising that we split 50-50. Whatever was left over on the left column, Radio Shack kept. 
that was their profit for my store. Everything on the right-hand column at the end of the month was my profit, or my pay. Okay. So I had 12 paychecks a year. And then at the end of the year, when we did our final inventory, and you had, whether you had an inventory gain, because you had more inventory left over at the end of the year that you were supposed to or less, I would get 50% of that. I would get, so I was my 13th paycheck. And I was telling Don a funny story about, uh, of course, your January paycheck would be huge because your December sales were so big. And um, you'd have, uh, in your last two weeks of payroll, where you're paying all the commission that the salespeople didn't show up in December. That showed up in January. So you'd have this huge paycheck that would show up on January 14th. Then the February paycheck would reflect your January sales. And in the wintertime in Michigan, you can have some bad weather. And then you don't have nearly the kind of sales. And uh, then your last two weeks of payroll, huge payroll bill showed up in January. And I had a paycheck for February once. And what we had, we had a big snowstorm, so we were closed for four. The town shut down for four days. And then, and so the sales for the month were terrible. Then I had all these expenses from December that showed up. And I had a paycheck for 18 cents. <laughs> My December pay, my, my January paycheck, I had to spend it all, but I never cashed it. I actually have a photo. I put I put it in a plaque. <laughs> <laughs> I just cashed it, and I kept all my old name tags from Radio Shack. I've got a little plaque that I made. Oh, yeah. So I uh, retired after 28 years. I, I sold my store back in, into the Radio Shack, basically, and and then, uh, I retired in 2000. It, it sounds like a complicated arrangement with yeah. them, that thing, yeah. but obviously it worked. Cause yeah, well, yeah, it wasn't it. at all that complicated once you got, you understood, everything was defined in the contract. Yeah. There were certain uh, expense accounts that were 100% Radio Shack's responsibility. They were the fixed expenses, things that I had no control over. Yeah. And then things that I had control, like postage, uh, my, my, my heating and air conditioning uh, payroll, I paid all those on my share. Okay. And then... Um, uh, but again, well, the, and Charles Candy said he wished every Radio Shack company store could have been an SMIA because we all had vested interest and yeah. we, we didn't need a district manager. In fact, most of my district, not all, but many of my district managers that uh, I worked for were really annoyed because I made a lot more money than they did. Wow. And uh, we were a million dollar store and uh, plus, you know, back then in the computers when the computers came in. Uh, Don, was a little unfair to CBs because we kept selling CBs for a long time and there were other product lines that we did really well, but the computers with, when you had a 50% margin now, if anybody in Dell or, or any of the modern computer makers could think of a 50% margin or even 15% margin, they would like, oh, they would go, we had a 50% margin on, on the $999 computer, so you bet I would sell them my one from home. Because <laughs> I'm making $500 on gross margin on that by taking it back to the store and selling it every time I did that. So just two more questions. So did head office restrict the amount of shelf space you could allocate to, to the computer equipment? Actually, not. Well, we had each store was so different in its layout. It isn't like a, a Menard. If you go into like a Menards hardware store or like a Lowe's, they're all laid out the same. Yeah. You know, corporate does that. Uh, but our, our our stores were so different in size, and it, it varied. You had quite a bit of leeway based on your um, footprint of your store and what kind of volume you were doing. Uh, I think that was pretty much. I never. I don't recall ever getting anything from. Words. I would get some suggestions from my district manager, but other than that, I was on my own. Yeah, because I, I just would think that, you know, it would be um, too easy to fall into the habit of just filling the place with the stuff that was selling. So you'd end up with, you know, 50% computers, 
30 percent CB radios and we had eight, well we had certain displays that were like all the car stereos were on a certain display and so yeah. you had, so there was certain square footage that you just had to take up for all the pegged items in the store that yeah. were maybe 1500 parts that we carried and and what's weird is that a lot of the catalog numbers and my wholesale costs are still in my head. That's the crazy wow. thing. <laughs> and I was talking to uh, uh, the last Radio Shack as it was closing because I had my own theory about what, what Radio Shack, why they failed. And it was because they, now it's not because they couldn't, but they, somebody or a group of people in Texas chose not to compete with the internet. They, yeah. they actively chose not to. They had margins to, 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 to compete. Uh, and one of my, my best examples was um, uh, that if you bought stereo back then, you had a little dipole, the, DN, the T antenna. Yeah. Okay, Radio Shack catalog number 42 2385. We used to pay 75 cents and sell them for $2.99. Okay, so that's for a small part, that's typical, you know, for, uh, like that. Well, so I don't know if any of you guys went into Radio Shack in the last 10 years, but it would annoy the hell out of me because, excuse my language on the podcast. But I, I would feel like they, they, they had their, marketing, their, their marketing choice that they made was. Well, we, we aren't going to drop our prices to compete with what you can get on the internet. Uh, so if they absolutely have to have it today, we're going to rake them over the coals to get that. that, that and and yeah. you go in there one time and you'd say, gee, you know, whatever, and then you'd, you'd never go back. You'd pay, you'd pay the price because you had to have it today. But, you know, because they, in my example, so there's an example, 42235, that dipole antenna on the wall. Can you look up the wholesale costs? Because we could look up the wholesale costs on, on our terminals. And I said, and it was 79 cents. So in 17 years, the wholesale costs have gone up four cents. What do you think the price of that dipole antenna on the, on the wall was now? It was 2.99 when I retired. 11.99. You've closed 12.99. 12.99, and it gone up four cents. I said, well, I probably sold more in six months of my little Radio Shack store in Jackson, Michigan. I probably sold more of those with a $2.25 markup than all of corporate Radio Shack sold last year at 12.99. Mm. And so I'd much rather sell a whole ton of something at a 40% markup than zero of something with a 100% markup. So, so were you allowed, like in your store, to put the stuff cheaper, or did you have no, to stick with that's the a good, that That's price? a good question. No, I, I, I was a company-owned store, so I had to follow the advertised price. Oh, but okay. when we did put together, when we sold our, our other big item that we sold in the store was the stereo systems back then. You know, we had separate components on audio and everything like that. Right. So we'd have put together package prices. If people came in, they wanted loudspeakers and a turntable and a cassette deck and a receiver and this and that, equalizer. We could put together package prices, TV antennas. All that stuff had real gross margin. We could put a discount. We could put a package price. I could compete on package prices. I could I could discount that. But um, that, I had a dealer store, a franchisee that that was literally um, 12 miles from me that would sell computers for a couple hundred bucks less than me. And then people would come into my store. Hey, Alan, uh, I need uh, try, I need help with uh, my software. And I said, I'll go back out to Brooklyn, Michigan, and. And uh, that's where my ass is, Michigan Speedway. And so that's you have to go back to that dealer where you bought it from. Well, this, but you're a Radio Shack store. And I said, if there's something defective with your computer, I'll, I'll fix it, you know, under warranty. But I'm not going to spend my time debugging your software. That's why people come in here and pay the price that's in the catalog. You got the service. Yeah. The personal service. And they yeah. just look at me like, yeah. And I was like, this is your third computer. You know, you already bought two computers from me, and you, you went, decided to spend a couple hundred bucks less. Yeah. We'll spend drive twenty minutes to spend a couple hundred bucks less on your third computer. Do you want me to debug the software on that one? Yeah. Sorry. No. So I'd be polite, but I just would it's not worth my time. Yeah, for sure. Those are some good questions that people a lot of people have thought about, but yeah. So we were a company store 
And, uh, but Charles really wanted to do that, but he didn't survive, unfortunately. My, and he, one thing he left out, he talked about how he always had a cigar, but every, and all socially, on, the, on all the social activities that I ever saw him at, or was, on the other hand, he had a, a, a scotch on, on the rocks. That was, so that, that was his combination, as a cigar on one hand, a scotch on the other. And, then, and, my, and what I had heard, I don't know if Don would, if he, he remembers or not, but what I had heard, it was about 8 a.m. that he had a heart attack and died, but he had been out all night long in a poker game, and then just got home from the all-nighter. But that would have been the Charles Tandy that I knew, and I'm not saying that in a bad way, that was just the Texas Charles Tandy that I knew. Yeah, I was going to comment about the reason franchises sold a lot cheaper, especially in the early days, is they would buy the they would buy the minimum uh, computer configuration, and then they would put third market after uh, the third party aftermarket parts themselves. They did a lot with the Model Threes, and a lot of times the, the customer would do the mail order. It would break. They would take it to the computer center, and they would expect warranty work. And we would open it and say, "We're sorry, we can't. It's not your. It's not ours." Yeah. Yeah. And they would get all upset about it. And, and the biggest, the biggest abuser of that, or, or was a place called Mary Mac Industries in Katy, Texas. Oh, yeah. uh, they would buy literally thousands of the uh, 4K uh, Model Threes. Uh, I believe it was the 261060s, and uh, they would. Uh, they didn't, but the other franchisees would buy them up, and other uh, market uh, mom and pop stores would. Uh, put their own uh, parts in there. Well, um, speaking of Radio Shack and his past, maybe his future, do you ever want to see the big news about uh, Adafruit has uh, bought the Radio Shack brand? Oh, no. Is that true? Adafruit? Adafruit. 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 Adafruit? Yeah. Adafruit. Yeah. Who's that? Well, if you don't know, you won't care, so. <laughs> he cares now, though. Yeah, well, anyway, yeah. good news, bad news? What do you think? I think it's good news. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, somebody else mentioned that they're opening up franchisees, Apple, or um, Contribute, you can go into any location else. So before the franchisees, well, I was just talking to, maybe it was non French, uh, but, or another Radio Shack employee was, we were all talking together outside. and. Uh, that, that they've opened up the franchisee program to anywhere, so you can go into New York City and put a franchisee in just to get just to get outlets. Mm -hmm. In the old days, it was if you were in a high density urban area, it was company only. You could a franchisee couldn't get a dealership in a urban area. That's all. That means there's a possible resurgence of Radio Shack stores or possible oh, brand or product. Well, you know, I don't know that much about the details, yeah. but uh, it sounds cool that. It could invigorate the brand, and if Radio Shack does come back, it'll. It sounds sounds like it'll be more likely to be the kind of maker slash hobbyist yes. whatever kind of outlet than than, than like just another Circuit City or whatever. Yeah. That's one thing I, I did have one other thing about. <laughs> <laughs> you heard Don French uh, talked about um, Lou Kornfeld. You guys remember that name? Lou Kornfeld was the president of and Bernie Appel. Did you guys know who Bernie Appel was? Yeah. He was he was a real boisterous guy, and he he also knew who I was, and I would call him every now and then to complain or to talk about a product. Like I said, the VCRs. The first year the VCRs came out, Bernie was convinced that it was a six hundred dollar 
boat anchor that was just going to sit in the store. And so the first Christmas came by and we had one of each model VCR is all we could get. And we had like dozens of people coming in and asking for, as a family gift Christmas present, and I had none to sell. So it was like, oh. And the other thing, they, they, when radio control toys first started coming out, all you could get was like these little $10 or $15 simple cars. And yet I was looking at going to the hobby shop, and I could see these great, you know, not, it wasn't digital yet, but I mean, some really nice high tech stuff. And we were already selling. $200 telephones and, and we're getting, you know, we have you know $1,000 computers and stuff like that. So I'm telling Bernie, how come we aren't getting into some sophisticated radio control cars that we can change the tires, you can replace the motors, you know, some $150, $200 things. He says, well, what do you think are some kind of a hobby shop? And I looked at him and said, yeah. couldn't get Bernie to uh, to get into the product and I saw man we were just losing it because we we could have a nice little product line there with some two hundred dollar RC cars and some tires and stuff like that. I still have those two pickup trucks that were radio controlled if I bought my boys. They still work? Yeah. Ray Arrows was a real popular we finally got into some it took a long time but we had some we ended up with some pop some successful things. But there's just some products lines that we just Miss, we were followers, unfortunately. And after you know that, that was that's true. And we that was really frustrating for us in the in the field, in the trenches. <laughs> I was going to say that one thing Adafruit has that harkens back to the Radio Shack days is the margins. Um, I like Adafruit; they have a great site, lots of tutorials, but you definitely pay for your hardware there. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, you know, I, I, it's hard to believe that uh, that they can make money with manufacturing facility in Manhattan. That's what they have, though, and it's working for them. So if, if anybody can uh, can make it successful, it, it seems like uh, somebody with that kind of uh, they can't do possibility. It yeah, they can't do any work. Yeah, exactly. Well, you yeah. gotta stop and think. If they're in Manhattan, what's expensive to us is cheap to them. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else want to talk about what, what got you here, what you liked about being here, what have you enjoyed the, uh, the assembly so far? Well, well, I got one last thing to say. I missed the golden age of aviation. Okay. I'm glad I got to live through the golden age of computers. There you go. There you go. Uh, I'll jump in. Um, so I've been, uh, you know, I cut my teeth on Model 1, Model 3 back in the day, a little kid, and uh, my dad used to joke that I helped sell the computers in the Radio Shack store because I'd go there and hang out. I'm sure I'm not the only one either because kids kind of picked up on this stuff and uh, and uh, saw what was going on at the time. But, um, uh, you know, and I've been kind of active in the vintage computing and I've gone to some festivals and I've worked on emulators for quite a long time. But, um, you know, and I knew the Cocoa community was fairly active, but I, uh, I don't, for whatever reason, I never really kind of noticed that, hey, what happened to the Z80-based uh, TRS-80s, you know? What? And then I, I discovered the TRS-80 uh, uh, Trash Talk podcast, and, uh, and just recently started listening to that, and, uh, and I'm like, oh my gosh, these are, this is, this is, uh, it really hits close to home, because I learned everything, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. an electrical engineer now, and, you know, the whole course of my life changed because of, because of the influence of all that stuff. And um, 
and I'm from Michigan, and when I saw you guys were setting up shop in Ohio for the first one, and okay, I have to be here for that one. So that's that's the reason why I came, and uh, and I'm glad I did. So maybe next year I'll load up my minivan full of TRS 80s and set up a table here. So. <laughs> what 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 do you think you learned about ten assembly from? Was it from listening to the podcast that you heard? It was about? yeah, I think it was originally from the from the podcast, and then uh, and. Um, and then they were talking about having one, but they, I don't think you originally said where. And then I was thinking to myself, oh, am I going to be able to fit it in? And then, then when it came out that it was Ohio, that we went right on yeah. the calendar there. So you, awesome. you, you have to you, you have to promote something. There's got to be ways to promote. It doesn't matter what the event is or how good it is if you can't get the word out. Right. Um, and and that's I I I, I suspect this was going to be huge because. Um, you know, the Coco crew got me wanting to go to Coco Fest. I'd never been to one, but when you hear somebody talking about it every month, month after month after month, your interest is peaked. And that was one podcast promoting one event. When you've got three podcasts now, Floppy Davis, yep. Trash Talkers, and the Coco crew, and then I jumped on too, um, you've got a lot of bullhorns now in the air. Uh, that definitely helps, and it's an almost necessary thing, I think, to, to, to raise that awareness. And obviously it was a success by looking at everybody here. So. Well, of course, somebody, we're going through our second childhood. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the social media thing helped a lot, too. I have a yeah. friend who um, uh, I, only, I only ever talk to them on, on Facebook, but yeah. there's somebody who... You know, I worked with 20 years ago, and yeah. they cut their teeth on a Model 3 the same as I did. They wrote their own uh, basic extensions, or you know, I had lengthy conversations about it. Haven't seen the guy in 25 years, and uh, but you know, he was here. He's not here tonight. He was here uh, earlier, and he'll be back. But um, but it was really great to you know, this this actually is bringing together people who uh, yeah. you know yeah. we, we don't normally get to talk or see each other. But I, I told him about Tandy Assembly the first. Day. He was already listening to the podcast, but he didn't know about the yeah. About the Tandy assembly thing, and uh, so just been uh, catching up and talking about TRSAs all day. So it's great to hear that the podcast had that kind of influence on me because uh, the whole reason I started the podcast was selfish because I didn't have anybody else to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to talk to your wife about the TRSAs. <laughs> school and uh, I was a freshman he was a senior and uh, but we met because we both had TRS 80s and our high school was good enough to teach a, an assembly language Z80 class and so wow. we met through that and so, so um, and then he later worked at a Radio Shack store and I hung out there uh, you know just to just to do that during the summer so I, I'll bring him next time next year when you guys do yeah. assembly again so. <laughs> <laughs> I came to ask Don French about the Tandy 10. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, you know, I, I, I've had all kinds of different computers back in the day. I had color computers. I ran a Coco VBS at one point, um, ZX81s, uh, um, PC Juniors, uh, went through all those. And then there were a number of years where I didn't get involved in computers at all, you know, vintage computers at all. And then I wanted to relive my childhood. So I started by getting, uh, you know, I had that one when I was a kid, I had that one when I was a kid, played with them. And then I discovered that the internet could lead me to some pretty wild rides. I ended up on, on Ira Goldplain's um, Trash 80 site, TRS 80 site. And uh, this was back when, when you could download manuals, download software. So even though I had no real roots in the Model 134, 
I could get the manuals and, and learn about the hardware and, and then I'd go out and you know, get on Kijiji and find the computers and put them together and build them up. And then I started getting interested in the model, um, the Model 2, uh, 12, 16, that line of business computers. Because back in the day, I'd go into the, into the computer center, Radio Shack computer centers, and that was a separate room. I couldn't really go into and there were priests in there and we're not binders on that wall. And even, even the lights were dimmer. You know? All the stupid kids in there either. They didn't let the kids in there, right? And, and so now suddenly, that I could explore those computers, the manuals are all out there. You know, uh, Peter has been very helpful with, with gathering some of the manuals and software together. He's a lot nicer than he seems, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> And so that was a whole other wild ride, right? And, and you know, you could get into Xenix and, and uh, 68,000 processors, and uh, so it, it's about exploration and fun. Uh, very well. So here, I got a question for for the room. Uh, you know, one of the biggest problems we had in the 70s and 80s was software piracy, and I, that probably hurt a lot of things, and now most of us are at the point now where we can afford to pay for things, so what is everybody's philosophy right now of spending money on software in the 21st century, especially for an old thing? Is everybody kind of okay with ponying up, you know, $20, $40 for a new, true application for an old system? Anybody still think uh, it was free then, it should be free now? Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on uh, spending money on software today? So, I actually like supporting the devs that are still doing the work. So um, it's nice to see people still building new software for it. And as long as the prices aren't too crazy, yeah, I've got money now, I'll spend it. Um, I didn't do a ton of piracy back in the day because growing up in Montana, there wasn't somebody down the street that had something to <laughs> Hey, did you know David Led? <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I think it's good. Um, if I write any software, it's probably just going to go up for free, but I don't see any problem with devs wanting to recoup some money for the time they spend on it. I watch pirating kill the Amiga. Yeah. And uh, that's the reason I, I campaigned against it. Yeah, my, my thing is, uh, I don't... I never could build my voices in loud enough. Uh, no, my thing is that um, I don't mind paying for it if it's well done, which what I've seen so far really has been, I'm really impressed. I mean, the thing I got today with the uh, first bomb threat, and I picked up um, John, some John software too, it's just really well done. But the other thing too is, uh, it, it it's kind of like he said, I don't mind, like you guys are doing this, yeah, you're gonna make some money off of it, you wanna recoup some costs, but you're doing it because you want to put this software out there. You really have a passion to do it, and I want to support that. Versus in the 80s and 90s, it was some you know company slash corporation who was just trying to make a buck. You know, so to me, that's really the difference. You know, uh, as far as the piracy piece of it. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to say that we didn't do it all the time when I was in eighth grade in our Apple lab, but uh, you know, nowadays it's one of those things where I, I want to support that. So. Very cool. That seems to be a fairly unanimous feeling about that. You know, I wish there was a way that we could license 
all the old software. Yeah. And not feel yeah. guilty, you know. Yeah. Or, I, I mean, just settle that whole In interviewing issue. several of the uh, authors that we've spoken to, I've said, well, have you considered maybe opening up uh, PayPal on your website where people can make a donation? I call it like my, my Catholic guilt. I mean, if I, could, <laughs> if I could now pay for all the stuff I got for free now, I'd have no problem doing that. Um, and, and I guess most people are kind of like, no, it's okay, this that's in the past. But um, it, it would be kind of neat if there was this, uh, or it's an organization where let's take this money and let's, let's pay it forward. It's all contribute to something that's going to benefit mankind, or retro kind at least. You know, so. <laughs> well, I'll go as so far as to say if you get something that's shareware, I have a couple, like Total Commander, it's shareware. Well, and, other, uh, uh, just to, I still, every so often, will send that guy some money. Yeah. Just to encourage him to keep it up, keep supporting it. That's dope. The other thing that comes into it, I kind of, because people talk about abandonware and that kind of thing, and, you know, use that to justify a lot of what communities like this might do. But uh, the piece of it that a lot of people, I look, kind of looked into just because I was interested to see what it was and where it went. There's, like, a company might have made a piece of software, that company was bought, or the rights for that company was bought by another company, and another company, and another. So you could have this software embedded in some company's rights that they don't even know they own it, but they do. You know, So to be able to ferret that out and get that out front would be probably a huge challenge yeah, in my, sure my estimation. Going back to paying for newly developed software, the model I've seen that I really like is when an author is like, yeah, you can just go download this disk image and use my software, but if you want a box and all that other stuff that goes with it. And so with Popstar Pilot, buying that artifact was more important than buying the software on it because you could get that other way. So I think for devs that are looking to do that, that might be a way to go where you're like, yeah, everybody can have this software, but we have this premium experience that you can buy into and it's a lot better. Yeah, yeah, like the full package. The yeah. Yeah. I know that uh, Knox Archaeus is coming out with a new game for the Apple II that's going to be freely downloadable, but they have a Kickstarter out and so they have a full art box that you can buy into with feelies like you would get back in the day. I think they're going to have a fabric map or something in there. So some of that stuff really makes it attractive to pay significant amounts. Like that box with the feelies is over a hundred bucks, but it was a no-brainer for me to be, I want the whole thing I would have gotten back in the day, even though I know I can just go download the software. Now that business model works, just ask Red Hat. <laughs> Fedora's free, but if you want the support, you get the Red Hat executive or an enterprise. It's a, yeah, that's a complicated subject. I don't think anybody want to delve into the, the depths of free software right now. But, uh, <laughs> if you really want to talk about that stuff, catch me up, up by myself. I'll talk. <laughs> All right, so we can get wrapped up in five minutes. Wrap it up. Uh, I mean, I definitely want to thank uh, all the founders of Tandy Assembly for creating Tandy Assembly and, and, and all the podcasters for creating this content that's helped inspire me and educate me. It's been very educational listening to these shows and uh, as well as entertaining and everything else. And, and obviously, thank you guys all for being here. Um, great show. Anybody got anything you want to say in the last five minutes? I have a question for you. Did Irma hit you real hard? What's that? Did Irma hit you real hard? Not me. But here's what we need to do. Okay, I'm going to count to three, and we need to record this. There's three words we need to say together. 
And those three words are ease of use, okay? So when I say three in unison, we are all going to say ease of use. Can we all do that together? Okay. One, two, three. Ease of use. All right. There we go. So. <laughs> Day, mates. This is Nick Marionette, author of such color computer titles as Donut Disaster, Rupert Rhymes, and Rockstar Pilot. And I am here today to tell you about the world's most fabulous operating system, OS9. OS9 and its current incarnation, Nitrous 9, is the most advanced operating system ever created. And what makes it so good? Ease of use. I find OS 9 so incredibly intuitive that I haven't once cracked open the user manual. And yet I've been able to create such incredible games faster than the time it takes to sing Walsing Matilda. Using OS 9, I expect my next game, Funstar, will be done this weekend and distributed exclusively on ROM cartridge. OS 9 forever. Any resemblance to actual events, to persons living or dead, is purely coincidental. New from Infinitum Technology, Coco C, the RS-DOS based C programming language development system. No need for OS 9, it features a screen-oriented text editor created by none other than Bob Vanderpool. And the Coco C compiler is a full-featured KMR-style integer compiler that includes a library with more than 90 functions. You get a full assembler, linker, and the command coordinator. A friendly menu system that allows you to move seamlessly between editor, compiler, assembler, and linker. And Coco C includes both the Coco 2 and Coco 3 versions. Coco C, the RS-DOS C development system, is just $59.95. From Infinitum Technology, Coco 2 requires a minimum of 64K. And the Coco Crew podcast would also like to present John Linville's talk, Keeping the Coco in the Game. This was also recorded live at Tandy Assembly 2017 in Chillicothe, Ohio. So I didn't really prepare anything. <laughs> good talk. Good yeah, good. Sometimes those are the best talks. Well, so, you know, I kind of had in mind what I wanted to talk about, and I just never quite got from around to write anything down. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of anticipating a little bit bigger audience, but. Uh, Huh. Um, so, uh, well, anyway, basically what I want to talk about uh, is kind of a little bit of my story, but a lot of you may already know it, um, and a little bit of a, it's a little bit of an issue builder that will kind of, kind of talk, and uh, uh, sort of the efforts that I've taken over the years, kind of what I feel like built the hobby out, and, and uh, hopefully lead to this event. <laughs> so. The idea was maybe to inspire some of the TRX and the Z80 folks uh, and how they can go out their community more. Uh, I'll see a lot of them in the audience, but... <laughs> but anyway, I guess... I guess we're on video somewhere? I'm not sure. Uh, we were, I think. Um, so, oh, so where, where do we start then? Um, um, well, so for years... I've been going out to do uh, the Coco Fest in Chicago. Uh, I actually started uh, taking interest in the Coco as a hobby basically right out of college. So it dates back to 94. 
And uh, of course, at that point, I soon discovered there were these fools in Chicago that uh, would meet up and have this Cocoa Fest every year. And I thought, wow, I like old computers, but I'm not a nut. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys are nuts, right? So, you know, anyway, so I had my little us versus them part of the hobby uh, for a while. Um, then uh, in, the, in the year 2000, the year 2000, <laughs> um, there was <laughs> there was an event in um, it's called Penfest 2000, which is a Cocoa Fest like event held in the Pittsburgh area. And it happened to be that my mother-in-law lived not far from there, and so we were already planning to go up there for a visit or. Maybe I manipulated it uh, a little bit, I'm not sure. One way or another, we ended up there on the same weekend. And so I escaped from my in-laws long enough to, uh, to visit PinFest 2000. Not Coco Fest, but kind of close. And I loved it. Great. It's awesome, right? So I started, uh, after that, I said, well, you know, they're not going to do these Coco Fest forever. So I better start getting out there to Coco Fest. <laughs> So in you know, 2001, we went out there, which was we left our one-year-old at home with grandma, <laughs> and uh, we uh, we flew that time, and then uh, next year I think we drove because we needed a vehicle so we could actually carry home stuff from the auction, <laughs> and uh, was there a new, new well not quite a newborn two months at that point uh, the first year we drove out there yeah. So I managed to drive across the country with a two-month-old baby. That's fun. <laughs> we continued to do the, that kind of drive for years. The poor boy, he, he didn't get to go for years. Uh, he was too much, I guess. Uh, um, but Chris would uh, come and she'd entertain the kids. And so a lot of people that have been going to Cocoa Fest for years now met Chris. <laughs> he, he lived here there the same year. Anyway, so Cocoa Fest was cool and I love it. That's really the point I'm trying to make. It was great to go and, and be around people and see projects that were happening in the community. Fine, but always I wanted to be one of the people doing something. I wanted to be, I wanted to be Boise Pete. <laughs> At that point, he was doing a lot of, a lot of work, kind of technical work, like a nice time. And I just never quite put it together in my personal life or whatever to take time to do these things. And uh, you know, I just. Just never got around to it. Basically, what amounted to it. And then eventually, I did kind of put together a talk, and you know, a little bit, of, and and contributed a little bit. But uh, I don't know. Over time, it seemed like Coco Fest was waning a little bit. The guys doing it were getting a little older. Maybe they were, well, I don't know, I won't say tired, but you know, it was, it was getting in a little bit stale, perhaps. And um, uh, well, I guess the real point is when I did a project. Well, I did a, a video player for the Coco 3, which ironically is a bit like the project we just uh, was just talked about in this room. Um, and it was a cool project. I thought it was a cool project. And some people liked it. Neil liked it. <laughs> but the, the community kind of collectively yawned at it. <laughs> I was a little disappointed. It's like, hey, I just did this cool project, and you guys don't have enough energy to to say anything nice, you know, the fact some people said, well, that's stupid, I would never watch anything on that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, wow, thanks for the, you know, the, you know. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, there was enough kind of 
the feedback to, to, to live on, I guess what you say. And uh, I kind of kept going a little bit. And then uh, back in, I guess it was 2012, um, I was working with a local baker group, kind of trying to get that started. And uh, I kind of said, you know, I'm going to write a video game for my own computer. This is kind of inspire other people to do projects. And then, um, so I had a little time off around Christmas time. And uh, so I started working on it. And they said, oh, you know what, Retro Challenge is coming around. And uh, if you're not familiar with Retro Challenge, it's been around for a while. But basically, it's uh, you know a bunch of geeks that get together on the internet and do their own projects for a month. And they blog about it. And then they kind of have a little judging and give away some goofy prizes. <laughs> anyway, so I said, well, let's, maybe I can combine this with a Retro Challenge thing. And, uh, and so I blogged about it some. And um, the, the point being that uh, I started writing about my project, and people got excited about that. I met new friends. Eventually uh, met Simon Johnson uh, that way from my blog. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of, there was a little bit of a community that formed up around the project, which was cool. And there was a little more positive feedback. Um, the old guard still kind of put a little so-so on it, but... <laughs> But, you know, it was a way to get through it, kind of get around, it's kind of like going around the media, you know, it's kind of like getting around the old guard and reach out to some new folks who might be interested in projects or whatever. So anyway, it worked for me, and so, uh, so Farfall was um, sort of my first game, and it kind of grew into a bigger project on time. Oh. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, so it, uh, some point I was someone trying to demo Farfall. I had trouble loading the code off my, my cell phone through the cassette port. I said, you know, damn it, I always thought Farfall should be a cartridge. But at that point, you couldn't get cartridge cases unless you wanted to, to um, scrap an old one or whatever, right? So I'm not sure what I saw or how I thought of it, but I thought, you know, you, maybe I could cast a case out of plastic. So I started messing around and uh, figured out how to cast plastic resin into cartridge cases. So this is one of my first cartridge cases but I cut, cast out of plastic, which is kind of cool. Um, and eventually, I did a run of these, about 12 of them, uh, took them to Coca Fest. And that generated a little bit of a rush, and it's a little more excitement. Still kind of beyond for some people, but <laughs> um, anyway, they don't look like these. I, I sold so many, I didn't even get one. Uh, they were red. Um, but uh, I did the labels look like this. I'm not sure what they still look like. Anyway, so I moved the project forward, blogged about how to cast plastic, blogged about the packaging I was doing, got more positive people in. People started talking to me about Farfall. People started showing up for Coco Fest. Hey, I wanted to get Farfall. It's kind of cool, right? So it builds up from there. And um, <clears throat> the, the thing is with the plastic cases, and they are a pain in the butt to make. <laughs> and they're, they're all right, they're a little brittle. Um, they require sanding. Um, that, uh, and a lot of them get messed up in the first, you know, they don't even come out right. So, um, so just come out with the cases. And uh, uh, I was having a breakfast with Boise at the BCF uh, Southeast. And he said, you know, I've been talking to Mark Siegel, who's a character from the past of a, a radio shack or whatever. And uh, Mark does injection molding stuff these days, and he can hook us up 
maybe we can do an injection molded cartridge. <laughs> I said, man, this could be, I've heard of that, but that's crazy amounts of money. He said, no, I don't think it's going to be that bad. <laughs> so, so I looked into it, and uh, we actually got a deal where a couple of us could get together, put up a little money, <coughs> kind of goofy money, but not crazy money. <laughs> and so now we've got cartridge cases, and so now I don't have to make them myself, right? And so the project kind of built, which extended our community out. Now this wouldn't have existed if I hadn't done that. Nobody would have thought, oh, but why bother? Nobody wants to, right? Well, I did this project in the open and said, how can we improve it? And somebody came along and said, well, let's make it better. So now we've got these cases and uh, got enough of them. I'm not only going to use it for normal projects, I can extend them out to other people's projects. And uh, I think it's been pretty cool. But uh, anyway. I hope everybody's bought some of these, uh, by the way. <laughs> um, but I've done some other stuff, kind of along the same lines. Uh, there'll be problems, um, and um, you know, I'll try to solve something for myself. And rather than just solve it for myself, I'll usually try to blog about it. And it gets people involved and people excited. Sometimes they do their own projects or whatever. Um, so like here's here's one I um, was seeing people were having trouble getting Coco joysticks. I don't think they're that rare, but for a while people were complaining about it. And so so I went and figured out how to source a box and a and a gimbal, some arcade parts, and I figured out you know, how to cut the box and not look like a moron had done it. <laughs> <laughs> so so I built my own joystick and uh Blog about that a little bit, and people showed up at Coco and said, "I want to see your joystick." <laughs> you know, which at first sounds wrong, but um, <laughs> I want to see the ring you built. Let's put it that way. Um, I even put a little, little stupid label on the back: "Arcade Domination." <laughs> people, uh, people do offer to buy them. The problem being that they, these are also kind of a pain in the butt to make. <laughs> it's fun to make for myself. Um, do you have any cheap Canadian labor to help? Well, you might want to help. But um, anyway, um, so, so but this is one where things, one, one project kind of led to another. I think I did this one first. Um, but some people said, well, you know what, this, this is great, but it's, it's still an analog joystick, and it's kind of hard to play some games with that, whatever. And so, um, so I got to thinking, and I found a, a Sega Master System joypad. It's, um, it's got the right number of buttons to match up with a, a Coco 3. And uh, they're not that hard to find, so I, you know, so I got to looking on the inside and figuring out it wasn't that hard to hack one of these. So I did a hack on this. And again, blogged about it, got people somewhat interested. Um, and uh, I don't know, that's the key, right? Do your project and get out there, and let people talk about it. People take interest, but uh, so there were a few people that tried to replicate this project. Um, Neil um, went a little farther and replicated another project with an actual arcade stick, but especially with the same circuit. <laughs> um, so anyway, but, but then people complained about this. Oh, I'd like to use like kind of a controller, but I don't want to cut one up. I don't want to hack it, solder it, whatever. You know, so, okay, well, how do you do that? All right, well, eventually figured out. Well, there used to be adapters in the community for this Tari style joysticks, which are pretty much the same, that uh, would plug into the Coco. So uh, I looked into it, designed the circuit, <laughs> laid it out, had the boards produced, then I immediately outsourced production to Canada. 
But so now, if you want to use a, a tire style joystick for the Go Go, you can buy a reasonably priced adapter. Um, it comes in a nice plastic box, got nice straight cuts on it, <laughs> a label, precise soldering of DIN connectors. <laughs> uh, you might ask why are the three DIN connectors? Well, I enhanced the design a little bit so you can. Uh, uh, you can plug the extra DIN connector into the serial port and uh, through software control you can exercise the uh, extra buttons on a Sega Genesis controller. Uh, unfortunately, I've neglected to write any games that do that. <laughs> I do have a test code that'll do it. But, so we need a game that uses the extra buttons, but um, it's one of those, you know, doing projects, letting the community know, see where they're at. Seeing what they complain about, because they always will. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's a way to engage with people. When people get engaged and they want to do things, they want to go and they want to go to events, they want to support people that are developing your thing and other things or whatever. So, um, so I mentioned the, um, the uh, injection molded cases, right? Well, we have a lot of these <laughs> between me and, and Mike and Boise. There's a, there's a lot of these out there. Um, more than I'm likely to use. <laughs> um, so I did a little design and uh, thought, well, one way to, to use the cases is to build some hardware. So I'm sure many of you will recognize that as a, a, uh, a prototyping PCB. Of course, it's designed specifically to fit those cartridges. So Mike has, has these available. Um, uh, if Mike ever runs out, I'll be sure to make some too. But, uh, um, anyway, you can get these, you can get the cases, you can do your own project. Probably is. Well, and after a while, I thought, well, I don't see anybody doing that. <laughs> Why is nobody doing that? Oh, well, maybe we need to do a project and blog about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, one of the problems with cocoa that a lot of people say is that there's no sound chip on it. So any audio you do has to be done driven by the CPU. And so um, I found the sound chip, that's uh, the chip that's in the, uh, the Tandem 1000. So I used one of the protoboards and built up a prototype. And uh, using, using that, I was hoping this was gonna kickstart a little bit of a prototype PCB business. I'm guessing it didn't. But <laughs> Anyway, uh, uh, silence for my important thing, but uh, anyway, if you do feel like building a little prototype circuit on a cartridge, we do have the parts available, you can get them, and uh, this is, you can see this is, uh, this is the, the audio chip, and there's a fair number of extra space left over if you want to add lights or sound or, you know, the sound or whatever. <laughs> um, anyway, these are available in the community. Um, just. Uh, Actually, Mike can make money off them. I don't make any money off them, but uh, you, you, you can buy them yourself. I'm just saying I'm not advertising for me, but for the community, if you want to do a project, there are resources available out there. Also, I did, uh, this is one of my prototypes I did for the, uh, the joypad adapter. Anybody cares? You want to buy it? Ten dollars, you know. <laughs> Let's see, is that a model I'm showing to? Oh yeah, so so we got the um, the uh, the molded plastic cartridges, and um, some people thought that was pretty cool stuff, right? And so, turns out someone in the community works in a printer and print shop, and he knows how to make die cut boxes. 
Tim Linder. That's right. And so he designed a die cut box that is a, um, a replica of uh, the, the boxes that Tandy sold with their ROM packs. Uh, his, the boxes he sold are very like the Tandy ones, and they have a, a window cut out here. But uh, he offered me a chance to customize my box. So I left this uh, no window and I just put a label on here to differentiate the product. But you know, this is this is from being out in the community, saying this is what we got, and having somebody else say, "Well, if you got that, maybe you want this," and uh, made the product better. I think made the world better, or at least for us. <laughs> so you know, if you hadn't been talking about it, it wouldn't have happened. So, so I guess that's the biggest thing. If you if you part of a community that you love, and it's not I mean, not enough, you know, there's ten people and you want twenty, <laughs> you got to talk about it, right? You have to stand up and say, I love this stuff. This is great stuff. Come on out, hang out with us. Come talk geek for a while. You got to get up. You got to dance a little bit. Say, <laughs> this is what we want. <laughs> Show up and, and uh, you know come and talk to us. And uh, yeah, okay, Chicago's, it's the middle of the country, but it's a little far for some people, you know. Chillicothe, kind of the middle of nowhere, but it's closer for some people. So, nice town, we love Chillicothe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I guess that's really the key I want to make is, um, you know, if you want the community to, to thrive and be bigger or whatever, you need to be proud of it. You need to be proud of what you're doing. Proud of the projects you do, proud of the people, other people doing projects. Now, this is one of the things that I feel like has changed over the few past few years. We've brought in other people that are maybe with some more similar mindset about telling people, hey, good job on that. All right, and one of them back in the back of the room, Mr. Steve Strobridge, he, <laughs> he's one of the people we discovered kind of early on in the podcast. said, who is this fool? Making cocoa videos. <laughs> like, well, we'll, we'll figure out who that guy is, right? <laughs> and uh, he's come in, he's been a big part of the community the past couple of years. And uh, like I said, he's grown his own podcast. And, uh, you know, those guys uh, get on, they talk about the latest projects. And, uh, you know, they're a little rough on David Ladd. But other than that, supportive of each other and supportive of the community it's a lot healthier it's a lot nicer you know it's uh, it's it's discouraging to take some time working on your project the part of your brain is saying why are you doing this silly thing he's saying well i'm doing it because i love it but it's still silly now i've got some friends that like it right and you go ahead and take it to your friends and your friends will go hmm, that's discouraging right but if your friends are going to say wow that's cool how does it work it's a lot nicer. It's a, a lot more validating. And so, this is where we're at in the Coco community. Uh, we've got, you know, we've had this major event for years that continues partly through its own momentum. And I'm glad it's still there. I don't know how long it'll last, but um, we thought, well, it might be nice to have another event. So, three of us got together. We added in a couple more with the trash talkers. And we made it happen, right? And 80 some people showed up. That's, that's the huge thing. Literally, if you build it, they will come. Or they did come, we built it and they came. 
is amazing to me. Um, yeah, it helps when we add some some uh, some headline talent to show up. Praise the Lord. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's a the wouldn't have been come here if we didn't have an event. Um, so uh, I would definitely like to uh, maybe challenge the. Uh, the Z80 based TRG folks to uh, you know continue what they've been doing and uh, continue to cooperate with us and also maybe reach out on their own um, for their own gatherings or, or whatever. Certainly uh, to keep going on their podcast, which is a great thing to entertain me. <laughs> um, but also, I would like to, to reach out to the Tanya 1000 folks. I mean, there's got to be a bunch of you, there's got to be a ton of Tanya 1000 folks out there. You got a Yahoo group, um, but where's the meetup? Come on now, guys, you can do the meetup, right? Where's the podcast? Anybody can do a podcast, look at us. <laughs> it's not that hard. Um, so get out, build your community, show us what your projects are, show us what you do, show us how you have fun. Um, and that's what it takes, is somebody to get up, be the clown, maybe, but stand up and do your thing. To say, hey, I made this stupid thing. What do you think? <laughs> Somebody's got to stand up and do it. Well, anyway, I think that's pretty much the point I wanted to make. I don't, uh, like I said, I didn't prepare very much, so I'll just dance a little. And dance a little. <laughs> <laughs> and I do the dancing demon thing. That's about it. But so I'll return the balance of my time. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. <laughs> <laughs> started belonging mm -hmm. and and that a lot of things have been foreign concepts to me like listening to podcasts reading blogs these, these are new things for me but what and that's kind of how you got discovered so you, your reaction you felt was fairly positive and that kind of helped yeah mostly I mean anytime yeah. you put something on the internet you might not like the comments <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, a common theme is you mentioned that at any time you have done something somebody has complained about. Yeah, something yeah. to complain about, right? So, the internet's full of trolls. Um, but I, I think what I've sensed here is that you've done some projects, you blog about them, the kind of um, affirmation you've received kind of help you know, fuel you to do more things. But what I've seen is that how you are now um, stimulating this community, I think, has inspired hundreds yeah. of people, because you got me to go to Coco Fest, um, you got me listening to your podcast, you got me aware of all these things, so I think maybe part of that experience of you wanting to do something and then feeling that validation, maybe consciously or subconsciously, that just trickled over to what you're doing with the podcast, because the validation you give everybody is, I think, really sparking this um, revival cool. of everything that's happening right now, so I definitely want to say thank you for everything you have done in the Coco crew, and, and Hawks awesome. Neil and Mike and boys and everybody else because uh, you're, you're 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 making people feel appreciated. Well, thank you. That was, that's good. Very glad to hear that. Same here. That's, that's the reason why I come because of you guys. Thank you. Just 
doing these things. That's things fun. You know, so most of us are probably old enough to remember an old TV commercial for a. Uh, a hair care product, and it's uh, so great that you'll tell two friends, and they'll tell two friends, and they'll tell two friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. That's kind of where it's at. You know, you do your project, and you talk about it, and maybe, like I said, maybe you only inspire one more person to do their project, but if they talk about it, maybe they inspire someone, and at some point, it, it rolls. And, uh, and the more people that do those projects, I mean, that's why I'm here. More than anything is uh, I do my projects and talk about them because I want to see other people's projects and, uh, and see them talk about them. I, I was delighted the first time I saw this TRS vid project <laughs> and I didn't know the guy or anything but it's like wow that's cool. <laughs> um, anybody's projects should show up. It's, you know it's cool to see them. And, uh, the stuff on Facebook pops up. Um, even the stuff with the, you know, the weird uh, FPGAs and Nitrous 9 or whatever. <laughs> But anyway, but yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. And uh, what's what's next for your next project? <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, probably as far as actual projects, I, like I said, I really want to do a game that at least it uses the three buttons on the or fourth buttons on the controllers. Okay. Um, I'd probably like to do um, something that's a Coco three game because I've mostly done Coco one and two stuff. Um, but I'm not entirely sure. I've been thinking about some kind of space tank kind of thing <laughs> or whatever, but we'll see. Um, but uh, you know, other than that, the, the podcast the podcast takes a little time. Sometimes it takes away some of the free time that would go to projects. But um, I don't know. We'll work it out. We've kind of been getting a little more ahead lately. <coughs> so maybe we'll be able to have a block of free time together a little better. Well, um, I know John Strong has mentioned he's going to be releasing two titles in the Game Master cartridge. Yeah. Are you planning on doing anything to take advantage of that sound chip yourself? And yeah, I would like to. Um, you know, so nothing else, uh, uh, Farfall does have music in it. Uh, it should be uh, as trivial as trivial comes, at least, that, right. to, to convert that to the, to the hardware. Um, so um, I would like to do that. It's just a matter of finding enough ground to it. <laughs> Cheap Canadian labor. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, but uh, I think that'll be coming. Um, yeah, I know Neil is always desperate for another edition of Farfall. Yeah. I'm afraid his Farfall shelf is going to break off the wall. As far as other developers, is, do you feel like people are embracing the cartridge and the circuit board and, and some? I mean, not 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 what I anticipated. Yeah. Oh, we see some almost almost outright antagonism from certain sources. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, people want to do their own thing. Okay, I mean, that's why we're here, right? Scratch your own edge, whatever. If I can't help you, then uh, I can't help you, right? I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> right. I mean you've gone out of your way to give everybody the tools they need to succeed. And if, if, but if, you're, if your itch is to make your own PCB, or if your itch is to print your own cases, or whatever, you know, that's what you should do. But if you, if you just want to get a game on cartridge, I can help you with that. Yeah, you have. You helped Rick. <laughs> If you could do the cartridge over again, would you change anything, like maybe a little door on the side so people wanted to output from it or anything like that? Or? Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's kind of hard to know what would be useful to accommodate. What accommodations aren't distractions, you know what I mean? Right. 
I mean, you know, like you could have a slot in the back for an SD card or something. Yeah. Um, uh, we talked about, you know, we've been criticized uh, for putting the screw on the top instead of the bottom where the label covers the screw. Um, I kind of like it that way, but I mean, you know, I'm making them with, to sell games. Right, right. Um, but if you're buying them to, to have a cartridge that you need to open up, well, it's a little inconvenient, but I don't know. The one screw that gets the label never bothered me much, but. Don't label it. Right, don't label it. That's how they were made back in the day, wasn't it? What's that? Yeah. That's how they were made back in the day, wasn't it? With the, yeah, under the screw, yeah. the screw yeah. under the label, yeah. yeah. That's, that was kind of my main thing, and it's like, well. I don't know, it makes sense to me. I don't want I don't want to see the screw, but Hey, we had to, you know, dig into the label back in the day. We can do it now. <laughs> well I mean you can produce a label, um, some of them can be cut with holes in them and, and whatever, so it's not that hard. Of course it's a little harder to put them on if you have to line up a hole, but <laughs> it can be done. Um, you can make them shorter too. There's that guy on the Facebook page that was posting all the all the uh, labels that he had read. Rebuilt up the yeah, reproduction of, labels. Yeah, yeah those those are SD card things. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's there's such a renaissance and people coming up with all these little things. It's so neat to see all this stuff on them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, did you say you had all the parts and everything here to build like the the board with the sound chip? No, I don't have the parts. Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. I I was just I'd like to get one and. Yeah, so I haven't quite decided on the boards. Uh, John Strong wants to buy boards. Um, I was kind of reluctant, but uh, I think I'm going to sell him some boards. I'm planning to sell him some boards. Um, but uh, I haven't really decided how I don't want to go with that. But there are other people who want them too. <laughs> yeah, I was just curious if there's a company, if you're going to have one, that out there for people to start. Yeah. Code. Uh, yeah, I understand. Well, so if you want to code against the, the design, you can use MESS or MAME today. Oh, okay. uh, it's in the latest versions uh, since I forget the version, but a couple of months at least. Um, so, yeah, so you can run the code. Um, there is a, a demo ROM that, that I made that's out there if you just want to hear it play. Yeah, um, I've seen that. Um, cool. But, uh, yeah, no, the, um, I'm not entirely happy with the design. That's part of why I have to <laughs> publicize it, just whatever. But um, I mean, it works. But it's a you know, it's a little big. It's a little. The board itself probably costs a little more than it ought to. Um, the uh, probably could use some amplification on the output. But I mean, it's kind of it's loud enough to fill the hall at Coca Fest. But you know. You never know, I've done this turn up the TV volume, but it'll be fine. <laughs> sure, go ahead. Yeah, I know that you and uh, uh, Boise go on a lot of the uh, other uh, festivals and stuff for the uh, retro computers. How does the uh, TRS-80 and the color computer stack up with against Commodores, Amigas? And In terms of representation? <coughs> right. Um, community, you know. Usually when, I, when I've exhibited at other events, I'm the only one, the only Coco. Um, you see a few other TRS-80s, sometimes you see one other Coco or an MC-10 and whatever. So we don't see a lot at the uh, at these other events. And some of them, like the VCF East in New Jersey has a lot of big iron representation, kind of a different crowd. Um, now VCF Southeast is, is pretty much nothing but uh, microcomputers. So we probably should see more, and I think we do see a few there, but uh, they usually have a, a they set up a video wall, 
with like three or four machines with projectors and you can play games on the wall. And usually one of them is a Coco, along with a VC, uh, uh, VCS or whatever, 2600. Um, but, uh, so, uh, yeah, you don't see a ton of representation in other events. I don't think so, do you, Toysie? I've seen a Coco at every event I've went to this year. Oh, okay. the other guy, uh, VCF, he still had a Coco set up. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I mean, you'll see one. You won't see a lot of them, but you will see one. Well, that's good. Yeah, so Bruce Moore, other Canadian, says that the uh, Coco crew inspired me to do Forest of Doom. So they're talking about inspiring people in the community to do projects. Right? Eric is watching us. It says John has been pivotal, piv pivotal in bringing everyone together. Well, thank so, you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Very cool stuff. So it's mostly Commodore. What's that? Like you're saying, well, there's, there's one Coco. So oh, what's the rest? <laughs> oh, whatever. Oh, there was a lot of Commodore, there was a lot of, um, a lot of Atari, especially BCF uh, Southeast, I say, is a lot of Atari, because oh, yeah. part of it is, uh, well, the Atlanta Historical Computing Society, did that go mm -hmm. out? Um, but I think there's a, an Atari club that's part of that. Yeah, the battery did. Yeah, I'll switch now, we got some What's the big iron thing you saw? Well, I mean, um, yeah, so what, there's machines so old they have like individual names, <laughs> you know, like machines from the 50s or whatever that uh, um, I don't even remember why. They had a Tektronics uh, graphical terminal at, uh, in New um, Jersey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I imagine, you know, IBM 360 or... Yeah, I've seen some old military stuff, like his honor trailer. My original love was the PDP-8i. Oh, yeah. My first love. Thank you, thank you. Have you got one of those PDP-8 kids? Have you seen that No, I wish I had one. I think they're still available. I'm not sure. I've seen like a couple them. hundred dollars, yeah. yeah. I think that the same guy's going to do a Pi DP 11, too. Wow. <laughs> uh, any other questions? Comments? How do you like the show? Success. Anybody got any complaints about the show? I'm really curious. Is there anything that's it's all great except. Too short. Too short. <laughs> Too short. Uh, next time, have the uh, cash bar be an open bar. <laughs> well, the auction was so good that maybe. No promises. <laughs> maybe we should have the bar before the auction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everybody's got something to do Friday night. <laughs> but uh, it's a thought. I mean, cool. Maybe just a short intermission around time. Yeah, I think, the, I think that if there is, it's, it's, it's not a complaint, but the yeah. problem with these shows is that with the back to back speaking, yeah. it's hard to breathe in between and like be in both places. Yeah. Again, every year I find myself 
That's more the, here at the that's probably the top of our list. At the, at the last stop, just not, not enough time there. To see you can't game. be in both places. You need to be. It's, 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 these yeah. things are literally two shows at the yeah. same time. Maybe we could put a video screen on the other side. Of the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's not the same. Thing, I don't want the people here. Yeah, right. sure, yeah, sure. So that that's yes. Yeah, so you can't call it qualify as a complaint, but it's just a yeah. It's not a complaint. I mean, but um, you know, yeah. like maybe a lunch, <laughs> like a twelve o'clock, having to be a lunch break instead of another. Yeah, I think yeah, man, we we were. Yeah, I think the schedule could sustain some improvements. Yeah, it's jam packed, and for your first event to have this much activity is great. So, it's good yeah, I'll take I'll take the activity over the lack of. Yeah, yeah, Honestly, I'm, I'm really impressed with the show floor, so if we did on the yeah, show yeah. floor, it's going to be so nice. Maybe we would have said, no, we don't need quite so many speakers. <laughs> yeah, well, honestly. honestly. I mean, have you ever seen constructions like that at the show floor? Mm -hmm. Because uh, uh, the girders and stuff, it's like, a, it's like an industry event, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, 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 the, the, the keynote speakers you got, you've got some heavyweights in here, mm -hmm. so they, to line that up is impressive, and you saw the draw. Yeah, I have a suggestion. Good. Although it's going to sort of expose me as an idiot. Oh. <laughs> I would like it if we had the first and last names, not just, you know, Rick A. Yeah. Because people are coming to me and saying, hi, Rick, you know, how's it going? I'm like, oh, yeah, pretty good. I, I'm sorry, I'm really sorry, but who are you? <laughs> oh, I'm Mike Rowan. No. I say, oh, I totally know who you are. <laughs> but until you said that, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, okay. If that might be, let's say, the president of writing their last name down, that'd be good. I like the badges, though. Yeah, Mike, yeah. Mike came up with these. Are these coasters by any chance? Yeah, they are. Why not? It's <laughs> a coaster with a sticker on it. Yes, it is. They turned over upside down, it's got another purpose. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> don't, don't put it on there. <laughs> Yeah, I've been telling everybody I'm the other John L. Nice, yeah. I, look, I tell them I'm the, I'm the less, uh, the less uh, uh, smart John oh, L. Oh, right. <laughs> you know, less well known, how about that? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that too. Oh. All right, anything else? Well, thank you for coming. Uh, thank, you. thank you for coming to the event. Get back out there to support our vendors. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's me. It's Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. You know, gameplay goodness. Gameplay goodness. You know, gameplay goodness. All right, people. Gameplay goodness. Thank you so much. You know, gameplay goodness. Yeah. You know, gameplay goodness. Are you ready for this? You know, gameplay goodness. Yeah. Gameplay goodness. Are you ready for this? You know, gameplay goodness. Yeah. You know, gameplay goodness. You know, gameplay goodness. This is how we like to do it. If you're into gaming on the Coco, then tune in to the original gamer, Stevie Stroh. See live gameplay, watch interviews with game authors, and be part of the fun. Original gamer, Stevie Stroh. Only on YouTube. Yeah, I'm in love with the
Welcome back to the Games Corner. Before I get into a talk here, I'd like to admit something to all of you. I am addicted to ROM cartridges. There, I said it. I just can't get enough of them. Whenever I see a new game being programmed, I just hope that the developer chooses to do a ROM cartridge. I also don't mind helping to produce them, as I know they can take time to build and assemble. I helped out on the first batch of the flooded game cartridges for the Coco under John Linville's Retro Tinker brand. One of the main reasons why I love cartridges so much is from the expression that's being kicked around in the community lately and on Coco Talk. Ease of use. Nothing easier than popping a cartridge into a computer and pushing the power switch on. Anyone could use a cartridge, even if they don't know anything about the Coco. It doesn't get any more ease of use than that. I also like them because cartridges will stand the test of time. If you end up having too many in your collection, you can always bury them in your backyard, just like Atari did. Okay, enough with the cartridge rant and on with the show. On this segment, I will be reviewing a game called Bomb Threat, coded by the legendary Rick Adams, who also brought us Temple of Rom in Shanghai back in the day. We are very lucky and honored at Tandy Assembly to have Rick Adams come join us and give a talk on his new-slash-old game he created. I say old because Rick actually had this game coded back in 1984, but unfortunately Tandy never published it, and after all these years, Rick had lost a source code to it. All that was left over was a VHS tape his son Joel found, with the gameplay of Bomb Threat on it. So what did Rick decide to do earlier this year? You guessed it. He recoded the game from scratch. After all these years of not programming in 6809 assembly language, he picked it right up and went at it again. Before you know it, at the end of September, Rick had the game completed. Just in time for John over at Retro Tinker to start flashing and assembling the new ROM cartridges. Rick's son Joel is also a very talented graphics artist and he designed the game cartridge labels. Well, the planets aligned, and there were bomb threat cartridges available for sale at Tandy Assembly. Rick was signing these cartridges upon request. Such an amazing looking package, with the original box, manual insert, game cartridge, and professional stickers made. It seriously felt like I was going back in time buying one of these. Also to note, Rick used a Radio Shack catalog number of 84-2017. How cool is that? 84 being the first year the game was made originally and 2017, the game being recoded and finished. If anyone wants to buy one of these game cartridges, you can try and get a hold of John Linville, but I believe there's only one or two left. Not sure if and when another production run of these cartridges will be made. However, Rick is selling this game on a CD, also with the same custom graphics label. You just have to copy the disk image file from CD onto your SD card if you're using a Coco SDC. You can also use DriveWire, or if you really want to go retro, you can copy it onto a real floppy disk. Alright, a brief rundown on the actual game. It was coded by Rick Adams in 2017. Requires a color computer 1, 2, or 3. With, I'm going to guess, 32K RAM? That I'm actually not sure about, because it doesn't seem to be written anywhere. All my Cocos have 64K and up, so don't hold me to this. It is an arcade-style game with static screen levels. You're in a warehouse driving a forklift tractor. The object is to drive your forklift and move all the boxes of merchandise away from the bombs. Or, if you're feeling risky, you can move the bombs away from the merchandise. However, any one of those bombs can go off at any random time. Sounds easy? Well, there's definitely another twist. Sometimes, even a good box of merchandise has a bomb hidden inside it. And at random, it will reveal itself and go off. Once all the bombs have blown up, you will get points for each box of merchandise left over that didn't get taken out with a bomb. You will then advance to the next level. 
I've been having a lot of fun playing this game. I find the gameplay very addicting, and it keeps you wanting to break your high score. Well, there you have it. Another quality game for your color computer. Reach out to Rick Adams or John if you'd like to purchase this game. I highly recommend it, and I'm not just saying that because I met Rick in person. This really is a quality, fun game. Until next month, game on, and happy Coco Gaming. After these messages... We'll be right back! You're listening to the Coco Crew Podcast, a delicious adventure into the world of retro computing news and information. Mmm, featuring Tandy Color Computer. Well, we have reached the end of episode 29. This has definitely been a whirlwind but fun month with Tandy Assembly. And speaking of Tandy Assembly, we would like to thank Stevie Strobridge, the original gamer, for doing all our live YouTube streaming and for being a sponsor. We would also like to thank all of you who did sponsor or donate towards our event and all of you who came out. Without all of you, Tandy Assembly would have not been successful like it was. So we thank you for that. As usual, I'd like to thank our host, John Linville, for providing all the news articles each month. I'd also like to thank Myro, or Mike Rowan, for making those amazing commercials you hear each month, and Boise Pete for joining us again. We also can't forget to thank Stevie Strobridge for giving us some of your time to record an interview. Last but not least, we'd like to thank each and every one of you who listen to our podcast each month and for your feedback. Well, until next month, spend some time with your cocoa, especially now that the colder weather's here, for most of us, that is. And stay tuned for episode 30.